Friday, September the 3rd, 2021. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. I don't care if Monday's blue, Tuesday's gray, and Wednesday too. Oh, Thursday, I don't care about you. It's Friday. I'm in love. Gonna set you up for the weekend. Here we have a loaded episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Week one of NCAA football. Kinda, sorta. There was week zero last week. There have also been a couple games throughout the week, but a loaded NCAA football week one slate. Just gonna dive into it uh, a tad and let you know what some of the key uh, matchups are for week one. Then we're gonna get into the Dodgers. A good friend of mine, James Kurtz, my former roommate, joins me. We talk for about a half an hour on the Big Dodger series coming up this weekend. They are deadlocked with the Giants, tied heading into a series this weekend with the big rival. Both of those teams with the best record in baseball. Who's going to take the advantage in the division? Then we get into NFL with Eric. We go division by division. We give our predictions for divisional winners. We predict the teams that are going to make the playoffs. And then we talk about some future wagers if you want to make uh, on some teams in the AFC, NFC, possible Super Bowl uh, winners. We talk about some of the prices there, and we go through division by division, get you all set up for the NFL season that starts in less than one week. Then we get into racing for Friday, Saratoga, Friday, Del Mar, Saturday, Saratoga, Saturday, Del Mar, and we close things out with wrestling. With Chad Cooper, we hit on everything happening in the worlds of WWE on Raw, SmackDown, with NXT, all the news there, and then AEW with All Out coming up this weekend. We also talk a little bit about the NWA and uh, a couple of their pay-per-views last weekend, so a packed edition of That's What G Said that is presented by Better Than Dot Vegas at BTV Bets. So, Better Than Dot Vegas is a website, you've heard me talking about it now for a few weeks, it, it will totally help you out with your gambling, with your handicapping, with your wagering. It's free, and a bunch of different handicappers from all around the world will post their videos sharing their insight, sharing their wagers for the day, some of the reasoning why. Any of you out there can also share your wagers, some of your reasoning, anything that, you know, you're playing, and you you can... Start to gain a little bit of a following. You can grow your brand a little bit. You can get involved in what's now a monthly showdown where if you post your videos and your picks for free, it doesn't cost you anything to enter. There's a contest, and whoever has the highest total of units, whoever has the best ROI, return on your investment through your wagers throughout the month, will win $1,000. And there aren't like millions of people getting involved in here. You're playing against 20, 25 right now, 50 maybe other people. When football season starts, I'm sure there'll be a little bit more, but we're not talking millions. Better than Dot Vegas. Give them a follow on Twitter at BTV Bets. Every single day, they post wagers. And if you help retweet those, sometimes it's a poll asking what wager they should make. They put in wagers. Sometimes it's parlay, sometimes it's prop bets. And they pick one of the followers to get that wager. If it wins, you get the money. They send it right to you. Literally giving away money. I'm really excited about the BTV fall lineup of live streams uh, on social media, on Twitter that you could follow along with. Now listen to this schedule. And all this stuff is free. If you just follow at BTV Bets on Twitter, if you just follow me, it's me, Gino B. You will find all of these streams. I'm going to be a part of the Monday, Wednesday, Thursday and Sunday streams. So every Monday, we're going to have fourth and inches. 
that goes at 7 o'clock Eastern time and it's going to be leading you up to the Monday night football game. On that Monday, we'll talk lines, total, any news about the game, fantasy stuff, DFS, prop wagers. We'll hit that game from every angle. Then on Wednesday, it's going to be the two-minute drill where it will be a show where a couple of the guys on Better Than Dot Vegas, Blackjack and Leo, they have to try to pick the five games that they want to get into the Super Contest, and I'm going to have to help them decide on those games. Thursday, 4th and Inches, we're going to do the same thing leading up to the Thursday night game. Monday, Thursday night, it'll just be that one game, so we will really get into that game and, and probably talk a lot more props. Then on Saturday, early in the morning, you f- soccer fans, you football fans, there's pitches and pints every Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern, then Campus Profits, Every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern, I will be filling in to host Campus Profits this weekend on Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern time. So we're going to go through the college football slate with a couple other guys from Better Than Dot Vegas. I think XFL Jim Chase and the GCG Golf Course Coast Guru. So that's Saturday. Then on Sunday at 10 a.m. there's Fantasy Foreplay. Then at 11 a.m. I'll be hosting Fourth and Inches with Blackjack, with Brian, and with Eric, who you hear on this show each and every week. We're going to go through the full Sunday slate. We'll bounce all around each game. We talk about stuff that we like in each game, totals, props, sides, and then at the end we'll give some of our best bets and uh, maybe some DFS and fantasy thoughts as well at the end there. That is on Sunday, every Sunday. So every Monday, Wednesday, Thursday shows, two shows on Saturday, four shows on Sunday. Fantasy foreplay, fourth and inches, the gymnasium at 9 p.m., and then the backdoor cover at 11 p.m. Look at the loaded fall lineup for better than dot Vegas. And as I mentioned, one of those shows is on Saturday, this Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern time, 7 a.m. Pacific time, bright and early for me. We're going to get through that Saturday morning. NFL or that Saturday morning college football slate Well, Not even Saturday morning, all Saturday Because Saturday, September the 4th This weekend coming up 19 of the AP top 25 teams Are in action There are 5 games with ranked teams Playing each other And what's cool is the way that the schedule is set up There are big games All day and all night At 12pm Eastern Time 9 a.m. Pacific time, bright and early. You get number 19, Penn State, at number 12, Wisconsin. The number two team in the nation, Oklahoma, kicks off against Tulane. Then at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time, the number one team in the nation, Alabama, takes on Miami in Atlanta. You get number 17, Indiana, at number 18, Iowa. In the next slate of games, at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time, number 21, Louisiana, the Ragin' Cajuns, at number 23, Texas. 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, you get Georgia, number 5 team in the land, at number 3, Clemson. Then to close things out, you get a look at LSU playing at UCLA, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time at night. Those are some of the big games. We'll also get a chance to see number 6, Texas A&M, number 7, Iowa State, number 8, Cincinnati, number 11, Oregon, number 13, Florida, and number 15, USC. All are going to kick off their seasons with very high hopes Coming into this college football year So an exciting weekend With NCAA football On the horizon Make sure to tune in Follow along It's me Gino B on Twitter At BTV Bets We'll have a a live stream on Saturday morning Where we go through 
all of the betting lines, totals, some of the games that we like. We take a look at the huge Saturday college football slate. Make sure to give us a follow there. And we're going to get into some baseball in just a moment. Before we do, want to let you know about one of our good friends, full-service realtor Cindy Carava. She can help you out in many, many ways. As a full-service realtor, that means purchasing, selling, leasing, any of those. Maybe you just... You're interested in home improvement. Maybe you want to get in touch with some vendors who can help you out. Gardeners, landscapers, painters. She has all of those connections, the people that she knows very well that she has used in her own homes. If you need help getting pre-approved for a loan, she can connect you with the right kind of lenders that will help you out and make everything very easy for you. Cindy Carava is one of the kindest and most genuine people you will ever meet. When you're dealing with moving, relocating, any of this kind of home improvement stuff, there's a lot of things you have to worry about. There's a, there's a checklist. You want to be dealing with someone that you can trust that's very honest. That is Cindy Carava, the website, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. You can check out all of her listings there. There are reviews about her on Yelp and Zillow. You can see the current listings, some of her past work, uh, testimonials from people who have worked with Cindy, CindyCarava.com Up next we're going to get into Some Dodger talk Good friend James Kurtz Joins me uh, James probably got a lot of secrets on me We uh, we lived together for a couple years I've known James We worked together at Islands Back when we were 17-18 years old So I've known James for quite some time We've watched many a Dodger games together And it's a great time to talk about the Dodgers Because they are playing some good baseball And they head into a huge Weekend series with the San Francisco Giants, these teams are tied. They are deadlocked, heading into a massive weekend series where one of them is going to come out with a one-game lead at the very least. Hopefully the Dodgers can play well and sweep the hated rivals this weekend. Let's talk Dodgers with James Kurtz here on That's What G Said. We are 134 games into the baseball season, and there is a tie atop the NL West. The Dodgers and the Giants are the two best teams in baseball. They have the two best records in baseball, and they are deadlocked atop the NL West with a huge three-game series coming up this weekend that will have major, major implications on which one of these teams is able to win the division. Whichever team doesn't win the division will likely be locked up. They'd literally have to fall apart. Either either one of these teams is 10 games ahead of the other, 10 games plus ahead of the other team in the wild card spot. So one will win the, the division, one will have to survive a one-game wild card playoff. We're going to talk all about the Dodgers. We're going to preview this Dodgers and Giants series coming up this weekend with a very good friend of mine, someone who is uh, my old roommate. Uh, one of my best buddies, someone who we've watched many a Dodger games with uh, in person or uh, at home, chilling, having a few drinks. He's a very good baseball player himself, and he's going to join me and chat a little Dodgers because we've got some great stuff to talk about. James Kurtz joins me. How you doing, buddy? Good, G. Thanks for having me on. Uh, like you said, we probably had close to thousands of these conversations. <laughs> I so, was uh, going to say. Good yeah. to have one recorded. Through the years with you, with your pops also, uh, all yeah. sorts of fun uh, fun talks. And you yourself uh, were, were a part of a, a group chat. We're always going back and forth. We've played in fantasy leagues and stuff through many years. James and I lived together for uh, a couple years. And you actually called this before the Giants played Atlanta. You called it the Atlanta was going to take a couple games from them over the weekend. And then we were kind of joking last week when we were discussing um, – 
when we were going to record and I, fi- I figured you know what let's wait a week and maybe we'll have some you know some better news and we can do it right before the giants dodgers series it couldn't have worked out better because i mean the Thinking about these two teams being tied right now heading into this series as a as a baseball fan and as like a Dodger or Giants fan, this is pretty cool. Yeah, you know, I said, uh, I, I think I called it like a week and a half ago. I said, yeah. I want an emergency pod, live exactly. emergency pod as soon as <laughs> they tie it up. Um, yep. And didn't make it here today, so I'll step right in. And uh, yeah, I mean, you couldn't ask for anything more coming into the weekend. Dodgers Giants tied heading into September. It's going to be pretty good stuff. What's been really cool about the last few weeks for the Dodgers now, they're coming off in August where they went 21 and 6. That's the fourth best month in the history of the Dodgers since moving to LA. Didn't didn't really feel like that cuz you're chasing the Giants and they're playing so well too, you know. But Yeah, I heard him I heard him talking about that uh the, on the game the other night and it's like as good as they've been, I guess maybe we were kind of desensitized by it cuz we're just used to winning and, baseball kind of at this point. You know, but, and uh, and it's it's hard because w- there was like a year of games where we were favored in every game. Yeah. <laughs> like every single game. So you go into situations like that where, you know, we understand baseball. You're not going to win every single game. But when you're as good and as deep as this Dodgers team is, there were so many games that it just felt like we gave away or got away from us throughout the year. That's what's been cool about the last few weeks because. There were a, a few things where the Dodgers really struggled this year, and there were three key stats that I kept looking at going, there's no way these can hold up. They're going to have to flip a little bit. And in the last month, all three of them have. First, we started off this year 1-12 in, in extra inning games. I mean, with and that what's so crazy about that is like, okay, the extra inning format, it's not like it feels like it should be a disadvantage to the Dodgers. We're, we're, we've got as deep of a lineup as anyone, so we automatically get a runner on base. We get we have great at-bats. Like, we should be able to take advantage of that. We hit a lot of home runs as much as anyone. And for some reason, those first 13 extra inning games we played, you could, you could we could feel it in our belly as soon as we would get there. Just like, uh-oh, it's coming. Well, you can even throw in at our bullpen's good. I know, right? And, yeah. and vers- versatile lineup, but yeah, it's just been one of those things. It wasn't only really that. I think even we weren't winning as many one-run games. Yeah, that was there's another one. You so know, the Dodgers that's, won. Th- th- that's a perfect. You, you know, it's almost like you've done this before. You're perfectly setting <laughs> me up and and teasing me because the Dodgers had a really really bad record in one-run games. They were four. Uh, they were 13 and 21. They have now won eight consecutive games that have been decided by one run, and go. now they're twenty-one and twenty-one. And you know, for a team that's supposed to be they're what thirty games over five hundred, you almost yeah. expect them to be up more than than playing five hundred ball in one-run games. Mm-hmm. So, as that continues to turn, you know, it's uh, it's a good sign for us. And another one of those key stats for me was the record against opponents over five hundred was just so-so. Now that's a weird stat because teams. Jump up and oh, down over 500 You know quickly and what's yeah. to say A team that's like two games over or two games Under is that much better but it's kind of an interesting Stat to look at and in now Their last six games Against opponents that were over 500 They're 6-0 and oh. you know they beat the Padres And the and the Braves two two good teams They swept yeah. them And, and that, so was, that, was, that was always something like growing up My dad always kind of mentioned like You know beating up on bad teams once Playoff comes around especially with like with pitching and now it seems everyone has guys that throw hard but when you can't beat those good teams a lot of times i feel like it's because those elite pitchers just Mm kind of have your number 
Yep. So to, to see them turn that around, also picking up an elite pitcher to ourselves, uh, you know, it bodes well for the uh, the rest of the season. So a couple of guys that I really want to mention because they get very maligned, you know, and um, the, the first one is is Kenley Jansen. You know, he he's he's been a guy that I think has gotten him and Kershaw really got the the brunt of the like the fan angst from from the the near misses for these Dodger groups you know the the years where we'd make yeah. big runs and and it would feel like it was always one of them who would have the blow up and i it's it's hard because you know we we asked so much of these guys and i think sometimes people kind of t- took for granted that you don't just end up in the you know NLCS or in the while in the World Series, you know, every year you got to get there, and and these guys have helped us get there year in and year out. And Kenley had that he had a really good start to the year, and then he had that bad like week or so where two he, weeks maybe yeah yeah it was like a two week stretch. Since then, since that stretch in his last sixteen games, uh, he has pitched seventeen innings. He has given up eight hits total, only six walks. 24 strikeouts in the 17 innings. He has a one fifth, a one five nine ERA, a one thirty six batting average against, and he's only given up one home run, which is great. Three earned runs total over that stretch. That is, that's excellent. That was, you know, and, and seeing guys like Kimbrel who struggled, you yeah, know, or Chapman, Chapman who struggled, some of the other key closers. Those have been, you know, the guys for the last decade or so who have been some of the best. I think people sometimes want to take him for granted because. You know, he he got he had a couple bad games against Houston and a couple bad games against the Red Sox, you know, in yeah, those big, I mean, big look, moments. There's there's only one Rivera, you know, I mean, I guess the next closest thing after that for a little while was Gagne. But, you know, we're Dodger fans, but we can admit he was juicing, obviously, too. And that was a short span, you know. Yeah, yeah exactly. Years, I mean, to, to, maybe to or, be yeah. to be elite at that position, that's such like a stressful, you know, high leverage place where, you know, you come out and give one run or. Maybe an error like Kinley lost the game earlier this year. That wasn't really his fault. There's the error and the, the which should have been the, oh, yeah the throw and the and the check the check the third strike the it check swing. Been. Oh, I know, but and still, was, end of the day, who gets who gets pinned with the loss and the blown save and him. you know yeah. So it's you know it's uh the spotlight's on you out there and uh, there's not really you know you can't really redeem yourself after that. So it's tough. While we're talking bullpen, there's a couple other guys I I think we need to mention because. You know, people for a while would always say, oh, the Dodger bullpen, bullpen. And I would like to just point to the stats and say, this this bullpen's fourth in baseball in ERA. Yeah. They're first in baseball in batting average against. They have a 210 batting average against for their bullpen. And and this is after a stretch of time where they have had three starters now for a while. And before that, there was a stretch where they only had two real starters. You know, prices started two, kind of two and a half, two and a, two half, and a half, I guess, with price. Yeah, because <laughs> with price, you know, your Arias was out for a little bit, and you, you yeah. were really just riding Bueller and Scherzer since they made the trade. Hopefully, Kershaw's going to come back. All the issues they've had this year with May getting hurt, Gonsolin, you know, back and forth and, and injured, Kershaw banged up, the Bauer stuff where he, you know, obviously, he, you know, he, he, we don't, they don't want him around now, but it was something you were depending on, you know, eating up a bunch of innings. It's been, Pretty amazing that this bullpen can still Have those type of numbers when they Have to throw so many innings Yeah and hopefully well you know they brought Kind of guys up and down for instance mm-hmm. uh, One of the guys I'm sure we're going to touch on Is Vestia who yep. Yep. not only Love because his numbers but 
the attitude out there too, right? He's kind of yes. kind of like that Gratterall sort of thing. He's pumped and you love Gamer. to see it. Um, yep. But, you know, they've kind of brought up guys that have, that have shown on for a little bit. Knable, um, you know, guys that have come up for a little bit and not sustained the whole year. But everyone's got, sort of chipped in. That's, everyone's chipped right. in when they needed them. A month here or two where they were rolling or a big game here or two when they needed. Uh, Vessia was someone who you just referenced. How about Vessia in his last, uh, you know, month or so? Uh, 11, his last 11 innings pitched, he's given up just three hits. Uh, just two runs, seventeen it, strikeouts, and I think, and I think uh, the last two runs are his last two appearances. He had zero. Yeah. This is from August, from like August seventh on. And you're right, they he had a, like a stretch of about nine games where he didn't give up a run. Period. He has yeah. a .81 batting average against a .159 ERA, and he has been like between him and Bickford, rubber arm Bickford, man. This guy, <laughs> this guy came over to the Dodgers in. Uh, in late May, May the 23rd And between May the 23rd and September 1st He's appeared in 45 games He's thrown 42 innings And a 2.36 ERA A 190 batting average against He struck out 51 In 42 innings He only has walked 15 batters And even four home runs and hit by pitch Not bad in those numbers either um, Those are two Really unsung, real unsung heroes of this team. Two guys that you came into this year, you're not depending on, you're not counting on them. But then all of a sudden, early on in the year, Knable's your best reliever, and then he goes down. And, uh, yeah. and then Gonsolin's not quite around. And, you, you know, Joe Kelly was missing some time. We didn't quite know what was going on with him. And you needed, these two guys just came up out of absolute nowhere and, and Dave Roberts is very confident in them And as fans, I think we are When they come into the game, I feel really good About them getting the job done Honestly, this is almost best case scenario um, Let's say we Take two out of three or sweep this weekend And kind of start to pull a little bit of a lead um, it, It's This is almost a better situation for the Dodgers Than coasting and being up 15 10 games totally in, agree. in the division A little bit of you know adversity you, everyone starts to hit their stride, and then maybe you give them like the last week of rest, you know, and pick and choose the spots here and there. Exactly. But you kind of, you know, you kind of, kind of gotten those fires. You, you know, you you fought with your teammates, and you kind of proved this team to be elite. So, you know, it's it's almost better case scenario than than just a cakewalk through the season. And then there's Mad Max. They make the trade, and this was another <laughs> one of those things where it's like we're we're sitting there in the trade deadline, and it and it looks like. Max is going to the Padres, but the Dodgers, they will, you know, they, they're very good poker players. They've, and we've found out, you know, they're, they're not going to go all in right away. They'll kind of wait, wait, wait. And they know what they have because they know the prospects and the farm system and the major league level players that they can, they can afford to trade away if they're going to upgrade with now players. And that's exactly what they did because I think a lot of people were excited about Scherzer, but I don't know how many people really knew how good Trey Turner was. And man, those two guys coming out here, they have completely done what you would have expected. They 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 come over, and that was right at the exact same time when they the Dodgers start going on a run, and it sparked them. Scherzer in L.A. for the Dodgers, six games, thirty-five innings pitched. The Dodgers are six and zero in his games. He's allowed five earned runs. 22 hits in those 35 innings. He struck out 50, 
50 strikeouts to five walks. <laughs> He's given up two home runs and two hit, pit, two hit by pitches. He has a 129 ERA and a 172 batting average against. Not a bad little uh, trade uh, trade deadline acquisition there for a team that's uh, that's trying to gain on the Giants, huh? I like your poker analogy too because I I heard them talking and uh, I guess Robert said he he knew they were going to get Scherzer. Like Dodgers were like supremely confident they're going to get Scherzer, which we weren't, but I guess they knew. And uh, the Turner was kind of the one they didn't know if they're going to collect. But like you said, without without those two, let's just say without Scherzer. We're probably it's safe to say we're probably at least three, maybe four games back. Oh yeah, yeah. Because absolutely. who's filling who's filling in those shoes? And then if it's a bullpen by committee sort of thing, then you're suffering those other games as well. Because um, yep. you know mornings to go around. So yeah, he's he's been a savior and uh, hopefully he stays around for a little while. So uh, well, we've talked about plenty of the positives. There actually have been some negatives, even for a team that's playing this well and. Man, it's just been it's been such a bummer to see uh, Cody Bellinger struggling this year and he he just you know he hasn't looked right all year physically. There was a tiny little stretch about a month ago where he had a like maybe two a week or two good and he's just he's really off at the play and and he when he's struggling um he really does look bad out there and he looks really lost and I think it gets in his head. It seems like it hits his confidence because this is a player who at his peaks is one of the best players in the league. He has all the tools. And we've actually seen a situation very similar with with uh to this with him a few years ago when it was in the playoffs and it was late in the playoffs and he was struggling so bad against left-handed hitters that they started benching him against lefties and he could only play against righties and then it was the next year where he sort of changed his approach and that was his MVP season. It, right now he's just his approach is he doesn't shorten up at all for a guy who's really quick. You could, he would be so nice if he could just slap the ball in play and make him make plays on him because he's fast. He's so great in the field. He saves us so many runs that if he was just anything at all, you know, offensively, he would. You, you couldn't even think about taking him out. But right now, he's been that bad. The Dodgers are so deep. It's such a bummer to see him struggling like this. Yeah, you know, and he's, I mean, like you said, he's not even putting in play. He's barely walking. I think he's hitting like 170. His on base is 240. At, at least, like, speaking of struggling, like Muncie last, in August, he actually didn't, I think he hit 180. Yep. But you didn't really notice that much because he still walked a lot, and then he's got pop, obviously. So, you know, if, if, if you're still hitting some home runs and you're drawing some walks, you can almost live with that 180, 190. But like you said, he's he's not hitting for power. He's not getting on base, so, you know. It's, uh, I mean, at a certain point, forget to not playing against lefties. He, he just can't even be in the lineup. He's just a liability. Because they're, they're deep now. They're really good. I mean, this has been from August 16th now over the last couple of weeks. In his last 50 plate appearances, he's hitting 122. And he's had six hits. No home runs. Three RBIs. Only one run in his last 50 times up. He's just an auto out. And when you have... Bats on the bench that are better, you know. Or, or, I'd rather, or, I'd rather have, I'd rather have Urias up there swinging. And I'm not even joking. Absolutely, <laughs> we'd rather have Uncle Al, Uncle o, Uncle Al Pujols, who's who's going to be a fine like yeah. pitch hitter against some lefties off the bench. He's he's yeah. had a nice impact on this team this year. The only reason why Bellinger's even getting, still getting some looks right now too, is because two guys that carried this team for a lot of this year 
they they seem like they're a little tired right now. Maybe running into a little bit of a wall and just a couple bad stretch. AJ Pollock and Taylor both struggling a bit, and they're the type of guys that make the Dodgers just incredible because. You know, AJ for a while was literally like the best hitter in baseball. I think over his last 42 at bats, he's hitting 194. Um, just uh, just one home run in that stretch. Chris Taylor over his last 53, uh, 62 plate appearances, his last 53 at bats, he's hitting like 170. So it's, it's pretty amazing that the Dodgers are still winning a lot of these games with Bellinger has been an absolute nothing. These two guys have also been struggling a little bit at the same time. So I I, tr- I still trust that they'll bounce back. I, they were so good for a, a long stretch of time that this is probably just you know the up the ebbs and flows of a baseball season. They don't feel like they're really you know it doesn't the, their struggles don't feel like Bellinger's do. Yeah, and especially Taylor, I think he's played the most games. I mean, yeah, because right? he's the glue guy, and with guys being hurt, he's he's filled in every position. Um, so I'm not too worried about him. Maybe at a little yeah. bit of rest, and then Pollock's just a professional hitter. I mean, other than when he couldn't hit a lick that one playoff series with us. I mean, the guy's been around for a long time. I, I kind of trust his track record. Um, I mean, Bellinger, though, like you said, he's had real famine years. He's had a feast year with MVP. But uh, him, I'm not really too confident about coming back. So we have a huge series coming up this weekend. These two teams are deadlocked. They both have the best record in baseball. And can you imagine how... Crappy it's going to be for whichever one of these Teams doesn't win the division And has to deal with a one game Playoff win a hundred games Win a hundred games and one wild card Game and 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 be be done done. for the Year yeah oh that could be brutal Brutal. Um, So let's hope that this Weekend it won't be the Dodgers the Giants Have lost four of their last five and The the matchup this weekend for the three game Series Kapler was asked um, What the rotation is going to look like And he said we're not going to Really have one It's like a starting (laughs) rotation Because if you look at the way they're set up for this weekend On Friday, DeScalafini is listed as a starting pitcher And I believe it's Mm going to be Price for the Dodgers They don't have starters for either Saturday or Sunday They might be both bullpen games for both of those And those are going to be games where the Dodgers are throwing Bueller and Urias So the, the Giants probably come in thinking Okay, Friday, we've got DeScalafini Who's been very good this year We we should really like our chances Coming into this matchup with Price The only problem is Not so fast <laughs> <Disco Lafini. laughs> um, no, no bueno in his last Five and then against The Dodgers so his last five games 16 in the third innings A 7-1-6 ERA In those 16 innings 25 hits Six walks 13 earned runs He's given up four home runs A 342 batting average against then against the Dodgers this year, he started five games against them. These are two rivals. They play a ton. He's 0-3. He has a 9-4-3 ERA in 21 innings. He's given up 31 hits. He's given up 22 earned runs in 21 innings, six home runs. He's walked another 12, and his whip is over two. So it, it, you got to feel like if you're the Giants – you better take this Friday game because if you don't, and if Diskil if Diskalafini gets run early in this game, you're gonna be really in some trouble come Saturday and Sunday with two full bullpen games against two excellent starters for the Dodgers. Absolutely, they, they got they got to win Friday, and like you said, even I think even in the first half when Diskalafini's uh, ERA was around two, I mean if you took yeah. out the 
two or three games against the Dodgers, he was almost sub one. I mean, he was mm-hmm. unreal. Um, I don't know if, you know, checking the, the players for pine tar or whatnot is really, yeah. really set them back a notch. But even before then, I mean, we were lighting them up. So, um, yeah, Giants can't feel too confident. Actually, that, you know, I kind of want to see what this, these series odds would be. Um, like you said, I, I bet the Braves last series against the Giants and uh, got pretty good value there, too. It was about even money. So a huge, huge game coming up on Friday, a huge series. These two teams are deadlocked. And, um, I mean, this Dodger team right now, you just – we're going to be nervous if they don't – I mean, I feel very good about where they are right now. Like, no excuses now. You're deadlocked with this team. Like, you, you've got yeah. a series with them coming up. Like, when you're chasing them and they kept winning, there was some – like, we're just in a situation where we needed them to lose. And yeah, now you're, run, you're running out of time. And if you only have, what – how many games do they have left? Six? 25. Or so? yeah, or, no, against, against the Giants, though. I think this is it. This is the three. This is it. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So it gets to be this. Let's say we're three or four back at this point, and we only take two or three or don't. Then, yeah, you got to sit back and scoreboard watch, which isn't a good position to be in. No, and, and I feel very confident about this Dodgers team against any team getting into the – once they get into a playoffs in, the seri- in a series. How about They're Milwaukee? Just, M- Milwaukee is a fun matchup. Because yeah. Milwaukee's pitching is incredible. Yeah. They their starting pitching is so good. They they have a couple stoppers too at the back of the bullpen. They can really shorten games, and they're going to make you earn it. So I mean, th- that would be a lot of fun. They're a very very good baseball team with what they can throw out there with you at the top with uh, with that, Burt, uh, Woodruff. Was that twenty? Peralta. Was that twenty nineteen that we played them? In, and we were in and, the in the uh, NLC in the championship yeah. series, and they had that what was it thirteen inning game when uh, we were standing maybe four, up, maybe was, fourteen innings, and I, I yeah. actually was Bellinger, I think that got yeah. the game winning hit, Bel- right? He got the big one. That was the one. Yeah. <laughs> so that maybe he's maybe he's saving it. I think he was struggling that year too, a little bit in the playoffs. So maybe maybe he knows what he's doing overall nice at the end he, of. He's one of those guys <laughs> that probably just needs to see that that everything reset. You know, like yeah, game zeros. One of the playoffs, seeing it yep. like going up there and getting a hit and just going one for three, you know, and like yep. seeing yourself up at not like you're at three. Th- oh, nice. You know, like maybe that'll help him mentally because um, this team man, Mookie, Trey, Muncie, Turner, Seeger, Smith, Pollock, Taylor, Bellinger. You got Barnes who's coming and get some got some big hits whenever you know he's not a bad guy to have come in and, and a good backup catcher and then yeah. Uncle Al on the bench. That is some real depth come playoff time and they're versatile. They've got a lot of players that you can kind of mix and match. You can move, you can maneuver around guys that can play multiple positions, outfield, infield. They and, and in the bullpen now, a lot of options, man. We mentioned those three guys who are doing well. You know, now you got Kelly. I feel so confident about the combination of like Blake, Knable, and Kenley towards the back. That's a really nice three guys towards the end that I would feel confident with any one of them coming out for a save. Yeah. Uh, and like you said, even Kelly, we haven't even touched on Kelly. Yeah. I think he started off with like a nine ERA. And you said he has, I think he had some health issues at the beginning of the year. But since then, I mean, he was, he's been lights out. Um, the other night, pretty much had full confidence in him closing down that game and he looked good. And he's a gamer too. Yeah, he's one that like you, the bigger the moment, the bigger like the the more confident I am in him. I mean, look at like, when he was uh, closing for Boston. He had a terrible does. year that whole year, but it still in playoffs game, he's you know he's gonna be he's he's not gonna shrimp up in the no. in the situation. You know that. Big balls Joe has become such a beloved character since his antics with the Astros. You know, last was it last yeah. year? Yeah, 
Like everybody's just loved him. Stephanie loves him. She watches it. You know, she'll always like mimic the things that he was saying there. And uh, oh yeah, Milo. Well, he's in, he's Milo was saying him. bitch. Go ahead, like go, go ahead. nice swing, bitch. Milo was saying that. Like he knew <laughs> after nice swing to say bitch. And I was like, oh my gosh, what did you do, Stephanie? It wasn't even me. It was because of Stephanie. She was getting him to say that. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So even when uh when Kelly was with uh Boston, he endeared himself to the fans, you know, yep. throwing uh Yankees in headlocks and then going in the bleachers <laughs> after. So, I mean, definitely seems in the mariachi jacket. You want to go to battle like a, with him? Yeah, seems like a guy you want on your side. Maybe you don't yeah. like him if he's throwing at you, but when he's wearing your colors, he's a good guy. Okay, I don't. I was gonna uh, play this little trivia with you before I let you go. Uh, I was gonna do it with you and Ben. Okay. I did not prepare you for this whatsoever but this is nope. a kind of fun thing that i think you'll like um cool. the other day muncie became the ninth dodger all time with at least three 30 home run seasons okay i'm curious how many of the other eight that you can name so he's one now i Let's... will give you a clue that there are okay. two that i would have absolutely guessed that are n- that are that you probably think are kind of obvious that are not so okay. we'll see how many strikes you can get. Maybe okay, you can yeah, get well, I guess strikes. I guess we'll go three strikes them out. Yeah, yeah let's go, go three strikes because there are two that I would have guessed and totally swung and missed on. So let's All see right, if the, you can get it with those. The ones <laughs> that I say, like obviously, I give us growing up. I think Piazza. Yep, Piazza. He had he did it four times. Uh, Caros. Five times. Yep. Yeah. So those are the two that I'm like right away. All right, must yep. be. Uh, so there's one more from that like. Sean Green. That was the one I knew you were going to guess and you mi- and was a miss because he had 49, 42, yep. and 28. Uh, yeah, because he, 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 he had a decent – he had a couple of like pretty good years with Toronto first. Oh, yeah, he then, had some higher than that too. But that's why it's kind of tricky because yeah. the 28, but he had the 49 and the 42. So we got Kiros, we got Piazza, we got Muncie. That's three of the nine so far. There are three that are like old-time Dodgers. Go, all right, let's go, let's go Garvey. Uh, not Garvey. You would you would know their name when you would think about it. You'd know them when you think about some of the all time Dodgers, all time okay. Dodgers who stack up on home run leaders. Some of the Brooklyn Dodgers, the old names. There are a couple that you may not guess, but as soon as you heard them, you'd go. Uh, yeah. And then maybe uh, one more in that Piazza Caros era, and then one a little bit slightly after them, who was uh who was around and and hit the hell out of the ball for the Dodgers. Okay. Well, if I'm thinking, well, see, I don't think. I don't think Beltre played long enough. With that us. was good. And that's a great call. Cause he was yeah, the one that I would have got. And I would have said him and Sean green were the two I missed. He hit 48, gotcha. 23, 21 and 20. Those were some of Beltre's years. Then his like thirties came after with Texas. Yeah. With Texas. Once he got, once he got juiced and paid, um, yeah. man, you really did put me on the spot. I, I know I did. I did. Okay. Okay. So we'll go through <laughs> well, some of them. Cause I'm just going to throw, I'm going to throw one random one out there, but I don't think you there. did it. I'm just going to go with, my guy, I don't think he did it, but I loved his arm, Mondesi. Yep, Mondesi did three times. Okay, okay. Mondesi did three times. Another one that was an outfielder with a great arm and a wicked quick bat, one of the fastest swings ever. Um, I didn't think we, he had had it with the Dodgers either. It, it surprised me a little bit. Sheffield. Oh, yeah, yeah. Three times. Right. Three yeah, times he, for Sheffield. Yeah, probably and, in like in what, four or five years with us yeah, too. Yeah, in just a short span. He wouldn't have yeah. been one that I would have guessed, not at all. And then, um, and then we get to some of the old timers. So Pedro Guerrero would have been a really hard one to guess. He was he did it yeah. three times. Roy Campanella uh, four times, and then Duke Snyder and Gil Hodges did it yeah. six. Yeah, I should have so, thought of Snyder at least. Snyder but... would have been the one. Like I wouldn't have I wouldn't have got to Gil to P- 
Pedro. Yeah. To, and I knew there were a couple that were tricky. So it's just kind of a fun one because I thought that those the Sean Green yeah. one I knew no. for sure gonna throw, was going to throw you off because we always <laughs> talked about how good that's, he was. And, that's and my guy. He, he's also a very good analyst and he's been on too. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, great stuff, man. This was a lot of fun. It's been a long cool, time yeah. coming. We've had so many conversations just like this through the years that, uh, like I said, we just weren't recorded. And I really appreciate the time and uh, you uh, taking a, a few minutes out, looking some stuff up, having some some stuff ready to talk about with me. And we'll uh, we'll have to bring uh, Ben Ben Keenly 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 Juice Keenly Cool Juice. We'll have to bring uh, Benny Boy on with us yeah, again man. as we uh, get closer to the playoffs in a week or two. This is a huge weekend, so hopefully the next time we talk, we've got like a a four or five game lead and we can kind of kick back and, and sort of maybe our next conversation will be, uh, you know, two weeks from now, or even, uh, what the roster playoff roster might look like that. That'll be fun. I want the, I want the live pod when we wrap up the division, you and Ben, I'm still asking for it. Let's do it as soon as we, thanks G thanks Thanks for having me on James Kurtz there. One of my good buddies, uh, don't go anywhere folks. You'll hear James again and you'll hear, uh, Ben coming up again too in the next few weeks. We're going to be having lots of a lot of fun catching up with James, uh, one of my good buddies, longtime friends. We'll have to have him back again in the next few weeks to talk more Dodgers as we get closer and closer to the playoffs. Oh, I'm pumped for this weekend series. We're going to talk some NFL with Eric, so kick back and enjoy and get ready to enjoy about a 90-minute conversation as we go division by division. Uh, before we get into that, I want to let you know about sarahcandles.com, C-E-R-A, candles.com, all-natural soy wax candles, free from those toxins, free from those carcinogens, free from those pollutants that a lot of the other leading candles have the promo code G-I-N-O. It'll get you 10% off your purchase over at sarahcandles.com. Eric Etoff, 2-1 Sports, joins me. Eric's going to be uh, helping out with the, those live streams over at BetterThan.Vegas every Sunday morning. And as you've uh, you've heard over the last couple years, Eric is just a really sharp handicapper, and especially when it comes to NFL. So this is actually going to be our last real preview of the season. And then next week, it's going to be week by week by week games next time we talk with eric on this show uh, after here it'll be a preview in for week one right now we're giving you some of those season-long futures some of our final thoughts division by division starting with the afc east an nfl preview here on that's what she said we are now into september what that means that means it's football time and whenever it gets to september i just know you just get that like okay football 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 it is coming Recording this on September the 1st with Eric, who's already been helping us out with so many different NFL previews. We have a lot of NFL content out there. I think between uh, the three previews so far, there's probably close to six hours worth of stuff from a gambling standpoint, from a fantasy standpoint. So that's all happened over the last month or so. Now we're just a week away. This is Wednesday the 1st. We're recording this. The first game of the season is on Thursday, the 9th, so literally just uh, a week away from uh, from tomorrow. And then we'll have a full slate uh, a week and a half away on Sunday. And, uh, Eric, when we talk next week, we're going to be previewing the full slate for Sunday. Man, we're here already. I'm I'm very excited. We were just talking before the uh, the show. We're going to do uh, also have a, a live stream on Sunday mornings that you and I are going to be a part of with Better Than Dot Vegas and a couple other people. So, we're going to have a lot of NFL content out there. You have your podcast, the website, the fantasy guide. Uh, so if anyone out there is listening and they're a football fan from a gambling perspective, from a fantasy perspective, we're going to do our best to help you out all year long. I cannot wait for it to be here. It's like it just 
keeps on creeping and creeping. I just can't get here soon enough. And like you said, eight more days and we're going to have uh, Bucks, Bucks, Cowboys. Okay, so what we're going to do on this show today, we're going to get into some of the news because they did just have the cuts. There's also some injury news, some things like that. So we'll update you with everything that we know as of this Wednesday afternoon, evening, while uh, Eric and I are recording this. And then we're going to get into... Predictions for the season we're going to start with the AFC We'll go AFC East We'll go North, South, West We'll give you our uh, thoughts on the winners Maybe teams that we'll play to win that division We'll talk about some of the pricing to win uh, For divisional odds there Then we can get into the same thing for the NFC And then we'll give you some of our uh, possible plays As Super Bowl futures or conference championship futures Or any other Season long plays that we're looking at About a week out now that we've gathered More information now that we were able to Watch the preseason games and You know you want to like anything Eric You want to take some stock in those Games you don't want to necessarily Jump to a crazy conclusion About everything that you saw but There definitely are things that you look at That you want to take note of You know when you won't see the starters Out there all the time but the way certain Teams are approaching games Kind of what they're trying to do if If they're uh, you know new offensives New coaches new schemes players coming back From injuries those are the kind of things you want to look For in the preseason and also you got to kind of Look at depth I mean there's all Mm -hmm. this year There's injuries just because they actually are Playing games on like last year Chargers are one team I got down because They have Absolutely zero depth behind their dogs So if they're, there's one of the teams that If an injury comes they can get completely Derailed because I really Didn't like what I saw from them at all During and I think a lot of people have kind of jumped On the Chargers because uh, they just felt like You know they were a team last year that lost so many close Games and Anthony Lynn was just a, not A very good head coach we, we, we can be honest there so people uh, Kind of automatically want to just assume They're going to be better you know Addition by subtraction I don't know if that's always The case you know, uh, someone like Herbert, like you said, Herbert played so well last year that he can still be good or very good and and regress a little bit from last year. And then when you have such high level talent in, in some positions, if, you know, one of your defensive studs get hurt again, we've seen what happens. It kind of puts them in a position where they're just average. So yeah, you you want to look at some things, and we'll get into uh, a lot of the uh, those things that we noticed throughout, and maybe some uh, some changes that we've made. Before we do, let's talk about some of the the big news, Eric, because it was just uh, a lot of major cuts over the last couple days. There were also some injury news, some stuff happening with COVID. Um, I think the one that we probably have to start with that was, I'd say, pretty surprising. It, it makes some sense, but. I'm I'm still haven't heard exactly what the reasoning was or if it was a a team decision or a player decision. The Patriots deciding to cut Cam Newton, who you know just a few a week or two ago we thought he was probably going to be the starter, but Mac Jones has looked pretty good, and so I, they, they probably assume they're in a situation where hey, you know we have our future quarterback. Maybe we can just release Cam And he can go to a situation He can try to you know, latch on somewhere else It seems like they liked him quite a bit there Then you have the the questions about the vaccination stuff Was also another thing um, So I, I'm not quite sure But I, I guess it, it was surprising But when you start to dig into it a little bit You can say okay I mean I guess it makes sense in hindsight They're just not, not some proven QBs over there now uh, For the Patriots I look at it like this Um the Patriots always like to get one year out in front of her. So you factor that in. You also factor in Belichick is such a rules guy. And for Cam to miss time because he didn't know the COVID rules, 
I think that the Patriots and Belichick put this whole thing in motion just because he is such a rules guy. And then we just break it down from a pure football ass. Cam just hasn't been the same since he got that hit in 2018 against TJ Wise. Throwing motion is completely different. He can't throw the ball down. And I mean, from Mac Jones looked so good in the preseason. You, it, the move just made sense. It was just time to move on and just let Cam go. And, and you know, you think about the locker room too. You don't want someone like Cam. Cam is for for you know even like you said the the COVID stuff. I'm curious how much that weighed in because that could have been a lot. Um, and and let's say that has nothing at all to do with it, right? Let's say the rule stuff doesn't have anything to do with it. From just a pure, okay, we want Mac to be our guy. Do we want someone like a Cam who's got a really strong personality, who's always been the guy in a lot of other places where he was? Do we want him in there kind of splitting up a locker room? You know, I, I don't know if he would be a bad locker room guy there, but, but he's, he's liked by a lot of the other players. He kind of reminds me of Westbrook a little bit, you know, he's very polarizing in whether you like him or not. And maybe he, you know, he, at at his peak, he's had some incredible seasons, but he, you know, he doesn't do, he's, he definitely is flawed with, 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 you know, it's the way he plays. I, I, I think it's, it's smart if you don't have I if he's not your future or you're not in a situation where your guy just got hurt and you need Cam right now to help you win immediately. I don't know if it's a good spot for him. You know, I just feel like it has to be COVID not knowing the rules because yeah, they brought in and Jono Smith to run the two tight ends, born to be the blocking wide receiver, the best blocking wide receiver NFL, and this is going to be a run centric offense. And you don't make all those to make Cam the guy and then just let go of him. So it, it had to there, be the COVID thing. It was weird. It was weird. I I, I agree. And um, I'm sure we're going to find out more about this as, you know, we'll find more and more. But you, you start to look around. It's like, you know, where where is Cam a fit? You See, know, where- I, I actually today and I have teams I think make sense. But at the end of the day, I really feel like Cam still views himself as the old Cam Newton, MVP type guy, superstar, top ten guy. That's why that there there are probably two or three places that make sense. It would only it would be a, a place like that, Houston, or you know if he's and it doesn't seem like he wants to be a backup. You know I could see him being a backup in a situation like a uh, Arizona or a uh, Baltimore. You know behind one of the behind one of the good running QBs who a Lamar or a uh, Kyler who could you know maybe get hurt like because at least you don't have to change a whole offense around him. That's another thing too. You know depending on the situation he goes to, he, you know you look at it from the Patriots the way he and Mac play they couldn't be more opposite. Right, completely different, completely different styles. You if you have a backup quarterback. The best backup quarterback for each team is, I mean, obviously a good quarterback, but is someone who's not so different from your starting quarterback in the way that they play. Because then they can just slide right in. You don't have to change the plays. You don't have to change your scheme, what you're doing, your approach. That's difficult in the middle of, we see a lot of teams have to do that in the middle of the year. Sometimes their quarterback will get hurt or maybe sometimes they're Top two quarterbacks will get hurt Then they'll have to bring in like a third stringer And that third stringer is someone who Can't really throw but can run a little bit So then they have to try to change their offense Around and that doesn't do well for anybody Another team is The football team because he was There he had success Ron Riviera um, Turner thing and I mean Fitzpatrick Did run run some last year with Miami But Cam could go there because that team's built To win now and if Fitzpatrick struggles They get off to a rough start I mean they could make a Switch to Cam but there's just 
with Cam being limited with his throwing motion changing since his shoulder injury, there's just only a couple, a handful of teams that actually fit. So what is, let me look that up. So what's their depth like for, in, who, who are the backup or who are the other QBs in the room there behind Fitzpatrick? For, there's, uh, oh my God, there's that third stringer that came in out of the, see. out of the. Let's see. Let me pull up the Washington football team here. So their uh, other QBs are uh, Heineke and Allen, right? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, those aren't, those aren't awful backups to have, but you're right. If that's not a, you, you start, when you start thinking about players like that towards the end of their career, where it's got to be situation, it's got to be people that are around him. Cause again, the, the Patriots seemed like they liked him last year. It was really weird. Like even when he struggled, Belichick, who was really hard on guys, he, he was always publicly like really nice to him. It was almost like he was trying really hard to to treat the new girlfriend well after the old girlfriend and him broke up, Brady. You know, he was he was like publicly just trying to be very sweet to to show, hey, look, you know, I can be nice. But I he he just he struggled last year, and he I'm with you. He doesn't. I don't know how much this matters because I don't know if he's the same guy anymore. And he's, and for a game, if if he was if he's your backup on your bench for in one of those spots. Okay, that'd be fine. Like if he if you're in Baltimore or in in Arizona and you're 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 playing towards the end of the year and it's a big game and then one of those guys get hurt and then Cam comes in, you'd probably be feel you you don't feel awful about him coming in as your backup. You just how many teams would even want him to go out there or feel comfortable every week? And right now, I think it might only be a team like Houston, like you said. It, that they, I can't even think who who else. Everybody else either no. made a move or has their guy. One team, and I'm just throwing this out there, it seems to me like Carson Wentz is like your friend you go to the casino with and you never yeah. want him to sit down at the black okay. table. Every something seems to happen. You're right. Um, Missing now because Carson of COVID? Went, yeah, could maybe Carson Wentz. Because, I mean, last year they eat every single injury imaginable to their offensive line. And this year it seems to be happening to the Colts. He's like maybe, maybe they take a chance with or something. Him. He's yeah. like on the show Lost, you know, it's like the the year he had the MVP and it was like that was supposed to be the year he was supposed to go on and win and fools. And since then, everything he's touched is like cursed <laughs> every he's time. Like the, he's like my <laughs> friend Dan. I love to guess this Christ. Dan sits down at a blackjack table with you. You get the F <laughs> get up, get up and go. Dealer's just going to start running 21. Like get up and go. Um, that, like that's like Carson. No, that's so a, maybe maybe because I mean, they have the rookie from Texas. And they have um, Eason. So, I mean, maybe him. Maybe there. I mean, they'll definitely hear from him because he is Cam Newton. But he just has to accept. I mean, people forget. 2018, they were 6-2. and two, And he was playing the best football of his life. And he got hit by TJ Watt. And then right after that, Rotator Cuff was gone. And his throwing mode, if you go side-by-side, side, are completely different. And, and he can't push the ball down the field anymore. So, he's really he, limited in what he can do. And you know that you you saw that last year because he was even giving you good versions of Cam Newton early in the year last year, where he was basically maximizing what they could do without stretching the field. They were still pretty successful, and then he got COVID and had to miss time, and then he had he wasn't the same afterwards too. And now that's just another year of wear and tear. And it's I yeah I just it have to be the right spot. I don't know if I'd be willing to take a chance on him. But this goes back to what you and I talked about every single week. Your window is so small. Like, if oh, you would yeah. have said, like, 2018, in a couple of years, Cam is done, both of us have been like, yeah, right, What? whatever. 
your window closes quick. You got to be able to step up and take it. And there's a lot of teams like are in a win now mode and like the Colts. And I mean, they're a train wreck right now. Let's talk about. So, yeah. Well, let's talk about the Colts because the Colts have now uh, are now dealing with COVID issues. The Colts uh, have to have had to add a couple players onto the COVID IL. And I think they will have at least and this was as of Monday. So they will be on that. IL at least through Friday until they have multiple negative tests and can get through the protocols. I believe a couple of the players did test positive. A couple of the players, it was just contract uh, contact tracing. They were around others who tested positive. One of them was once. And so now after he got hurt, it, everybody was so excited about the move for once. You come back. You're gonna be you, you, you're gonna be in that marriage again with the 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 guy who's the most successful for you, Frank Reich, who helped you to to you know have your best success in your career, and then boom, right away he gets hurt in the best maybe best offensive line in, in football also get hurt, and it sounds bad, and then we hear that both of them are doing much better and are getting you know back a lot quicker than we expected. And then right off, then we hear that he gets COVID. And so even if he, it's just, it's one of those things that you, you know, you hope, obviously he, 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 we don't know if he was one that I think, I don't think he's been announced as having COVID. I think he was one that actually was in the tracing, but more than anything, it's the lack of snaps that that's the concern. He's just not getting the reps now. And so even if he physically is ready to go for week one or the first couple weeks, he's not going to have. The opportunities that you would have liked to have all throughout camp to prepare. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing. You got to get the reps. You got to get this. And him not having that and being in a completely new situation with new personnel around him, it's just gonna. There's gonna be a couple growing pains. The Colts are actually like I've ticked down a little because of the Wentz issue and him not gonna be on the field to get the reps in with like Campbell, Pascal, and Taylor. Let's talk about some of the other uh, news. Um, let's see. Uh, okay, Watson. What's the, what's the latest going on now uh, with Watson? I Ian Rappaport, adamant. You notice Rappaport's the one tweeting stuff. Schefter really isn't. That be on three-man roster and miss it out the whole year. I don't, for the life of me, why don't trade. I mean, he's made it adamant. He doesn't want to be there. And I would say the Dolphins are foolish enough to give up two firsts and two seconds. Why don't you take that? Why are you holding out for three? That makes absolutely zero sense. For no. Me. Take what you can get because this, if he gets arraigned or arrested or whatever, this could turn quickly and you're not going to be able to get anything. I just, with if, you're, FBI, if you're the Texans too, you don't have any thoughts about winning right now or anytime soon at all with the way your roster is. I mean, you have no plans to try to win right now. So you get anything you can get for this guy, and I think you just make a clean break. I, yeah, I just get rid of him. You, you just move, get some, get a couple picks or some a young player, to, some assets that you can get back, and just say, let's just start over because, and let's not have any remnants of Watson, O'Brien, like all the 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 stuff where we were just at the very most we were mediocre. Anyways, they were never in the Super Bowl. They weren't ever even a top three team or even five team in the league. Like they were a playoff team in an eh division and they had a really, really good top level quarterback who now we has got himself into some trouble. And you know what? Like you said, in a year, you miss a year. Who knows what's going on with him mentally now? Is, who knows if he's even ever the same guy on the field again? 
And also, like, you look at, like, who are your top three people? What, Mahomes, Lamar, and Allen, let's say? All three are zero off the field. Watson is a pretty big one, and I don't understand why you just don't trade him and get the assets. Because if that, like I said, if that comes to be true, you're not going to be able to get anything from him. And he doesn't about, want to be there in the first place. Think about the, the, the GOAT quarterback, Brady. No off-the-field issues. You know what I mean? Like Mahomes, like, squeaky clean. You know what I mean? Like nothing. Like and and that's it's unfortunate, but those are you know he you kind of wonder with a guy like him. I'm thinking about, for example, someone like uh, it's totally different because you know even with a quarterback, you're you're the you're a leader too. You have to go in and command respect from all those guys. I think there's going to be a lot of people in in the huddles or in locker rooms that would probably look at him and not give him the respect that you'd want for someone leading your team. You know, um, I if it, if it were me and I was in the situation like Houston's in right now, I just I don't want to go in and worry about him because okay, let's say you have a healthy Watson on your team. How good are you? What do you win five games? You know, yeah. you, you like is it he he's making the difference that much to where you know you you look around and you say you know let's let's do something for our organization that maybe we'll finally get some some kind of some good energy, you know. And and just sort of start over because how when's the last time something from the Texans has felt positive? Every time they've traded or they made a move, we always were like, "What the hell are they doing?" And this is what ends up happening when you you know this unfortunately is a different situation. You you put your faith in in a franchise quarterback on the field, he was very good, and now he got caught up into something that could be awful. But a lot of the decisions outside of Watson that were made, trades, players that they released, players that they decided to get behind, they were bad and they didn't have the right people running the organization and making those key decisions. Exactly. I mean, they've been a train wreck organization. Like you said, just wipe your hands and just start all over. Get your picks to build. But on the flip side of this, what does it say about, because the big rumor is Miami right now, what does it say like? About Tua, like I would say, Tua is not know. the guy. For we've we've you forever, and yeah, we played against and, him a lot and last year, and <laughs> and I mean, like you're not going to draft the first round in the very next year, trade Deshaun Watson if you don't think Tua is your guy. And I mean, to me, that speaks volumes about what in the front office thinks. We'll see. Yeah, Philly was a team that we kept hearing about. I think in some trades, but they ended up just trading for uh, Gardner Minshew. That's a little bit of news to to mention. I thought that was. Uh, we'll just hit on that for a second, and then we'll get into a couple other things. I thought that was kind of a weird one, um, also, Eric, because you know we've all already heard that there aren't things aren't going all smooth and rosy over there in Jacksonville. It just it just seems weird because. You you bring in Lawrence, who he's obviously going to be the guy. Why do you even mention if you're Urban Meyer? You know we're going to have an open competition. You know, and we're going to have Minshew and him are going to you know, uh, you know they're going to be battling for the spot. That's just stupid. Don't say that. Nobody really thinks that that was going to happen. But but what you and and what what's kind of dumb about that too is because he said it. They actually sort of did do that in in camp, like. Lawrence probably got less reps than he would he sh- he would or should have if they, unless if they would have just said oh yeah Lawrence is the guy Minshew's our backup and the thing is Minshew's a good backup like I I think if you know you have a rookie here who's never played a game this could, what if he gets hurt or he's out at some point wouldn't it be nice to have a serviceable backup who's actually played a couple seasons and can do stuff I mean when I I look around I don't think Minshew is a franchise quarterback but 
I think if if he was a, and the Jags aren't going to be a good team this year, but just as far as like a quarterback who's done some stuff, he's kind of feisty. He can move his legs a little bit. He and if you put him on a good team with a good quarterback and that guy went down, I wouldn't mind if Minshew came in as a backup. I feel like he's probably in the top third of backups in the league that I wouldn't mind having on my team. It's, and it also just kind of seemed weird, you know. Your comment about the Jags not being a good kind of hit the nail on the head why I would have kept them. You don't want a David Carr situation or a Joe Burrow situation where a rookie quarterback is just taking so many hits because your offensive line sucks. If the Jaguars are getting blown out in games and both you Mm -hmm. and I don't think they're going to be that good, sit Lawrence and save him in the second half when you're down by three touchdowns. Down 30 points? Then what what good is it to have him in the game there? He's going to get hurt. You're, a lot of your guys are checked out. Minshew is a little feisty. He can move his legs a little bit. And um, it just doesn't I, make sense. It, like, I, and, it, you know, you and I don't love Hurts. I wouldn't be shocked if there's a lot of games that Minshew has to go into or end, Minshew ends up playing a little bit more than you think they're in Philly. Because I don't – like Hurts is going to be a fine fantasy quarterback. I and, and I don't think he's going to be a very good real NFL quarterback. Exactly. And to me it kind of – also on the flip side – what do the Eagles think of Hurts? For them to have a young quarterback and to trade for someone like a Gardner Mishu and to be rumored to wanting Deshaun Watson, that Very kind of true. speaks about what the coaching staff in the front office think about Hurts. So, I mm-hmm. mean, you had the nail on the head. I really think it surprised me if, you know, because I'm not high in the Eagles. I think I have won five or six games. Um, if they do make us to the second half of the season, just to see if there's something there with Minshew in a different, in the, that coaching staff. Uh, another uh, piece of news in the NFL And it relates to Michael Thomas, who is now on the pup list, the physically unable to perform list. So what this means now, um, Eric, is that I believe he cannot play through the first six weeks. I think they have a bye, one of those. So he would actually end up missing at least five games for the Saints. We discussed their wide receiver depth is not great. And not exactly sure, you know. Jameis, Taysom looks like Jameis, but who knows with them what that situation is going to be like. Tight end, they're having some issues there with injuries to their tight ends, and they weren't very deep or proven at that spot. So with the real confirmation that Thomas is going to be missing some some serious time, there might be a couple fun Saints like uh, wide receivers that you can get late to take a flyer on, and maybe a couple in some of the early weeks in DFS that might be underpriced. But as far as them being a good like that that hurts for a team that doesn't seem like they have a lot of guys out there that can like a really proven pass catchers. And they also have a buy there by six, so that means I don't need to come back to eight. I think having the extra buy there is gonna help him um to play football, uh being named the starter. Winston does like to air it out. It makes us something. Honestly, like if you're in fantasy football, we see for fantasy football. Totally agree. If you need somebody, if you don't like how your wide receiver's looking. This guy's totally worth a flyer, right? In the ninth or tenth round, it's someone you can just send in your IR because teams have an IR spot. Mm-hmm. At the very of end of the draft. Yeah, very end of the draft, like like round 10, 11, 12, somewhere mm-hmm. in there. And then um, in terms of real football, like you said, there's not really that much talent in the room. And talent's going to shine. And he's going to come out there and he's going to be fresh. When everyone else has played, he's then going to have a natural boost of the first step, so to speak. Break off the think that's going to help him bring a little explosiveness to the Saints offense for the first couple of games when he gets back. 
from yeah, from a fantasy standpoint, something that we talked a lot about during our fantasy uh, preview, and you've mentioned it repeatedly, when you get to a certain point of the draft and you start looking at the players that are out there or player and players that you have on your team, if if you don't have players, you, I, I'm not picking guys that I. Just I don't think are going to be able to play most weeks. If if so, I'm taking flyers on handcuffs that will be playable if somebody gets an injury, or you take flyers on someone like a Michael Thomas that might be injured early, and then when they come back, then they can be in your lineup. But once you start getting to you know a player that you go, okay, well this is probably like a wide receiver for somewhere that that they'll never really play on my in my lineup, but they're just kind of there for depth. Like that's just kind of a waste of a pick to me. You know, I, I'd always take a flyer like this or someone that's got much more. I'd rather take a player that has a lot lower floor but a higher ceiling. A range, a wide range is fine with me if they're on your bench as long as that upside is there. Yeah, like with the rounds you're going to be drafting, Thomas, a kicker or a defense, you're looking for someone that could come in and be a home run and win you a league in the playoffs. And that's exactly what Michael Thomas could be this year because he's going to miss that those games and he's going to drop down in your um, in your drafts. On the flip side of that, one guy that's going up is Callaway. Callaway is insanely high, a little higher than I think people should draft him. But when Thomas comes back, Callaway's value slowly, I feel, go down every single week just because he's not going to be that wide receiver one and first looks like he's getting now. So if you dra- did draft Callaway, he balls out over the first couple weeks. That's when I would flip Callaway and get assets he was lacking. The Lions, your team, they this this is something that was very uh, like Patriotsy. They they cut their kickers, and this actually ends up being kind of a smart thing because of the NFL rules. Tell us a little bit about that. So this is actually like probably the smartest thing the Lions have done in years. I was going to say, doesn't it feel like a Belichick thing? Like a Patriots thing? It is so smart. The rule is this, is if you're put on the IR for the 53-man roster is set, you can't play all year. But if you're put on the IR after the man roster is set, you can come back at some point. during. Deshaun Hand, defensive lineman, is hurt. He's not going to miss all year, but he's hurt enough where he's going to miss some games. So they're going to put him on the IR. So they waited to name him on the 53-man roster. Because of that, they cut both kickers. Now, my biggest fear is that Bagley from the Chargers was cut and that the Lions are going to draft, sign him, reunite with Anthony Lynn. But in terms of the move, it actually was like a smart move that made sense for the Lions and allowed them to keep hand eligible to play the season. So uh, let's see. Is there uh, any other uh, news or anything else you want to get into before we start doing the uh, division by divisions? There was very a very, very inner cut that was made by the Denver Broncos yesterday that I think is getting reported enough. They let go of – now, this is interesting for a couple of reasons. Number one, it makes my prediction about a big year for Javante Williams. I'm becoming even more confident in just because mm-hmm. Royce Williams was that third down back. The Pass catcher. Back. Mm-hmm. With them letting him go, that tells me that, hey, that's what – also, Royce is very, very young. There's a lot of teams that don't have much running back depth. Ravens just had a big injury with um, J.K. Dobbins. Mike Even a team Davis. like the Rams. Yeah. yeah. Mike Davis is the only game in town in Atlanta. And I, you just mentioned the Rams. I really feel that Freeman, in terms of looking at everything a running back can do, short yardage, burst off the line, and receiving back, I think he's actually better than Sony Michelle. I think there's in this league – for Royce Freeman be productive 
And I really feel if he does land in a good spot, hypothetically Baltimore, this guy could be a steal and totally turn around. It should be awesome. There's such high aspirations for him when he came out of college. Yeah, he, he was he would be good in a spot like Tampa if they didn't just go get Bernard, you know, exactly. someone like that. Like the, that's the kind of spot where he could succeed really well with with just like a, a team that ha- that like is a good team that's proven offensively. He's sort of been in a bad spot for an offensive player because we know with Denver, too, they're really good defensively, but their offensive flow over the last few years been bad in and out. I mean, last year, oh my gosh, remember the situation that they were in where they were literally having to start a practice squad wide receiver in a game against the yeah. Saints? <laughs> like, you know, they just offensively haven't been the very consistent team. And it's it's hard to if you're a pass catching back or if you're like a, the the RB2 in a situation like that, it's so hard to get any flow when there's no consistency. So you're right. He's uh someone to keep an eye on there as um because Atlanta, Atlanta only has Mike Davis, like, and I'm heavily invested in Mike Davis, and I would hate it for my Mike Davis and the teams I've already drafted if Roy Streeman were to go there. Okay, let's uh, let's get into some of our divisional previews. We'll go through the league. We'll start with the AFC, and I'm looking at uh, some of the FanDuel odds for the AFC East. And Buffalo is uh, minus 150, Miami plus 330, the Patriots plus 360, the Jets plus 1600. Is that sort of in the vicinity of of some of the prices that you saw too? Yes. Yeah. So in the AFC East, from what I've seen so far, I mean, I'm pretty chalky here. I, I don't. I don't like Tua at all. We've talked about that. I, which is sort of a bummer because I do like Flores and I do like. Some of the pieces that the Dolphins have But their offensive line Even one of the, the their big pieces A young guy from SC They haven't stepped forward They're just not very good I don't know what you're going to get from Tua And so I'm just they, Last year they caught They had that little window Where it seemed like Things were going so well for them Everything was so efficient They were scoring so many defensive touchdowns and stuff I don't I'm not high on them this year The Patriots I think they'll be fine and probably in that 500 to just over 500 mix The Jets seem like they're far ways away So not like I'm going to bet the Bills in here But I can't really get creative trying to find anyone else in the AFC East What do you think uh, about the East? With the East, I mean, I have the Bills 11 and winning it yeah. I did have the Patriots as a playoff team draft Like starting Jones, there's going to be a couple rookie hiccups here or there They're going to lose a couple more games than I thought So I dropped them down to 9 and eight. I have the Dolphins I did the same thing, I have them like the second team missing the pay, the uh, playoffs, I think now, like yeah, right, I, right, I, right I, on the outside. I, I'm the uh, Dolphins. Mm-hmm. I'm you and I both are two guys. Their offensive line, I have some issues, and they're going to have regret. They're going to have turnover. They had so many balls bounce there. That's definitely not going to this year. I really expect everything to even that out. Um, I like what I'm seeing from the Jets, but they still are a million yeah, they'll miles be feistier. away. Yeah, yeah, they'll be competitive. They they may win a game or two. They may be a, a fun spot play situational team today. You know, when when they get they catch a team at home that a team that's got a big game the next week and they're overlooking the Jets. They may be good plays in those spots. But yeah, there's going to be certain situations to play them, but in not terms season of like long. Yeah. season long. I mean, it's going to be a long, long. So that's the AFC East. Nothing too crazy or outside the box there. As we uh, move to the north, I think a really fun division, and um, we've both mentioned this a few times. I'm I'm not high on Pittsburgh, and I do think that Cleveland and Baltimore are both very very good teams this year. 
that I expect to both be playoff teams. I really wouldn't be surprised if either won the division. And I think both have a legitimate shot to be uh, a Super Bowl type team. The only concern I have is going through the schedules. They both actually have pretty tough schedules when you look at it. And I think now strength of schedule metrics are are hard because after about three or four weeks, sometimes what was a predicted strength of schedule, it's completely different. <laughs> you know, there's a couple teams that are way worse than we thought, a couple teams that are way better. There's some injuries and stuff. But as far as what the projected strength of schedule is, I think the Ravens are supposed to have one of the toughest and the Browns are a think within the top 10 that's my only concern going through their schedule does feel like there are a lot of tough games but I think both of these teams are very good don't like Pittsburgh Cincy I just feel like a young team with some growing pains and uh, I you know Burrow I I, I do think he's a stud I just I'm, I'm worried that I they don't have quite the line let's talk a little AFC North I love the Ravens team this year um I I get it JK Yams is hurt but it's the running. I mean, there's a reason why this team has had a consistent, one of the best running systems ever. Last year was like the third best ever. A couple of years, the first best was the best running system ever. I really think that I continue with Gus Edwards, um, Tyson Williams and Justice Hill running instead of J.K. Dobbins. Their defense is legit. And this is their year because after this year, Lamar Jackson. So they'll win it all or not. If they don't win this year, they're going to cycle back because Jackson won't be on that. Rookie contract, I actually have them in the one that win it all. I really like them this year. Browns, preventing me from locking in the Browns is Baker Mayfield. I really feel there's going to be that game in the playoffs where they're going to need Baker to lead them down the field and get six to tie the game position. I just think a game, if you have Baker, throw the ball over 25 yards. I think their offensive line is great. I think the defense is going to be one of the better ones in the NFL. But at the end of the day, I just don't trust Baker. Um, I think they would get a benefit of the schedule. I think they, they catch a a lot of teams at good points. I think they could easily win seven games, but on the flip side, they could easily win four games. There's one of the teams that a real wide range. I'm totally off this this year. I locked in the under eight and a half as it came out. They have the worst offensive line in the league right now. I think Harris has really struggled this year running behind that line. I think Bay Ben's going to get hit a lot. They lost two out of their top three corners. They lost um, the pass rusher to go alongside Watt and Heisman. So, I mean, I really think the defense is going to take a huge step back. I don't even rate, have them in my top 15 defenses. I think this is just going to be a complete train wreck. I have at 5 and 12. And I think they actually, looking at, and again, this is CBS, what they have used. This was based on opponents combined 2020 win percentage. The Steelers are supposed to have the toughest schedule in the league this year. So, uh, you know, Last year they got the benefit of the doubt On a lot of things early The balls bounced their way quite a bit And then towards the end of the year when it didn't They started to struggle I don't believe in Big Ben I think There's just some some weird things going there um, Yeah, now, I'm not... Here's something with the Steelers too Like Big Ben doesn't Like there's certain guys that view good guys Big Ben's not one of the good guys Big no. ben, He's shady The guy that was the offense Him and Big Ben best And they let go of that guy to bring in Matt Canada and Matt Canada likes to do the preset motion, which I mentioned last time we talked. Big Ben hates doing the preset motion. I just bump heads at one point of the season. If this breaks the way I think it's going to be, way it's going to go, it's going to be cluster. Yeah. So from as far as like playing this division, I think I see Baltimore around plus one fifteen, Cleveland around plus one fifty five. Uh, yeah, I mean those those would be the the plays for me, obviously. And then you mentioned, and we'll hit on uh, again towards the end from a. a Futures a Super Bowl perspective I'm always looking at teams 
that are in like the 10 to 1 ish or above range for my futures because otherwise I can kind of play a team, you know, more week to week and in different ways. I'd rather have that than play maybe like a 4 to 1 team or something like that, 5 to 1 team. Um, I thought both the Ravens and Browns are there. You'll find them in the 15 ish range. I think the Ravens, as you mentioned, are plus 1400. The Browns are a little higher around plus 1600. That's that's fine. I'm a little higher on Baker than you are, but I do agree that he's got to prove it. We have to see it. I, I think I don't think that he will be a detriment. I don't know if he can be can carry you, but I, I feel confident about him with two minutes left. Leading them down, having to make a few throws, some play action here and there. Um, if he has to run for a first down, I feel kind of confident about him. I think last year getting a couple big wins may may have helped him, and then you know putting him with Stefanski for another year. So I'm a little higher on him than you, but I think both of these two teams are very very good, and I expect them to be two of the better teams in the AFC. I mean, put the teams in the AFC. I mean, I think there's four teams that can no, excuse me, five teams that can make it to the Super Bowl. They're one of the five teams. It's yeah. just I rank them toward the bottom of the five just because mm-hmm. of Baker. Yeah, they got to prove it. They got to prove it. Absolutely. As we move to the AFC South, Tennessee Titans minus 110 to win this division. The Colts plus 140. Jags plus 600. Texans plus 2300. And we now know the Colts have a lot of uh, COVID issues they're dealing with. So with the injuries and then some of the COVID stuff, now T.Y. Hilton, um, he's going to be missing time. They put him on the IR. The uh, the injury for him did not sound good. They said something like, we hope that he plays again this year. It's like you don't like hearing things like that. So that was like a nerve or something. The neck and the back. The neck and the back stuff for older veteran players, you know, that's always – it's someone like a wide receiver like him too Who's going to be you know taking big hits Going downfield across the middle stuff You just don't you know so From a from a fantasy perspective You know Pittman is probably going to be you know Interesting and I'm sure he, he's someone they're going to try to uh, You know have to get involved quite a bit There but I don't I sort of just by process of elimination Would have to go to Tennessee I wouldn't play them at a minus 110 number But I just I, there's no way I'd play Houston Jacksonville just doesn't feel ready And the Colts like coming into this season, they've had so many issues. Like the, the first four or five weeks of the season, Tennessee should just kind of by you know to me by process of elimination just be in a better spot than a lot of the other teams in this division. Exactly. Like I, I bumped. I think with what everything that's going on there with the COVID issue, Wentz's health, the off of issues, they're down to their third string left tackle right now. Season where is going to start today? Their starter. I just be a nine. I struggled to get out of the gate. Um, but you're right. I think this is Tennessee's division, but that minus one ten, I just can't play at those odds. No. You know, if you and and if you if you do like Tennessee though, and if you look around and you think, okay, Tennessee could be in a very good spot in this division because they should get two wins against Houston, two wins against Jacksonville, and they play the Colts in week three. Hopefully, you know, the Colts could still have some issues there. They they could very easily get six wins in this division. They could, you know, on paper to look at it. So if you look at that and you give them that and you think then maybe that puts them in a spot where they could get a buy or they could be a team that is one of the top teams in the AFC and maybe not have the most difficult schedule along the way. If you want to take a flyer on that team at 25 to one to win the Super Bowl or something, I would much rather do that than playing them to win their division, because if they win their division, they get a home game and they they probably have a pretty favorable record. You're already, you know, 
kind of cl- you're already getting close to, and with a 25 to one spot like I just I'm always looking for more value when you like a team I just couldn't play them at minus 110 in that way exactly and if he makes it to the playoffs and you and I both are pretty confident that the Titans will if you play a number like a 25 to one to one as they are on drafting that's really easy to hedge out of once playoffs come and easily lock in a profit and at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. People need to remember, like, when you put these future bets in, it's about putting yourself in a situation to make a profit. At that number, so easy to make a profit with the Titans. And the Titans are one of those type of teams that they are capable of beating anybody. Now, they're also probably capable of losing to anybody. But if they were, we saw a, a couple years ago, when they get hot, they have a a quarterback that has impressed me a lot more. He's better than I ever thought he would. He's a lot more efficient, and he you know he does a lot of things uh, better than than I saw him doing in Miami. And I blame that on Gase. Now they have one of the best running backs in the league. They now have a very good one-two as far as the wide receivers are concerned. If they can get any improvement from their defense, they're the type of team that sure they could go in in one game and. Henry runs for 150 yards And then you get a hundred you get 100 yards Receiving from each of those stud wide receivers You know and like they could beat anybody In that situation so they're not a bad Team to take a flyer on if you Like them I, I don't you know I wouldn't play them you know Necessarily to go 16 and 0 or anything Like that but like you said it's It's about finding the value you like Tennessee you think they're going to win their division take a little flyer On them at 25 to 1 because if they're a division Winner they get a home game they're already in there Sure they could beat any the, any of these teams that we mentioned, the Chiefs, the Colts, or the, the you know the Browns, the Bills, the Ravens. If you told us the Titans beat them in one game, would you be shocked? Absolutely not. Not at all. Not at all. And they Tannehill's been to Baltimore. Beat Baltimore. He had Patriots. Play, the Patriots had them um, winning for the first half against the um, Kansas City quarter. Yep, against Kansas City. So he's proven he can do that. And mentally wise, all about. So in a one game elimination scenario. Anything is possible. Okay, and the final AFC team that we are going to discuss, or the final AFC division that we are going to discuss, is the AFC South, where, or the excuse me, the AFC West with the Kansas City Chiefs. They are the uh, heaviest favorite, I believe, of the div- of the divisions at minus two ninety in the minus three hundred range. The Chargers are plus four ninety. Broncos are plus seven hundred. Raiders are plus seventeen hundred. AFC West. Uh, you said we started downgraded the Chargers a little bit based on their depth. So, what would you look to play anything in this division, or is it just kind of hard to get past the Chiefs? I mean, I totally changed everything. I have the Chiefs going twelve and five, them winning the division. I upticked the Broncos to ten and seven, being in the last position in the playoffs. And it's kind of like every season games that I saw from them is what I expected from the Chargers. Like it's kind of crazy how those two reversed. Um, but I still feel the Chargers because of all the, all the talent they have and being such a talented team. They'll finish 11 and six, one game up on the Broncos. Um, I think that'd be probably the best division in football because of those three: the Chargers, mm-hmm. the Chiefs, and the Broncos. I have the Raiders and doormat at six and 11. I'm very low on this Raiders team. Um, if you could find a play for the Broncos to make the playoffs at two to one or higher. I would like that. I like mm-hmm. what I've seen, and they Me like too. defensively and offensively, like, they look a lot, a lot better. If you could find something at that, um, in terms of like, like over unders, like I think I locked in the Raiders under. What was it? Raiders under seven. I'm really, really low on this team. Um, I have a couple player props. Mention those. Please do, please do. 
Um, I I would talk Javante Williams, 25 to one for offense of the year. Sometimes you just got to read the lines. Um, The last game of the preseason, the Broncos sat and Melvin Gordon got reps. Mm-hmm. You that's something a starter. You yep. sit him that last game and just got rid of Roy. And I think this is Javante Williams' backfield. And the fact he's third down back now is upticks even more. Um said sometimes you gotta play the number. And I am insanely high Austin here. I think in the Lombardi offense, um with Lombardi's getting the running back involved, he sees some insane numbers. If the charge are good. He he consideration. He was plus Austin because does the season. I think he's going to be in the conversation, and that's such a high, low risk, foolish to pass up. I actually think there could be three playoff teams in this division. It feels like you kind of feel that way too, too. Yeah, yeah. I think they could all three of them. I have I sort of have the Bills. Browns, Titans, Chiefs winning their divisions. I have the Ravens, Chargers, Broncos as the wild cards with the Colts and and the Pats right you know right on the outside. Yeah, I mean I have in the top seed in the bye two Bills three Titans four Browns five. I mean that's how I yeah. broke down the division. Yeah, yeah, so, very so very, basically the same. And then very uh, close. Who'd you, have? you know De- Denver? Denver's again just a little more on Denver too. We we sort of we hit on their schedule. You know, they're just there's a lot of Winnable games for them That doesn't mean they're going to win all of those games But they're winnable games At the Giants, Jacksonville Jets to start Those are all three winnable games You get the Ravens at home You go on the road and you play Pittsburgh We don't think Pittsburgh is going to be that good You get Vegas at home You go on the road and play the Browns Sure, that might be tough You play Washington at home They're going to be tough But you play them at home At Dallas, who knows Philly's not going to be that good The Chargers you get at home um, you go at Kansas City, sure, your games with the Chiefs will be tough, but then you got Detroit at home, Cincinnati at home, those are very winnable. You go at the Raiders, they have a very manageable schedule to get to 10 wins. You know, like and they, can, also, they can do it with Teddy B. And, and also, they're going to be full capacity mile high. And that Great is point. one of the hardest stadiums to play in. So that home field advantage isn't going to sanely go high. And also, Teddy, he's going to take the chances. Drew Lockett, he plays with a sense of urgency. He's not going to throw it in the tight window. So, I mean, it does hurt, like, at Cortland Sutton, Sutton in terms of fantasy. But in terms of winning football games, mm-hmm. it helps out a lot. And they get what they need with the Vangio defense. They get Von Miller coming back, and they got a lockdown draft and um, Sertan from Alabama. So, they got all the around. I said it last time we talked about the Broncos. Like, I really felt like with how young they were, not having those OTAs and the mini caps, learning the Shermer offense really hurt this team. And I mean, Jesus Christ, this has been the most impressive team in all in preseason, you easily argue with well, what if you've you, seen. We know they have a good defense and we believe in their defense. They're a tough place to play if you have to go on the road and play there. You mentioned that there's going to be capacity, a uh, big capacity for their fans and for their stadium. Now let's look at their offense, which has been a weak, a weakness as of late. Their wide receivers, if they're healthy, are are very, very good. And they're not quite as proven names. But when you talk about Sutton and Hamler and uh, Patrick even, they're they're really good receivers that, that are just not quite the top-tier names. You look at their backfield. We talked about Javante. And you know what? Like him or, or don't like him, Melvin Gordon as a – in a backfield with another solid running back is very good. He's been a he's been a very solid NFL running back for quite some time. So having him doesn't hurt you. Now you know you you like their tight end quite a bit this year. 
fan, you know. So now all of a sudden you look at this team and you go, well, we know their defense is good. They got a pretty solid backfield with with a nice little one-two punch. They've got you know two or three you know very serviceable wide receivers. They've got a tight end that fits. The stat that I liked I saw from Warren Sharp uh, that was uh, mentioning Teddy Bridgewater. He said that Teddy started last year for Carolina and Carolina's schedule. They they played the most difficult past past defenses of any team in the league. So he had the they had the number one toughest schedule against pass defenses. This year, Denver is actually slated to have the number one easiest schedule against pass defenses. So that's pretty crazy to go from one year where you literally are playing against the best pass defenses repeatedly throughout the season, and then this year, again, this is what is projected. Things could change a little bit. He's supposed to have a much easier setup. Throughout the year so you're right he's not going to Take chances but he's going to have easier Defenses to kind of figure Out from a passing perspective And if he doesn't make as many mistakes it's going To complement their defense very well I moved them up a lot to uh, over the last Few weeks just kind of watching them I think they're A playoff team I think they can get the 10 wins I do too I have them at 10 and 7 and If you when you look at their wide receiver room like You mentioned you have Cortland Sutton who's the wide receiver one Throw it up in that make a play you need a First down that's who you go to you have Judy who Second year in the league. Oh, yeah, I didn't even mention arguably, Judy. Yeah, arguably the best route runner. You need that fifteen yard, fifteen yard curl or, or post to get in the field goal range. So McManus can kick a game game time field goal, game winning field goal. You have Judy. You can count on to run a precise route. And then you have the gadget player, the home run hitter, KJ Hamler. Didn't he have like a ninety yard touchdown play against the Vikings? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, they have some home run hit. Noah Fant, who's going to play underneath in the tight end. And Gordon, who can come in, get a first down, like, or plow it in from the one-yard line. Javante Williams, who I'm very high on. I mean, this offense has all the pieces. The big question is, will that offense train wreck last year? Will that take a step forward? Some of the uh, plays that I'm looking to make in the uh, the AFC would be, you know, just as far as now Super Bowls, we've gone through divisions and, and talked about some of the prices there. If you're talking about Super Bowls, uh, futures uh, the teams that I would be looking to play in the AFC Ravens or Browns plus fourteen hundred on the Ravens Browns plus sixteen hundred Titans plus twenty five hundred and even the Broncos if you're looking to just for a little fun if you're looking to throw a you know uh, on a big long shot team uh, the Broncos are going to be in the plus four thousand range we like the way things could break for them this year you know you always want to take a shot on a big a uh, big long shot or two that would be one that I wouldn't uh, wouldn't talk people off of. Who would be some of you mentioned the Ravens at plus fourteen hundred? Any of the other uh, plays that you have in the AFC side for the futures? I have the Ravens, like you said, at fourteen hundred. Also, um, when the Chargers made them and drafted Slater, I knocked the I locked them in at thirty three to one. They're down to thirty to one. Nice. So you're already in a good spot there, right? You already got better value as it's it's moved the the numbers moving uh in the in the direction positive for you. Yeah. And like if they get in the playoffs, I easy hedge out and I can lock in my profit and just move on. Like. I, for me, that's what put myself in position to uh, to get it. Um, and then wild card round over Broncos, Bills over Chargers, and Browns over Titans. Like I yep. really think uh, divisional. I did Ravens over Browns, Chiefs over Bills, and I finally in the in the championship game, I have the Ravens getting the revenge and knocking out. Oh, there we go. So that's all through the AFC. Yeah, I've got my uh, divisional winners of the Bills, Browns, 
Titans and Chiefs I think the Ravens and Browns are going to battle for the division And both will be very good So I had the Ravens, Chargers, and Broncos As my other play, uh, playoff wild cards uh, Those are your seven playoff teams Remember this year we have uh, seven in each side Again like last year The teams in the AFC that I thought would be you know, On the outside looking in I had the Colts and the Pats As teams that you know maybe just missed the playoffs And then you know teams that I I'm not high on it all this year And I think we'll probably struggle Are, uh, are the, the Dolphins and uh, and Pittsburgh Yeah, Dolphins picks for, And the Ra- Raiders I have the Raiders wins I think the Raiders, Steelers Both there's unders I have locked in I think the Dolphins are- Let's move over to the NFC side We'll start with the NFC East And we've got the Dallas Cowboys Dak coming back But he's had some hiccups so far uh, with some shoulder injuries and some some things here and there, they are plus one thirty to win the division. Washington plus two sixty, the Giants plus four hundred, the Eagles plus four fifty. So NFC East, we've uh, mentioned them a few times throughout the uh, you know some of our uh, previews. You are pretty high on the Washington football team this year. I am. I really like them. Like um, I think their defense is built to win now. Defensive talent, seven first round starters, which is the most by any. Uh, they kind of remind me of the team that won it all with uh, Trent Dilfer. So if Fitzpatrick can come in and just want confident, not turning the ball over, handing it to Gibson, getting the ball to Scary Terry, I think this team had an outside shot to make some noise and cause a little trouble in the uh, in the playoffs. This team was arguably the closest team to beating the Buccaneers last year with mm-hmm. their third string quarterback. Mm-hmm. We have to remember that, and Chase Young's a, and all all that young defense is a year older. Gibson, you're older. I think they could make some noise. I have them winning at 11 and 6. Uh, you mentioned the Cowboys. I have to say, this is the most boring uh, hard knocks I've ever Oh my watched. gosh, it's been horrible. I mean, I thought it was horrible. Like, just so, like, real. The, the, the coolest part of all of it so far was when they, sh- they did that drone shot of the whole Dallas area to like the opening of the third episode where it was like, Oh my gosh, look at what the stadium and like everything around the stadium. That was the coolest part of the whole thing. Just like seeing the their facilities and the practice field and like the shops and everything around. It's been really, really kind of boring. Yeah. It's been all I think Mike McCarthy's not innovative at all. I think I mean you don't like the Jones mojo is, moments, yeah. Austin Powers. Do, 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 do. It was yeah. like, dude, what are, what are you doing here, man? Yeah. With honestly, it sounds with what I saw in a hard knock. Um the concerns with Dak, I, there, I have more concerns with them now than I did before. Uh, the defense hasn't looked at all this dog shit, excuse my language. I think they're going to struggle to stop a lot of people. I downgraded them. I have them going at 7 and 10 now. Um, I don't love them. I, did, I agree with you. It's funny from the, the hard knocks downgrade. I, I kind of feel the same way. Although, the one of the guys who actually comes off pretty well, I and it's, it's going to be very dependent on Dak, though. Because I do... Think Zeke looks good And he looks very confident I just like the way he comes off Like he's he's teaching some of the younger guys He's helping them I think he'll have a better year than he did last year He ran just poorly last year But without Dak It doesn't He, he needs a healthy Dak For him to go And the same for CeeDee Lamb I think CeeDee Lamb is an absolute stud But if Dak isn't healthy And able to really throw the ball down the field And really you know Be a QB1 Dak How much you know how valuable is are are either of those guys in a fantasy perspective? I don't know. And if Dak can't go, you rely you're relying on former Chippewa great Cooper Rush winning games. And Cooper Rush props to him being along for so long, but he's just not no. not a starting quarterback. 
at all league. And like I said, defense sucks. I mean, I feel like I throw defense. <laughs> I haven't thrown a football in years. I know. Um, they're not good. They're, and they, they and need their offensive Dak line. playing at a high level offensively for them to be successful. That's what they need. Their offense, all those guys are coming back. They still really didn't address their issue of the depth in the offensive line. If one of those guys go down, it's going to be the same thing as it was last year. So I'm totally off this. But this is one of those teams that for whatever reason get back. So this is always a good team where to I play look against. to fade and to play again. Yeah, they're, they're the Lakers and the Yankees. You know, they're always going to get a lot of popular money no matter what. Whatever their price is, like they're minus they're plus 130 when they probably should be plus 175. You know, whatever exactly. it is, it's just less than it should be. And Washington is plus 260. If if somebody wanted to Take a shot on the Giants that are in the 400 range I wouldn't talk them off of that I'd much prefer that than than playing the Cowboys there Or even the Phillies Or the Phillies, the, the Philadelphia Eagles at, at plus 450 That feels short for a team that I don't think Is going to be very good The Giants, I could see them Being in contention to win this division They were last year They have a much improved defense I do think Danny Dimes is Got he's got some weapons around him now. You have a healthy if you get a healthy Barkley back, that should only help them too. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be against someone wanting to take a swing at the uh, at the Giants here, but I definitely prefer Washington myself trying to win the division. And that that number is probably okay. It's gone down a little bit, but I just I definitely don't like I don't like Dallas or Philly at either of those numbers. I love the Giants this year. I actually have the Giants in the playoffs. I have them winning ten games. Um, future bets I locked in. Uh I think their defense has improved, like you said, and people forget the second half of the year, this was like a top 10. And I think that's trend continue over to this season. They just need anything in the offense. I mean, Thomas, the kid from Georgia has looked awful, awful. Their big question is, can they protect Danny Dimes? If they can protect Danny Dimes with the offensive weapons, Sterling Shepard, Disley, and uh, Kyle Rudolph, Evan Ingram's hurt. He's going to be on the pub list. It looks like the start of the season. Um, Barkley coming back, Kenny Galladay, Tony, the kid from Florida. They have all the weapons to have great year. And with that defense, I easily see that team in 10 games and making the playoffs. Let's move along in the NFC to the NFC North. We've got the Green Bay Packers at minus 145, the Vikings at plus 250, the Bears at plus 500, and the Lions, your Lions, at plus 1900. This is a weird division this year to me. One of the weirder ones because I I can't get of of every division, I think I get the least amount of a feel for this division just because, you know, all the stuff that happened with with Rodgers and in, in the offseason at Green Bay. Is he going to come in back this year and is he going to be like in like an FU mode in a good way or a bad way? Right? Is he going to be like Okay, I'm just gonna say screw it and win. Is he gonna be calling audibles out on the field and just doing doing his own thing in a good way, or is he gonna be checked out a lot of the times? If they get down by two or three touchdowns, does he really is he gonna you know care that much to bring them all back and 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 sweat and bleed for this organization and this franchise, or is he going through the motions for this year and then maybe next year you know you find him somewhere else? I don't I don't know. And even if he goes through the motions, he's Probably going to be still better than the other teams in in here. I Minnesota, what's going to be going on with Cousins and with the vaccination stuff? I don't, you know, he misses a game. I don't know if that's going to hurt them quite a bit. But I, I probably feel a little better than I did about them a couple than I did a couple weeks ago. People are really high on field so far for the Bears. They they don't have the most difficult schedule in the world right off the bat. Uh, the Lions seem like 
you know, they're young and they just need a lot. I, you know, you do you have a strong opinion at all in this division? I just feel the Packers team wise just built better than everyone. They have by if we get marked best player division. And I think the changes they made at the defensive coordinator, I think the defense is going to be a lot more aggressive. Jameer Alexander, shadow quarterback now, instead of just playing one side of the field. I think that move defensive side is going to, even if Rodgers, like you said, is checked out and going to the motions, I think it's going to keep them just heads and above everyone else in this division. I really think Minnesota is going to feel the loss of Rick Dennison. Like I said, a couple of times, their offense so high aren't going to be four games but yeah i think this is the packers division unless there's a catastrophic injury i don't see yeah i mean like you know for the bears because the the vikings schedule i'm 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 a little concerned with and i go through their schedule and i'm not sure with the bears you know they start at the rams then they got the Bengals at the browns detroit at vegas they can go three and two there then like they start probably feeling a lot better about themselves and i wonder if maybe you, you think about like when you you think about going to the to the young kid, if you're not starting him, you, know, you start I looking think, at that schedule. Like you look at that schedule, Andy Dalton revenge against the Bengals, um, and then what was the second game against? I'm so okay, so yeah, you, you probably don't want to go against Aaron Donald, and you probably don't want him out there against Garrett and Clowney. In, and then they played Cleveland. Detroit week four. Like that might why, there he's he'll get benched toward the end of the game. Dalton will get benched. Against Garrett and the Browns defense Then week four because you have two games Against defenses which aren't going to be that good mm-hmm. In the Lions and the Raiders Week yep. four is the time when you go That's to when. when it's Justin Fields time yep. yep, I agree that feels like the time And and so yeah maybe if they're competitive enough there Then who knows maybe that maybe him Coming in and being good Can give them a little bit of an upside that we don't Have you know projected for them and maybe he he brings a little excitement in there All of a sudden, you know, we get Robinson and Mooney And then he's picking up one of their tight ends Making them look better, who knows I they, I I just, yeah, I, I sort of by process of elimination In this division too I, um, you know, I get back to Green Bay And just feel like even if they do have some turmoil They're just, they're just better than the rest of this division It's just hard to, hard to get excited to make a case About someone else in here the NFC. But I mean, it's nice here. Like, and I, I'm not a Bears fan by any nation, but it's just nice here because there's like a pop in the city now with football around because everyone is so high, in, which is actually mm-hmm. kind of nice. To see. Yeah, you just, there's there's some optimism there for them, which they haven't had for a, a young offensive player like a quarterback like that in a long time. Like, even when they drafted he, like people were saying, "Why didn't you two draft Watson?" Mm-hmm. Um, remember, it was Watson yeah. or Mahomes. It was we traded yeah, no up for really this knew, guy. Yeah, no one really knew about Mahomes. It was more You're right. like when that happened. It was Watson. Like, it was Watson. Why didn't you take Watson? Um, just nice. Like, even though I'm not a fan, just the energy around the city and people rocking his jersey, which is which is cool and nice to see because I am a huge uh, huge sports guy. But yeah, I think he's gonna have some gains. And I read this interesting article about. How um, historically the quarterbacks have struggled And then like people As fantasy players overreact We take take some of the second year We kind of forget about them and that's when So it was kind of interesting So we get from uh, we're into the NFC South now and we have The Tampa Bay Bucks your Super Bowl champs They're minus 240 one of the bigger Favorites in any division The Saints are plus 440 the Falcons Plus 850 the Panthers plus 1200 now, I think this is one of the teams that we had differed on a little bit in our preview. I don't think Carolina is is probably good enough to win the division um, or win the Super Bowl. But I do think that they could possibly be a playoff team this year. I, I think they 
could be a 500 team and then if you're a 500 team you need one or two games to go the other way and and you're right there trying to to battle for a wild card so i just i look at their schedule and i'm not even like a this isn't a oh my gosh i'm in love with sam darnold thing i've actually never been think the a type that thought sam darnold was a real franchise quarterback type uh, i do just think that the the coaching staff here they went defense young defense a lot last year i think they're going to be improved on that side of the ball obviously you get mccaffrey back i think the pieces around are solid and i look at their schedule and i think that they just have a lot of sort of like denver they have a lot of winnable games i mean right off the bat they play the jets and then the saints at home they could win those two games they could at least split then they go at houston but they should they could and should absolutely be two and one then you got a game at Dallas. Okay. Dallas is that that's a game that like looks tougher on paper than we may think it is, right? I don't know. Dallas isn't some world beater that you have to be scared of going to play. They don't have some monster defense that's going to shut you down and it's not like a tough place to play. Then you got games against Philly and Minnesota at home. You could win those games. You could lose them. You got a game at the Giants. You could win that game. You play the Falcons. How good are they going to be? The Patriots, you know. They're they're not the normal Patriots. They're probably a 500 team. You go at Arizona, same thing. I mean, how good are they? Like, there's nobody you when you start going through this schedule until they get to the end, their last four weeks, I think, where they go Buffalo, Tampa, at New Orleans, at Tampa. That's a tough way to end, but they could be competitive in here. So I think this was one of the teams where you and I differed. I I would look for some sort of Carolina. To make the playoffs or I'm I'm looking to probably play Carolina in a lot of week to week spots when they're going to be underdogs this year, especially early on in the season, if they may not be, you know, getting a lot of respect and I think they're a little better than they are so um, I just I don't think they can win the division and I just it feels like it's Tampa division to me, I'm not high on the Saints very much at all this year we've talked about a lot of the reasons why. I'm not really high in Atlanta. I just feel like Carolina's got a little bit of upside, and maybe they could be one of those teams that uh that that jumps a few in the division in the line and uh and battles for a wild card. Anything in the South that you uh, that you like that's intriguing? I mean, you made a good argument about the Panther, and there's always that one team that just kind of comes out of the blue. Last year was Washington that the playoffs made some noise, and I mean, you made a compelling argument, and I kind of agreeing with you a little bit, but I already locked in by the Panthers, so I can't yeah. fully commit to it. No, no, um, no. Oh, so really it's Tampa, like, right? Like I their roster's so bug. good. Yeah. I mean, they got everyone back on both sides. I mean, I think the Falcons this season, I'm going to look to play in some situations. Um, I'm down in the Saints like you are. I mean, I, th- I think that the Bucks just hands it down. They're just way better than everybody else. And a lot of the times when, with handicapping too, I do this in, in, in horse racing many times and kind of, this is how I, I gravitate to really big price horses and, and, and races. It's just, who do I not like in here? You know, it's sometimes it's, that, that's a, that's as valuable of an opinion as really liking someone. And so you start crossing teams out. It's like, you know what? I don't think New Orleans is going to be that good. I don't think Atlanta is going to be that good. So all of a sudden, maybe Carolina has four games there that they could be pretty competitive. And now the rest of their schedule, you start looking at, and those games I went through, they could be competitive. They got some a little bit of excitement. You've got a quarterback player in there who's really got to prove himself now too, it, right? He he knows this is a, a, a nice nut, nut, second chance for him. I think just from a coaching perspective, anyone from Gase is going to be a, a – a massive upgrade. So yeah, I'll take a little swing on Carolina in some spots this year too. Um, I think if you really wanted to get crazy with the cheese whiz, they're in like a plus 9,000 to win the Super Bowl. I definitely don't think that they could, they get that good, but I do think they could be 
a, a team that you know with a little bit of luck gets into the playoffs. So NFC South with the Bucks, one of the bigger uh, favorites to win their division, and then we go from you know one of the heavier favorites in a division to perhaps the most you know I'd say that the Western divisions because they both have I what we think are going to be probably three pretty good teams and even even the Cardinals like I don't think the Cardinals are a bad team I think. Kyler gets hot. They could beat anyone if he has a great game with Hopkins. But I, I do, you know, think San Francisco, the Rams, and Seattle are three pretty good teams here. Seattle is plus two eighty. The Rams are plus two hundred. The 49ers are plus one ninety, and the Cardinals are plus six hundred as the uh, the long shot in the division. So, uh, what are your thoughts of the NFC West? The uh, 49ers are actually one team I kind of downgraded. Um, I did too. Their wide receivers, I did too. yeah, are awful. Like they're there come Trey Lance is throwing the ball too hard. Are you are you effing serious? Like, come on. Um, I downgrade them. I have them going nine in the last team, actually in the playoffs. Uh card anything that's really gonna make me change what I do think about them and where I have them going. I think they're really gonna struggle this year with their defense. Uh I'm really high on your rank what they're doing. Um their depth is a little concerning to me, but I really feel like I'm making a big deal out of um acres being gone. I bet on the McVay system it produce a good running back. It doesn't matter. Henderson's fine. Back. He's been yeah. fine when he's gotten when he's gotten run. He can catch the ball well. And Michelle, when you're you know Michelle will vulture some touchdowns in a fantasy perspective, but from a regular football per, perspective, it's nice to have that kind of you know tough nose when you get down to you know goal line and, and it's you know second and one, and you just hand him the ball two times to get in the end zone. Exactly. And I just feel that it's not really that big. You get a huge upgrade in quarterback with Matt Stafford and you have Aaron Donald, who's the best defensive lineman in the game. And Jalen Ramsey, who's arguably him or Xavier Hollard are the best cornerbacks in the game. So that's not out think the room. Um, I really like this team. I think it's their division to lose. I the highest I've seen plus Y96. If I can get a plus 200 for them to win the West, I would totally like that. In. They are in the plus 1500 range too to win the Super Bowl. Is that the around the number you've seen? I don't think that's a yeah. bad number. That's not a bad number either. Though, like I like playing teams in that range. You know, I, I mentioned Ravens and Browns in the fourteen and sixteen range. The Titans at twenty five. Um, the Rams at fifteen hundred are another team that I'm I'm interested in in, in that. And in Washington in the NFC, who's at plus five thousand to win uh, the win the Super Bowl, I wouldn't be against taking a swing there. I always just look for some of the the bigger prices. But this is I, I agree with you. I think the Rams are going to be really good this year. Um, I think. I have them winning the division, and I have Seattle making a wild card, and I have San Francisco just on the outside looking in. I actually have, I, I you know what, I'm, I've actually cha- probably have San Francisco as the last team making it, and Dallas probably on the outside looking in because I've I've downgraded both of them, but I still am probably higher on San Fran more than I am on Dallas. Um, at, at this moment, um. I think there could be two divisions this year that have three playoff teams. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't totally be shocked if this, if both of the West divisions did. I agree with you. I'm looking at my playoff picture right now. I have Bucks one, Rams two, Packers three, Washington four, Seattle five, Giants six, and 49ers seven. Yeah, we have the same division winners for the wild cards. I had Seattle and Carolina, and then it was going to come down to I had Seattle and Carolina as my two locks. Below them, I had Dallas and San Fran and the Giants. And then as my team that I'm not high on, I had the Saints. 
yeah, yeah. I have the same insanely low like the bets i haven't locked in it's like if i'm probably going to get involved in some way in the rams i have the saints under nine um panthers under seven and a half and i took the giants over seven but when i locked that in at minus 110 i think it's been juiced up all the way to minus 135 now and at that price Eric Etoff, 2-1 Sports, helping us out here. Anything else uh, that you wanted to mention or any other plays or anything before we uh, finish up here? Um, nah, I just can't wait for football, guys. Know, just make man. sure, like, um, all of us, are, let's not get it to, we're yep. eager to bet. We miss football. But the worst thing you do is go in there and totally just shoot your load week one. You don't need Understand. to play every game, yeah. right? You don't need to play 16 spots. Like, you don't need to do the same thing. If the number you're getting isn't good, just wait. Right, like, yep, don't wait. jump in. If it's a, if you wanted a six and a half or a seven, and it's up to seven and a half, don't go do it. Especially on those bad key numbers, right? Like, don't, don't do that. And then don't go pay, you know, buy the line down and stuff. Don't do that kind of stuff early. Don't. Not at all. You know, if you want to later in the year when there's like one game left and you want to play the Super Bowl or something, like I get that. That's a little bit different. But there's so many games coming up. We got hell. I think I've got eight fantasy drafts over the next. Week or so too You got DFS you could play There's all these different apps We've talked about Thrive Fantasy You and I have done stuff on there too There's Underdog That's a new app that's out there That a lot of people are talking about Like you can do a lot of things Survivor pools Eliminator pools Don't feel like you have to play A big unit on every single game Right off the bat No don't rush Be selective Um, There's apps we can set up for line movement So if there is a six and a half just set the line movement. Like, case in point, I'm praying I get Texas minus seven on Saturday. I have a alert set up where if I get that, I'm going to lock it in. If I don't, and that's the raging Cajuns, right? Louisiana. Yep. Yep. And um, don't listen. Like, I mean, don't let, I, let me rephrase that. Don't chase public. Like, they're mm-hmm. like, you know what I mean? Like, use your opinion. If everyone's saying, like, the raging Cajuns are a perfect example, that thing dripping down so much. And I hope the public money keeps on coming on it. So I can get the seven on Texas and just get my winner. And if it get, I get it, I get it. If I don't, I don't. Don't budge on what you grade the lines. Like one of the things I do when I go to cap is when the game comes out on like the Sunday when I'm finishing up the Sunday night game, I'll start looking ahead and start projecting my own. Line. And then when they come out like Monday morning, Sunday night, I'll look. And when I see value, that's when I look to bounce. It's just a waiting game. So we will be having a live stream on Sunday morning. If you follow me on Twitter, it's me, Gino B. Give us a give a follow there, and then at BTV Bets. And this this will be a, the first one that we're doing. There's no football games this weekend, but we're gonna have a conversation. You know, probably similar to a lot of the things that we just covered here with Eric, and I think with two other of uh, two other guests from Better Than Dot Vegas, and we'll go through any news that's happening. We'll kind of go division by division. We'll give out some of the plays that we have. We'll see if the lines have moved, uh, any other other injuries, any other uh, this stuff to talk about as far as season long wagers, and then every week on Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern time, we will have a live stream. That will take you for about an hour or so. The games on the Saturday mornings or Saturdays start at one o'clock. So we'll probably go from about 11 Eastern to about noon Eastern. We'll talk all the games. We'll talk fantasy. We'll talk some DFS. We'll get you all set up. And then it'll give everybody about an hour or so to, you know, finalize their bets, finalize their lineups, get everything in. And uh, Eric, I would love, I 
you, you were here with us last year. We'll probably have a similar situation this year if we can work something out where you know maybe you and I record every uh, like Thursday night or something and go through uh, our slate. We can have it out for everybody to listen to by Friday morning, so they can have a couple days to uh, to get everything together. Yeah, that works for me, man. Yeah, that would be awesome, man. So. Oh yeah, getting excited now Really looking forward to it We're going to have so much content out there for you Every single game throughout the NFL season We will discuss, even if it's just for a a couple minutes Telling you, yeah, we don't really like anything in this game Stay away here, this spot, it's a trap game Or one that we don't want to play Just watch, bad numbers We're going to always be honest with you We're never going to try to Lead you into playing every game That's just it doesn't make sense you don't have to Feel like you you should never feel like you have To Um, so you know if someone's ever Saying here's my 16 plays For the day you know keep in mind That a few is where you Want to go you know a few is always the best Focus in on those and uh, and you'll Be much more successful as a gambler That's what we're going to do here we're going to try to help you become As successful as possible Uh, We're we're always learning we're not perfect We're making mistakes but it's all about the being disciplined and just kind of having an approach Eric man gosh I'm I'm excited thank you uh, Thank you for helping us out here again and I look forward To chatting with you Sunday and then Next week uh, in, in just a week We'll have uh, what 14-15 games On the slate to discuss Oh my god I am looking forward to it I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, telling, you, I'm telling you guys right now The only bet I have locked is I have Washington Plus the one against Carolina The Chargers that's the bet I like the most And how, Like you said that could really be my only play For week one because week one we really don't Know what's going to happen so you always want To kind of limit your exposure Oof. Okay well make sure to give Eric a follow At etop21sports He will not only uh, Be you know joining me here And uh, and on the live streams on Sundays But he also will have, has his own podcast Out there, a website All sorts of written stuff on the blogs If you follow him along on uh, Instagram Or on Twitter you'll get you know Free plays from him, he's posting over at Betterthan.Vegas uh, with some Plays there uh, all throughout the week Also so lots of places where you can Find some of the great content Eric has out there Thank you so much buddy uh, Yeah here we go NFL season Let the magic begin my friend Let's do it don't go anywhere folks we still got Plenty more on this episode of that's what G said make sure to give Eric a follow out there So you can uh, follow along with all his great stuff Throughout the year Horse racing fans many of us have been Using the DRF The daily racing form for years Studying the races keeping up to date On news with all the articles I remember looking for a copy At the local liquor store or picking One up at the local racetrack Wherever I was going now it's Even easier and cheaper Than ever to use DRF With DRF.com and the newly Optimized DRF mobile You can get all the tracks that You want to bet and handicap Past performances that are mobile optimized For on the go handicapping on your phone So you go to DRF.com From your mobile device No additional cost Tap the calendar icon on the top left It opens all of the options for past performances And for the tools that are available One click to bet now and DRF bets Get real time odds And scratches on race day You can tap on any horse And you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with With a larger font for your mobile display One click to formulator for charts for replays if you get the formulator version And even on the classic past performances You get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph You can rotate your phone for the best view And any horse that you click on You'll see the running lines You can easily move from horse to horse The same data as those traditional Classic DRF past performances You get an interactive format Which is 
very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches, and so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering, multiple formats to view. You got the overview page with recent speed figures, current day's odds, easy access to expert selections and analysis. You got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse. And you got those traditional DRF pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones. They are constantly upgrading, improving, and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at DRF.com. There is a huge sale going on this weekend over at DRF.com. It is the Fall Racing Labor Day sale where you can save up to 50% off on the select handicapping products. 25% off on formulator plans. That's the the past performances that I use. Those are incredible. So you're going to be saving. You can purchase a 5-card, 20-card, 30-card, 60-card. If you know you use these all the time, pay for them this weekend. So you save a bunch of money, and then you can just stack them. You'll have them waiting for you whenever you need. You need. You just go right there. You'll have the credits. You can get 50% off the DRF picks, 20% off the clocker reports, 20 25% off DRF betting strategies, and then DRF Plus Pro subscriptions. You get the first month for free right now. There's promo codes that you can use. I will post a direct link on my social media, DRF.com, that huge fall racing Labor Day sale. Check it out. You can get up to 50% off on certain products. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, big stable duel games all weekend long. And we will have that Friday live stream. It's going to be the final Friday live stream of the Del Mar meet. We've had them every Friday with uh, Barry Spears, Caleb Knight, Bree Mott has joined the party. We've had a couple other guests in and out. And we will be going through the entire Friday card at 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. We'll go race by race. We'll share some analysis, talk about horses that we like and why, and we go over how to build a stable duel lineup. We talk about horses, you know, and the prices that they will be for stable duel. It's a, it's a lot of fun, and it's very stable duel-centric, but if you're not even someone who's familiar with stable duel and you're playing the races, you'll it won't sound uh, crazy to you. We're just going to talk normally like we would handicapping, and then we'll talk about how to, to put those horses in a stable duel lineup because... That's what we all want to do. We want to play in these games, daily horse racing contest. You download the Stable Duel app, and then you just pay whatever fee for the contest that you want to get into. Some of them are as low as you know five bucks to enter. Others are as high as a thousand dollars to enter. We're a thousand dollar double up contest where you you put in a thousand. If you finish in the top forty percent, you double your money up. Boom, you make a thousand. Then you know bigger contests like the Del Mar. Saturday $150 contest with $15,000 in cash prizes. So you pay $150 entry and then the top finishers are making 5-6,000 and then below, you know, the the payouts are uh, are less as you uh, as you go, you know, lower and lower. Let's go through the schedule Friday, Saturday, Sunday this week. Friday, September the 3rd, you've got Charlestown, Del Mar, Ellis Park, Golden Gate, Gulfstream, Monmouth, Penn National and Woodbine contests. You can play at any of those tracks. For different entry fees, 
as low as $5 at Golden Gate, all the way up to you know, Woodbine, $75, Del Mar, $75, Ellis, $100 a game, Monmouth with a $100 game. On Saturday, Delaware, Del Mar, Ellis, Emerald, Golden Gate, Gulfstream, Monmouth, and Woodbine, all with different stable duel contests. And then on Sunday, Del Mar, three different games you can play in, Emerald, Golden Gate, Gulfstream, and Kentucky Downs joins the party. Monmouth also has a contest. So many games, so many options this week. If you ever have any questions about Stable Duel, what it is, how to get involved, how to put your lineups in, anything along those lines, always very, very happy to help you. Just uh, just shoot me a message, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll do our best to play, race, win, and to help everybody out. Big weekend coming up. And speaking of that big weekend, we're going to get into some of the Friday Saratoga racing. So get your past performances out now for... Saratoga Friday. Hope everyone is uh, staying safe. The weather all around the country has just been devastating. I, I saw, you know, videos of some of the people in the, in New York area and all throughout the country. Just something that I just don't, I don't even know about out here. Honestly, in California, I, I sounds weird, but it's just so out of touch for for me. I've never dealt with that kind of real serious weather. So, hopefully, hopefully everybody is staying safe. And if you're listening in. Hopefully we can uh, we can entertain you for a bit and maybe help you make some money on Saratoga's Friday card. Let's get there and let's get to race number four. So we're looking at September the third. We're looking at the fourth first level allowance on uh, mile and sixteenth on the turf course here. Agent Creed should save all the ground from the inside. I think if you toss the last race against Open Company, he got squeezed a little bit out of a spot at the start. He was last. He ended up about eight lengths off, and he had to go six wide going into the turn at the back of the pack. It was just an awful. First quarter mile for him. I think you just put a line right through it. The five ruse, he's he's the one to catch, right? I don't. I mean, Bolero will maybe put a little pressure on him next door, but he looks like he's just naturally the quickest. Ruse, the one to catch. I'd use one combinations of one and five in a lot of your exotics here, and they might give you a little value in this fourth race. So Agent Creed twelve to one on the morning line, Ruse ten to one on the morning line. We had Agent Creed stacked like a six to one shot and we had Ruse stacked like a, a five to one shot. So about half of what their morning lines were. Let's move to race number six. I'm looking uh at this New York bread, maiden special weight, Phillies and Mares. Five and a half furlongs the turf court on the turf course. The five can't catch Casey is a first-time starter for trainer John Kimmel. She's a two-year-old daughter of Uncaptured. The damn Casey Lauren, uh, she's a six-time winner on the turf course. This is the first fold that she's produced, and she's got a steady little work tab. She's actually trained uh, on the grass. She's worked on, on the turf course previously, so they at least saw enough to think, yeah, let's give them a shot there. The barn has always been around about 10% with first-time starters. Very capable, um, and they just... One with a first-time starter on August the 20th by seven lengths. Four of the last uh, recent first-time starters have hit the board. So this is a barn that can definitely get one ready to fire. The number five can't catch Casey in race number six at Saratoga. I had this horse stacked at more like seven to two. She's eight to one on the morning line. We move to race number seven. This is an open optional 80, non-two mile on the turf course here. I thought the four, Voodoo Zip, can show some speed or can sit. And I'm hoping in this particular race, he ends up sitting third or fourth. 
Joel took him off the pace a bit last time out, and so I'm, I'm hoping that they end up doing that again. He was a winner. Two starts back, he had a brutal trip. And that race has come back very productive. The two horses that finished in front of him both came out of it to win. He's seen his first start for Clement. Find Gear Jockey, who has come back and performed well against Tougher. You see Gufo down in the running lines, and Voodoo Zip wasn't far behind that one. So I'm not concerned about him from a class perspective in here. Voodoo Zip, the number four. He is four to one on the morning line. If he's anything around five to two, we'll make a, a win wager there in race number seven. We move to the ninth race at Saratoga. Uh, I'm looking at the number seven Holiday Stone. He was behind Just Might in his most recent race. Just Might has won three straight stakes races. Fracatelli, who was second in there, just came back to be third, beaten ahead in the park's dash. And Holiday Stone has seemed to, to perk up a little bit for uh, some of the new uh, for the newborn. He, his last two starts were actually very, very good. Uh, the win two starts back at Belmont, and then that third place finish in the $100,000 stakes behind the aforementioned two. Holiday Stone. We'll see if... Holiday Stone can get the right kind of trip he needs. He's six to one on the morning line. I think if he's anything around four to one, that's probably what you'd need to, to make a win wager there. So we have uh, four spots that we're looking at for Saratoga's Friday card there, the fourth race. The keep an eye on the one agent Creed and the five ruse. In the sixth race, the number five can't catch Casey. In the seventh, the number four, Voodoo Zip. And in the ninth, the number seven, Holiday Stone. So that is your uh, Friday Saratoga. Let's uh, turn the page on over, take a look at Friday Del Mar. So what I'm going to do is uh, we call this a little bit of a tease. I'm going to talk about races 1, 2, 3, and 4 for Del Mar for Friday. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you and I'm going to encourage you to come at 2 o'clock East, two o'clock Pacific time, 5 o'clock Eastern time on Friday and check out the live stream that we're doing. And we'll go through the full card there. I'll talk about the final part of the card races five, six, seven, and eight there, and I'll we'll go over the first part of the card with a couple different guests. It'll be about forty-five minutes to an hour of analysis all the way through. But hopefully, we help you out in the first couple of races, and uh, and that'll entice you to uh, to jump on over. So keep in mind this will be at five o'clock Pacific, uh, five o'clock Eastern time, five o'clock PM Eastern time. And it'll be for about an hour live. If you don't catch it live, you can go listen to it right after. But there will only be about 30 minutes before the races start. So uh, come join us live for a Friday stream. Right now, let's talk about those early part, uh, the early part of the Del Mar Friday card. As we jump into race number one for September the 3rd, we're going a mile and a 16th on the turf course here. We've got $32,000 time-restricted claimers. That means these are horses who have not won a race in 2021 by the particular conditions of this race. And you look at the one Cleopatra strike. He's 0 for his last 11. But his last win was actually a grade 2 win, the John, the John Henry back in September of 2019. And in his last 11 races... Eight of those have been against Stakes Company. On June the 19th, last time we saw him on the racetrack over at Santa Anita, it was a an awful first furlong for him. He was in tight, he was bumped, and and then he was, you know, he, he bumped a rival, he ended up three deep, he ended up five lengths off, third to last. It just, things did not go well early on. And that was against optional 40 first level allowance. Look at the two-back race. And that's a very similar spot. May 14th, 40 claimers, non-winners of the year, and 
Cleopatra strike, finished second. That's the type of effort that would be really competitive in here. The races that he's just been running, all he really has to do is run back to that. It's not like he has to even really improve all that much in here. I think he should save all the ground from the inside. The number one Cleopatra strike in race number one at Del Mar on Friday. We move to race number two. At Del Mar, we got maiden $40,000 claimers in here. I can't really get too creative for you, to be honest. The three Miss Reno, all three siblings won for this first-time starter. Artisan Dancer has four siblings. All of them won, and three of them won on the dirt. I think that's a horse that's, that's playable in here. And Mendez is incredible with young horses and first time out of the box. Uh, Unfaithful Ways, the dam of this one was a multiple winner. The lone sibling won. Also look at Malabuena, the first time starter for Bob Hess, who just wouldn't have to be much to beat this group. Pretty, you know, pretty Captain Obvious for me here. Uh, Three, four, and eight would be, you know, combinations of horses I would use in the rolling exotics. Race three, we've got a Calbred. Optional 21st level allowance, five furlongs on the turf course here. The number seven Lava Lane, I think, is going to be really tough. Lava Lane had legitimate trouble last time out. She got bumped a bit at the start, and she ran into traffic. She checked. She ended up losing about three lengths, and she ends up in between horses. She gets room way late and ends up running on okay. She finishes behind a horse named Miss Carousel, who comes right back to win. That's a really sharp uh, turf sprinter at the moment. And Lava Lane is very well met in this spot. I think she's going to be handled a little more aggressively, and I don't be shocked if you see her very close to the lead and, and trying to kind of keep her out of some trouble. The five, Shylock. Eddie is another one who ran into legitimate trouble last time out. Uh, she's very logical at this spot. So those would be two horses for me, again, in a race where I'm not really giving you a whole lot outside the box with the, with the five and the seven. In race number four, we've got Maiden $20,000 claimers a mile on the main track here. I thought the four, Naughty Evelyn, was one that could be pretty tough to run down in here. She tried dirt for the first time on August the 5th. She hadn't run in almost a year. She last raced on August 28th of, of 2020, going a mile on the turf. And then she was off until that race on the dirt on August the 5th of this year. So, she clears the field. She opens up about a length, and then she gets tired, and she's just a solid second. And now it's gonna go. She's gonna go second start off the bench. She's gonna go second time on the dirt. Second start over this racetrack at Del Mar. She should be a lot better in here, and there's not a, a ton of speed to go with her. Queen of Love is has some speed, but you know, consider me gone. Wouldn't shock to see that one. Forwardly placed. There's a couple others that, you know, Curious NG even shouldn't be too far out of it. But Naughty Evelyn is probably the quickest. The 10 Bandina I'll be using in a lot of exotics too. She had a good start, but she was four wide going into the turn. She moved up to third. She was in the two path, a couple lengths off chasing Naughty Evelyn. She ended up dropping back. It's kind of a weird race. And she's done that twice now where she was up on up involved early and then ends up dropping back. And she grinded up. She came on again. She just missed second. Just a a weird race. The six, Big Moon, obviously would be no shock. Just put a line through the grass race last time out, and and Big Moon is is probably the one to beat in here. The five, Miracle of Hope. First time dirt for the big dropper. Four, ten, six, and five was how I was looking at uh, the fourth race at Del Mar, made in 20s there. Okay, I'll give you one more, the fifth race. Calbred Maiden Specialty. It's going a mile on the turf course here. 
We go to the four street humor. The dam of this one was four for six, two for three on the turf, and was stakes placed. This dam has produced three winning siblings, two of them won on the turf, and the other one that didn't win on the turf is just 0 for 1 on the grass. Visitant is graded stakes placed and a stakes winner, and this barn is sneaky with first-time starters. 7 for 30 the last five years. They did run second with the first-time starter recently, going 7.5 furlongs on the turf at Turf Paradise. The four street humor all using uh, in all exotics. I think the nine big splash. This is the first time starter for Tim Yakteen. The dam of this one won on the grass. Both of the siblings she has produced won, including a horse named Big Fish. Big Fish won in his first two turf starts, both of them going long on the turf at Del Mar as a two-year-old. One of them was a turf stakes, the juvenile turf stakes. Big Splash is a must-use to me in all exotics because of that pedigree. We also take a look at the 8 for Flag. The Dam won a couple times on the grass. And Michael McCarthy's much better with horses making their second start. She'll be trying the turf for the first time, but she's got that race under her belt from just a fitness level over at Arlington on the synthetic. Quincy and Velvet Ghost would be no shock. Quincy was 4th, going a mile first time out. Trailed in a small field and should improve off that debut. The the group is was good. In Velvet Ghost, I think really wrong with that effort in the debut. Showed some late interest and should be just a little bit better second time out. A lot of ways you can go in this fifth uh, fifth race at Del Mar, but I will lean four nine in here. That's race number five. If you want help with races six, seven, and eight, or you want to hear more of uh, our thoughts, Barry, Caleb Knight, Bree Mott. And uh, some updated after scratches thoughts. Please join us at 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. Following along, it's me, Gino B, on Twitter. We will get you all set up for the Friday Del Mar card. We're going to get into Saturday and jump over to Saratoga. And I know uh, some people who love Saratoga, the folks at OldSmokeClothing.com. When you use the promo code GINO, it'll get you free shipping on your order. High-quality clothing rooted in the iconic symbols of horse racing. We're talking hats, t-shirts, hoodies, zip-ups. You name it, they've got it. Their uh, catchphrases, famous racetracks, famous horses. You can have custom designs created at OldSmokeClothing.com. Promo code G-I-N-O. We'll get you free shipping on your order. We get to Saturday for Saratoga. Bummer because there are four stakes races on the card and they're pretty chalky. I mean, they all could be very, very heavy favorites. And uh, we've seen that quite a bit over the summer at Saratoga in a lot of these stakes races. There's just not that much depth. We've seen it all over the place, but it, it seemed pretty prevalent this summer over at Saratoga. So let's get to September the 4th. We'll have a couple plays throughout the card, and we'll discuss those stakes races. Maybe we can do our best to, to get a little value in there. Race number five at Saratoga is the grade two Prioress. I've talked about Super Sensational quite a bit. I'm a big fan of her. She's, you know, she's the one to beat in here, no doubt about it. Oksana can perhaps try to steal this race from the inside. Maybe uh, they can send hard and get out front. She does look like the quickest. And Super Sensational probably needs a little bit of help as far as getting some pace to chase. If the one Oksana sneaks away, Eating Meaty Mighty Moe's coming, cutting back from a longer race. Little Tootsie's not as quick. Scylla's not as quick. Amendment 19 doesn't seem as quick. 
Um, that could be the way that Oksana wins this race, trying to steal it from the inside, but they will all have to beat. Super sensational, no doubt about that. We move into race number six. Maiden special weights, first timer uh, I like in here. Going to be going long on the turf, mile and a 16th. These are two-year-olds. I'm looking at the five curbstone. The dam of this one, Archstone, had three wins going long on the turf. And this guy is a half-sibling to Proctor's Ledge, who earned $768,000, had five turf wins, three of them graded stakes. There are, were five of siblings to try the turf, four of them won, and one of them was only 0 for 1, so it's really hard to, to gauge. Curbstone, number 5. I believe it's 10 to 1 on the morning line. If we get anything around 6 to 1 or so, feels fair. I'd imagine in the 7th race at the 8 is going to take a lot of money. Galt, first time starter for Bill Mott. This guy is a full brother to Songbird. Remember Songbird? 13 for 15 with 2 seconds in her career. That incredible, incredible filly. For Hollendorfer, Songbird with a little bro showing up in the 7th at Saratoga. Galt is 4 to 1 on the morning line. I mean, if Galt. I'd imagine this horse is getting played. But who knows? Mott, maybe a little bit better with experience, can definitely get the right kind of horse ready first time out of the box. The eighth race is the grade three Saranac. Public sector and never surprised they're going to take a lot of money. But I do think Founder, if Founder is about seven to two, that's fine price for Founder. He's only got two turf races. And one of them was on June the 4th. He was coming off of a couple month break. And he got crossed over on right at the start. He was back to last. He was about eight, nine, eight, nine lengths off. And then he moved inside. And he did show some late interest. Then we saw him on the grass again on July the 31st. He, he got hit hard at the start. And he was inside about five lengths off. He ran into some traffic. He got shuffled back. He angle, angled around widest of all. That was very impressive. Give Founder another shot on the turf in here. If he's in the 7-2 to two range. That's in... Race number 8, the number 5 founder We move to Race number 11 This is the grade 1 flower bowl I mean there is Absolutely no Speed in this race At all whatsoever Just trying to figure out who's going to get the lead by accident I mean maybe lucky lovely Maybe lovely lucky She is not exactly quick I feel like Great Island Could end up Sitting pretty close in here Maybe sitting second or third In a race that is They sh- they could just be crawling So hopefully Great Island You know sits nice He's gonna put two st- She's gonna put two starts together in here She's on the improve She's never run a bad race When she was defeated It was behind the sharp Always shopping Again behind the sharp Meet Mary In a very live gallerette She comes back in July in that last start and wins Beats a horse named California Queen Who comes back to finish third in the grade 2 Boston Spa Number 6, Great Island Anything around 3-1 to one or so Would feel fair in here Warlike Goddess is going to take all of the money And she is really nice She's no doubt the one they'll all have to hold off You know, this is the way you try to beat Closers like that Who don't have a lot of pace Let's see if Great Island can get the jump We move to the 12th It is the Jockey Club Gold Cup And it's just a bummer this is a soft field for this Jockey Club Gold Cup. I mean, Forza Dioro won the Grade 3 Discovery last year, came off of the bench, hadn't run since November, wins in July in the slop, and 
is going to be really tough in this race. He's talented, sure. He's four for six. He's won three in a row. But for him to be this short of a price in the jockey club, you got Max Player, who sat a little closer. He won the Suburban last time out. He beat Happy Saver. Happy Saver won this race last year in what was just a field of five. And Happy Saver is probably the direction I would go. His lone loss was in the slop last time out to Max Player. You can just say maybe he wasn't quite as good. A little bit of a bummer when the, the stakes races and the, some of the real prestigious races come up that short. There are some good other good betting races on the Saturday card there at Saratoga, but yeah, it's going to be really hard to make a ton of money in those stakes, but maybe we can beat a favorite or two and, uh, and try to connect uh, a couple things. So that's Saturday over at Saratoga. Let's get to Saturday. Del Mar plays for you. We are going to be looking at Saturday Del Mar races 5, 6, 7, 9, and 11. So get the past performances out for Saturday, September the 4th at Del Mar. And let's flip to race number 5. We've got optional 80, first level allowance company going a mile and a 16th on the turf course here. I'm looking to the 5 queen goddess. I really like this filly quite a bit. Her debut race was good. She was a nice second. Michael McCarthy does not win a whole lot first time out of the box. The horse who beat her named Zydeco Mama came right out of that race to finish a good third against first level allowance company. Um, so she faced, you know, winners next out, obviously, and and she and good winners, and, and she ran well. So Queen Goddess comes back in her second start, and as you would expect for Michael McCarthy, she shows a little bit of improvement. She actually broke beautifully, she was right on top she ends up sitting just off the pace, they weren't going that fast she was just handwritten it just wasn't even really asked she was just better than that group and you start going through this field and you got some questions that you're asking about everyone, you got some concerns about everyone, I don't really have them with her, magical thought does sprint speed didn't really show a whole lot in the in the lone race going long. We don't really know if that's what she wants to do. For the good times, she might not be this good. She might be a couple of this group. Miss Bella Chow uh, was third going a little bit longer last time out. She's probably a, a pretty logical contender in here. Blinkers on for can't help fallen, but you don't know really how much ability she has. Fifi Pharaoh is trying the grass for the first time. Sweet Pearl is going to add the blinks and and she ships in sort of searching for where she belongs. She's sort of an interesting new face coming in from Indy and, and Churchill and Gulfstream prior to that. Now in the, the Bob Hess barn. You got Mraz who's going to try turf for the first time. There's not a lot of other pace in this race so she should be in a good spot. And then Basilia could be in a little tough. So I start you know, going through and I just... I don't really have a whole lot of worries about Queen Goddess running a good one. You know, she's going to try winners for the first time, sure, but the horse that beat her, Zydeco Mama, and beat her by a length, came back against winners and performed well. And Zydeco Mama was in a spot that was tougher than this race in, when she came back. Queen Goddess, I like quite a bit in here. I'm going to use her as an exotic single. If she's anything over 5-2, to two, I'll make a nice win wager on Queen Goddess. We move to the sixth race. It is the I'm Smoking. Now, there's a horse in here named Ulathira the Six, who's cross-entered in a race on Friday. She could run in either one of these spots. She's probably going to be in a little tough in both of them because sprinting on the dirt isn't isn't exactly what she wants to do. She might be best going longer on the turf like she did in her debut. But 
She's good. Keep an eye on where she shows up and throw her into some of your exotics at least. She may not like the dirt and she may run dead last, but she's got some ability. I like Moose Mitchell the most in here. I just think he's getting a humongous jock upgrade with Flavian Pratt jumping aboard. He gets to the outside and he gets Pratt. In his debut, he completely missed the break. Then he got rushed up on the inside to be part of five horses battling. One of those horses ended up running off a few lengths, but he kept trying and battling in between and and grinded back up to within you know about a length or a length and a half and and finished a decent third. Returned on August the twenty second, battled from down inside, was head and head with the eight to five co favorite, battled the length of the stretch and just missed in a tough beat. Now you move to the outside, Moose Mitchell. If Pratt can get him to sit a little. Just off. Think uh could take a nice step forward today. The three Joker boy was super impressive first time out of the box. It'd be tough to leave him completely out of exotics. Thirsty always is drawn well, dropping out of the best pal. And then you've got the sharp rock in rye. Many directions to go in here. The six, the uh I'm smoking at Delmar on Saturday, but I will lean towards the eight to the outside. We move to the seventh race, Maiden Special Weights, a mile on the turf course here. There are three horses that kind of look similar on paper that I, I will use in a lot of the exotics. The one, Cliffs of Thunder, came over to the U.S. on August the 7th and had a brutal start. He com- she completely misses the break. Then she runs up into trouble going into the turn. It was not a fun first furlong. Again, once she settled and started to move up into contention, she runs into traffic. She's no, at least two wide, about three deep a lot of the race. I didn't love the trip, and it was it was just a tough trip. Should improve a lot second time in North America. The one Cliffs of Thunder, saving some ground from the inside. The four Buzz of New York should be really tough in here for D'Amato. That U.S. debut was good, was second, and you know, she is not going to have to improve really at all out of that to win this race. The eight, Somer Daisy. Is another one who made a U.S. debut last time out. She was in the Queen Goddess race, and she wasn't too far behind Queen Goddess. I actually think that Queen Goddess is nice, and that race could come back to be good. One, four, and eight in race number seven at Del Mar on Saturday. Let's get to race number nine. This is my best bet, probably of the weekend. I absolutely love a horse in the John C. Maybe, and I'm talking about Bodhi Sita, the number six here. So this mare. She's really good. She's like sneaky consistent when you look through her races. Let's look at her turf form since she broke her maiden, which you can see at the bottom of the page. So she wins and breaks her maiden on October the 20th. That's sending to going long. She comes back in December. She she goes in the Lady Shamrock, which is a stakes race. She has some trouble in there. It's actually a, a race where um, she ran a little bit better than it looks on paper. Comes back on February the 1st, and in March, she wins both of those races. In one of them, she beats Dog Tag, who's going to be maybe your betting favorite in here. Returns in May 2020, off of a couple-month break. She runs in the Gamely, the Grade 1 Gamely, and she finishes a really nice second. In August of 2020, she wins the Yellow Ribbon right here at Del Mar, Grade 2 Yellow Ribbon over this turf course. Following that, she goes in the Grade 1 Matriarch on November the 29th. The winner of that race, Viadera, just came back to win the Grade 2 Boston Spa. The runner-up blowout won the Grade 2 Distaff Mile earlier this year, which was the next out uh, race. Third-place finisher Juliet Foxtrot won the Grade 1 Jenny Wiley next out. Talk about a loaded race. A couple next out 
graded stakes winners, a grade one winner and two other grade two winners. Videra, I don't think was a next out winner, but a recent winner this year. So a couple next out winners and then another recent winner. In the grade one, Gamely, Bodhisita hadn't run from November to May. Comes back in May and is only beaten a length behind Maxim Rate, was third that day. This And it was her first start since November. Bodhisita has had every right to need that race. Then we don't see her again for a few months. She shows back up on August the 7th. She's about 10 lengths off. She's last. She's inside. She wanted to go, but she had to wait behind horses. She's looking for room. She's in between. She's got nowhere to go. She has to wait. She has to angle out to the five path and in between horses. She could have been a lot closer, and she's going to be better in this race. Bodhi Sita, the number six. If she is anything around uh, four to one or so, make a win wager. We're going to use her in all exotics with the one and the three, maximum rate and dog tag. What a crazy... Del Mar Derby with a field of 14. It is a loaded group. It's so contentious. The 12 crew dragon, I will give a slight lean towards. I just think his versatility will really help him in this spot. I know he's drawn wide, but I don't think he's. I think because you can, you know, you can ask him to do different things and try to keep him out of the, out of having the widest trip. Same for Flashiest, who's drawn post 14, but he's a stone cold closer. So. He's just going to take all the way back, try to get over, and then make his one late run. The one Hudson Ridge should really benefit from the rail draw in a spot like this, and Flavian Pratt's jumping aboard. So this guy could save all the ground from the inside and really get a great trip. I'm using uh, 12, 14, and 1 in all exotics. The long shot that I think is a bit interesting if you're looking for a big price is Petruccio. You know, Petruccio was behind Sword Zoro, two back, who's probably another one that you want to include in some of the exotics, and was favored over Sword Zoro. Last time out in the Oceanside, was beaten less than two lengths, and now there's another one who's you know had a race, and then a layoff line, and then a race, and then a layoff line, is now going to be putting a couple starts together, and could be a little sharper today. Really cool Saturday card over at Del Mar. Best of luck, Del Mar, Saturday this weekend. On September the 4th, closing weekend, we've got Sunday and then Monday racing at Del Mar. So uh, just a few more days left of these incredible summer racing meets. Hopefully you all finish off the meet with a bang. Hopefully you all make a ton of money and uh, have a couple huge scores this weekend. We're going to finish things up with a very lengthy That's what G said this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. We talk a little bit about the NWA pay-per-views. They had an all-women's pay-per-view last week, uh, Empower, that got some really good reviews. We briefly touch on the the anniversary show for the NWA. We get into WWE, Monday Night Raw, uh, NXT, Friday Night SmackDown, recaps of all of those shows, and then we preview AEW All Out. We go match by match on the listed card, positives, negatives, things we're looking forward to, and we talk about uh, all of those matches and how they've been built up over the TV shows in the last few weeks. Chad Cooper joins, and a very happy birthday to Chad Cooper. He joined me on his birthday for uh, That's What She Said This Week in Wrestling. Make sure to give him a, a big shout out there. Koopa Loop helping out again uh, this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. 
and trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. This week in wrestling, coming up with Chad Cooper on that. That's what she said podcast. Before we get into our full segment, you know, we have a segment where we have a lot of fun. We talk about wrestling. We go through all the the major news and stuff. There was a really really sad piece of news uh, in the the world of wrestling over the last twenty four hours. We are recording this Thursday afternoon, and just reading from uh, Shimmer Wrestling. They were very sad. Uh, we were very sad to have to announce the passing of Shannon uh, Sproul, aka Daphne Unger. We are posting this at the request of her family. Please respect their privacy at this trying time. Uh, Chad, there were some things that came to light on social media late last night that she wasn't doing well, and you know you could see that there was um, a lot of concern from people out there who knew her. This was actually someone who was part of WCW at the very end of WCW way back in the, the late nineties into the early two thousands. And she had been uh, in a lot of independence and a lot of different wrestling organizations through the years. And then uh, unfortunately she has passed away. So, uh, you know, very, very sad news. And she was someone who was loved by many people in wrestling. We we're seeing a lot of uh, support and outcry for, uh, you know, people just kind of reminding everyone that, you never know what's happening with someone if they're struggling with some problems or, or mental health stuff. It's always nice to reach out to somebody that you, you think might be uh, might be having a tough day. Really, really just tragic, heartbreak time. You talk about any passing human life on Earth, and then it really hits close home when it's uh, part of the wrestling. You know, e- you know, we give fans a hard time enough, but you know what? The fans, there's there's so many wrestling fans, whether they admit it or not. And then you lose someone that maybe not hasn't been in the, you know, active scene for a long time. You know, she she played a part in professional wrestling. Was the, you know, quote unquote, I mean, that's one thing her character, you know, especially there at the end of WCW, but just sad, heartbreaking news. And like you said, you never really know what's going on in somebody's personal life or after five o'clock when they go home or when they have the phone, you never really know. It's just uh, uh, really heartbreaking news in the wrestling. We mourn another that was gone uh, way too soon. Very, very sad news. Uh, rest in peace, Daphne. And it's never easy to move from something like that on to covering the the rest of the TV shows and wrestling that we're going to talk about. But we uh, are going to get into all of the news and uh, and and the happenings. Coop, we're going to start with a couple things that we don't normally talk a whole lot about. But you know what? There was a lot of buzz over the weekend for NWA and Power, and I thought this was a very smart idea for their company to do because they were. You know, they started with the NWA Power show. What was it like a year and a half, maybe two years ago or so, when they were doing it on YouTube? And it was actually, it was actually a, a pretty good show. It was, it was very old school. It was an hour long. It was a quick watch. It was in like the old studio, so it felt very much like WCW Saturday Night and old shows like that. And it was, you weren't really gonna get. 25 minute banger wrestling matches But you'd get like 3 or 4 matches Some fun storyline build I remember watching some of those shows Where Eli Drake, LA Knight was out there Picking fights <laughs> with uh, 
Nick Aldis and you know you'd have Aaron Stevens out there and uh, Camille was just starting to come into the fray and so I actually enjoyed uh, a lot of those shows and then um, when the pandemic came they were having problems I think they put some of their stuff behind a paywall too but they had a women's all women's pay per view this past weekend on Saturday night. Now they've brought in Mickey James to run their women's division and be like the an EVP executive vice, uh, I think like producer uh, there. Um, and she's done right off the bat. She did a great job with this show. I I think anytime you can you can have a show like this in this day and age where people are very excited about women's wrestling, you're gonna get a good vibe. You're gonna get a lot of people that. Are going to give you the benefit of the doubt and want it to succeed. I saw that. I mean, Ronda Rousey was out there tweeting about this show, and you know, it, from top to bottom, maybe it it isn't. You know, maybe you don't get a five star classic in every match, but you got to feature and showcase a lot of really talented women that don't generally get this spotlight. And there are a lot of women on this show. That you actually know personally that you've seen in a lot of the independents around there. You and I are huge fans of Chelsea Green. She ends up winning the women's invitational gauntlet. And then she gets a, a match the next night on their pay-per-view. Deanna Peraza's on this show. Layla Hirsch, who we've seen before. Allison Kay, who you mentioned quite a bit. Um, just a really good show. And it was Renee Michelle's on here. Feel good, too, because... Anytime we can see a bunch of talented women getting their opportunity to shine, I thought this was a great idea from NWA for Mickey James, and it feels like they got a, some good buzz off this over the weekend. Yeah, especially on Saturday night. That's really hard. To, you mentioned Ronda, Ronda Rousey. There's a lot of female athletes, female professional wrestlers tweeting about this event. Sasha Banks saying about this, you know, thanking Mickey James. There was a lot of talent on this roster that probably needs to be signed. Uh, Lady Frost, who has who probably needs to be on someone's roster, uh, you know, here, uh, he's multiple champions and multiple indie organizations, especially this one that, uh, I'm directly involved with hurricane pro. Uh, she's the women's champion there. It, it was just real. It, it was really good to see. It wasn't, uh, the same old, same old, um, they did a job. They invited multiple wrestlers from different organizations. I thought that was really cool. Uh, and they had a chance to shine and they did. And, Hey, look, I'm not knocking NWA at all, but, you know, the all-women show, the Empower show on Saturday night, better buzzworthy better. Than, than NWA 73, the pay-per-view on Sunday night where you had multiple title chains. And you had, I think, Ric Flair showing up on that yeah, show. Ric Flair promo. Yeah. You had, um, it, it, it is... You know it's funny because when you look at the, the the cards, you know there are a lot of women on the on the Empower show that are good independent women, or that we've seen maybe have to be either enhancement talent or not necessarily pushed to the moon in some companies, but that are are good enough. I think that might that that's where you know with some of these women we've talked about them. Heck, we talked about them when, with the Hurricane Pro show uh, a few months ago when we were covering a lot of these girls that were on that show exactly. These girls, like, you could take five of them off of this show, and those would be the next five girls right under Britt Baker right now on AEW. Dude, I mean, you know, here's like, the, here, yeah, here's the thing. When, when you, and let's, let's say they're used as enhancement talent and they go to AWA or they work, I, you don't see it as much anymore with, with WWE because they just use contract who's on their rosters now. But, when you have, when you're in a glorified squash match, and I'm gonna say 
AEW by example, because that's where it mainly happened. You do not get to see how good some of these athletes no, really are. And, and really. it's on the men and women's side, but more of the women, because, you know, 45 seconds with a Nyla Rose, it's just, It hey, gets you on kudos. TV, but it doesn't, yeah, it, it doesn't it end does, up doing no, enough for you. And that's not even like 45 seconds with Charlotte or 45 no, seconds with no. Becky Lynch, you know? Where you're getting on probably a little bit more TV with someone who's maybe a little bit better and a little bit more proven. Um, so this this is this you're. It's so funny because I felt like after the Saturday night show, I kind of got a little bit excited for the Sunday night show, right? Because yes. I was like, yes, oh, you know what? NWA did some really good work last night. Like they're gonna get some good benefit of the doubt. I want to give them a look. And I watched the show, and you know, like, Tyrus. Oh, that was bad. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, there was a Tyrus spot that was awful. Uh, there were some fun things like uh, Chris Adonis and James Storm was kind of interesting. Matt, you yeah, get Adonis. that wasn't bad. That's yeah. not bad. Masters, who actually does a, I, I heard him on a couple podcasts uh, earlier this year covering the Lakers, which is funny. He was talking Laker talk. <laughs> uh, I was like, what the masterpiece here? And they would <laughs> he would do a segment where they would call it the master lock at the end of the game, and like who who played the worst, and they did like want to put them in the master lock. I was like, oh nice, <laughs> I like what they're doing here. Um, Mickey James on the show was always cool to see, and. And uh, Camille then, and Chelsea Green was really, really good. Was very good. And Camille's got a, an excellent presence to her. I just, um, and I thought it's cool to see Trevor Murdoch get the NWA World's Heavyweight title. You know, the, you know, they play off the Dick Murdoch thing. And I, I just, and they, they had a fun story with him. But I thought Nick Aldis has kind of done a pretty good job sort of feeling like their champ and making it seem kind of regal and royal. And then I don't, I don't know. I just, I didn't get very excited about a lot of things on this show after getting really excited about many the, the night before. In fact, it was it was like the women's stuff. It was just like seeing Mickey and seeing, uh, you know, Chelsea getting an opportunity and Camille continuing to improve. Those were the things that I, I liked the most all weekend long. Yeah. And then Deanna Perrazzo, her, her feet shows up as the masked woman in a taxi, Jane. Yeah, they definitely, I, you know, they definitely didn't capitalize, I, I thought, on the Saturday night. Uh, the rollover there, the buzz, uh, they had a chance to do it. And, hey, you know, they had some title changes. Uh, I don't know what Trevor Murdoch is due for. Um, I thought Nick Aldis did a pretty good job with it and branding it. Um, but, you know, if they have a couple of other titles, like I think they have an NWA North American or NWA National. There's something, they, they have multiple titles there. But there's really only one that counts and that Trevor Mar- Murdoch has right now. I just thought the best things on this pay-per-view, I'm sorry, were were the women's matches. Mickey James, Kylie Ray was pretty good. Camille and Chelsea, Chelsea Green was really, really good. And hey, look, Chelsea Green's still wrestling. You know, this this is five, six, yep. seven, eight, what, a dozen matches now. Return with a broken wrist. Kudos to her and and to make some really good matches, but you know, we'll see what NWA can do now. Uh, I hear that NA, you know, or excuse me, Impact is going to jump on this all women train and do an all women show for their Impact Plus app that's a uh, subscriber base. I hear they're doing that here in a couple of weeks. So we'll see. see how, I, on I like this. Night. So. I like this for all of the companies like WWE had a good when they did Evolution or whenever they've done the May Young, you know. And it's coming again. Classics. It's coming it's com- again, I think. I do, and it's. I love it when they do these shows. They got to, and I feel like Raw actually has done, whether or not they've been good, they've been doing 
multiple segments, multiple storylines with women a lot more. It just seems like we'll have a show like this or, or you know, TNA Impact will have a show or WWE will have a show or let's say AEW does one and they put together a show and, you know, the stuff that they did with the women's tournament. And then it just seems like there will be a week or two where everybody's happy and talking about it. And then it'll kind of go back to just one women's match. Yeah. One or two, one or two women's storylines, you know. Yeah. And so it's, it's. I'd love to see there be more because when we're going to talk about NXT in a little bit, I'm a little disappointed about like, and I think NXT is a whole different topic because I don't think they even know what the hell they're doing, you know. No, with the next, that, with the next just looks like they're up. just buying time until they yeah. flip the switch here. until they figure out what's going to happen in a week or two because they haven't really set. They've been setting up a lot of of the male contenders for Joe. Like you could pick out. Three or four guys that we saw last week Show up and go okay yeah you could slot them in For Joe and that would work but as far as the women Are concerned now that Dakota Kai's You know out of the picture it would feel Like any even you know they, You know Kaylee Ray Kaylee's doing the thing or Kai and, and they're not I don't you know it doesn't seem like they're gonna go With that right away it seems like They're kind of waiting a little bit they want to build her up in NXT A little bit which makes sense you know They've kind of teased Frankie back and forth So yeah I'm not sure what they're doing I just wish there's so many talented women out there. It would be nice if we could get on some of these shows, like on a Raw or on um, some shows that just feel stale. Even sometimes AEW, where it's like, okay, we're getting, you know, three or four of these kind of matches that might be dark-ish. Wouldn't it be great if we can get some focus on, you know, multiple women's and uh, matches? And maybe with, you know, maybe a Ruby Rojo coming in, I think, this weekend for AEW. Maybe they bring in a couple more female participants and that'll strengthen their roster. And perhaps that can happen because, yeah, it, anytime you're going to do something like this in this era, in this day and age where um, you, you're going to get very good feedback when you give the women an opportunity, I, I would love to see more of this. Capitalize. Here's right. the thing, capitalize. Look, I, you have. I'm not saying you can't sign sign them all. I'm not saying um, capitalize. You have that are good. I mean, you mean to tell me the only women's match we're gonna get on AW Penelope Ford and and, and Taya Conti? I have no problem with either one of them. But it was a train wreck match. Fans booed it. Um, then afterwards, you have a bad women's segment where Thunder Rosa gets beat down by Nyla Rose. I'm not even quite a fan of the Brit hater stuff quite yet. Like, she just brought her in, and you can tell she's already sort of teasing something like, if if right, hater right. if hater wins, she's not coming after my belt, you know, which is... Um, you know, and they're I just, kind just of capitalize. Yeah. You know, the yeah. same with... Well, look, Impact has great pay-per-views. They've always had them. Their weekly and then shows, which the next week be better are, than their pay-per-views, eh. are just bad. Right back to, eh. You know? So, well, uh, before we get into SmackDown, which we're going to get in right now, I got to say, happy birthday to you, Chad Cooper. When you we are recording it, this, man. it is your birthday. I I got to say, man, you and I, uh, we first uh, locked up maybe, what, 2010, Ooh. 11, like in that range when I was uh, – I think, yeah, 2011-ish, I went to Delta, so uh, over a, a decade now, and right off the bat, we started talking wrestling, started talking racing, we hit it off, you've, since then, man, you've joined me on TVG, you joined me on everything that I've done, and like, any <laughs> any shows that I've done, or that I've been on, or I've hosted, 
whether it was for some racing or some wrestling, you've jumped on and talked with me through the years, man. You've given me a lot of hours and a lot of time and energy for you. So I love you, brother. Thank you and happy birthday. Man, I appreciate it. 24 uh, does look nice. A good old 47, born in 1974. You know, look looking great. good like the nature boy. Woo! You are in the flare. Honestly, you're in the, it, they say this a lot. You're in the best shape of your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. You are. And that's I no, want, that's I, not a work. That's not a gimmick no, here. No, it's, we're not, we're it's a straight shoot here, pal. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, a couple of years ago, 1917, not in the best of shape. Now, woo, nature boy, you know, Space Mountain. And he can go all, uh, night. all night. Longest line oh, over here, woo. brother. No, I appreciate it. It's been a fun ride. We talk college football, MMA, you know, wrestling. It's always a good time. Uh, so much appreciated, sir. It's uh, it's very good birthday. We got into Summer, uh, SummerSlam post-SummerSlam SmackDown, which, man, it feels like SummerSlam was already such a long time ago. <laughs> and it does, we talked about uh, SmackDown from last week. And so right off the bat, we get Becky Lynch coming out. Uh, fans are chanting for Becky, and then Bianca interrupts her. I actually, a, a lot of this, mixed mix feelings, but I like when Bianca comes right out, doesn't act, doesn't pretend like this didn't happen. It wasn't like when Kofi got crushed by Brock, and we just don't yeah, ever yeah. hear from him, right? Well, she comes out immediately. She says, hey, let's do this. I'm going to fight. I want that title. Then they get the interruption from, you know, Zelina and Carmella, and then actually Liv comes out too, and Liv, I thought, was very good in this segment and she kind of felt like important. So I don't, I thought the, what needed to be done sort of, I, I thought got there. I don't know if it was an, an a, it was maybe like a B minus in, in getting from where you were last week to here, but okay. Bianca is the number one contender. Now, you know, you're going to get Bianca going after Becky. Becky's playing this heel role where she, nah, I don't want to match. Nah. And she just walks off, <laughs> you know, which, I don't know if I love turning Becky into a heel immediately, and I completely understand why people wanted to jump all over this right away, and they don't want to be patient with WWE storytelling. Hell, see what's going on in NXT. But I, I genuinely do think this is a this was the plan. Becky was supposed to go heel. That she wanted to go heel. They'll continue to have Bianca and Becky for a while. This is something that they can set up as a big women's feud. Hell, I wouldn't be shocked if this is a WrestleMania match next year if Bianca wins the Royal Rumble and and goes after Becky again. You know, again, some th- this is something that it, it's all going to depend on how Bianca is handled in the coming weeks. And she was not forgotten about on this show. It wasn't like. Oh, Becky's here. Bianca's. We pushed her. She got the, the the open of the show. She looked good. She wins the match. She has a you know a, she beats Liv. I thought Liv looked very good too. So I didn't think this was a. It was still a little convoluted, and there was probably. I mean, you got Becky and Bianca. There's probably better things you could do with the two of them. But I thought, as far as like kind of rehabbing some of the negatives from what people didn't like about SummerSlam, I thought they did okay with this. Uh, speaking of looking good, other than myself. Uh, eight, you what, Becky? Eighteen months ago, is that what Becky abs. said? Look at those abs! She, she looks amazing. Oh, Not that she didn't look eighteen months ago. She looks fantastic. And look, massive reaction. I'm with you. I kind of didn't like the heel heat. Like, no, nah, you're not getting a title chance tonight. I'm walking. But they made Bianca look strong in that opener. Carmella comes out. Selena comes out. Hey, man, Bianca uh, and Liv. I'm. I, they did a. Fantastic job at with them Liv is too. Getting uh, really good right now. She is, and she and, is. And you know what's and, cool and, about the character that Liv, and even the character that we're gonna talk about with Finn. 
and even like Bianca, they just they are saying things and acting like a regular person would act in their situation. Bianca's like very believable. What the the hell? You you know, like you said you want to have this match and then you and then you you cheap shot me, like let's do this right now. Okay, no, like, okay, I'm I'm pissed. But I'm not gonna be, you know, I'm not gonna go ballistic. But I'm, you know, I'm pissed about this. Liv Morgan, even. Hey, how come you dumb chicks? You know, she says to, to like to Selena and uh, and Carmella, keep coming out here thinking that you you're stupid. You've lost over and over. How come you think you're getting wins? Like that's what a normal person would say. So though, I, I actually like that they're acting like normal people would act. You know, it's not like a yeah. really fabricated story. It's just hey, if you're if somebody gets kind of screwed over on TV. I want them to act like they got screwed over and just mention, hey, look, that wasn't cool. This doesn't make any sense. This doesn't add up. And it just it, it doesn't make your baby faces seem as like I said, I've said the word stupid a couple times. I don't like a dumb baby face that's like, oh, come on. Really? They didn't see that coming yeah. or they they couldn't even like stick up for themselves a little bit. So, yeah, I thought the first segment first about 30 minutes or so. I didn't uh, I didn't mind this at all. It was a fatal four way elimination. We ended up with Liv and uh, Bianca. At the end, and Bianca gets the win. She's your number one contender here. Uh, I think I had I can't remember exactly where or on a podcast that I was listening to. This was years ago, and it was this was when the four horsewomen were coming, were all sort of come had just come up from NXT. And for you know, for the most part, a lot of people were really into Sasha at that point and Charlotte. And Becky was like the least of the four. You know, Bailey was the yes. one who, yes. who was the, the big baby face, and and Becky was just kind of like the quirky. Funny one who you just You knew would be Solid forever you'd always be able to Kind of put Becky in a spot in a match Wherever and she'd always be good but I never real. I don't know if anybody ever thought she was going to be She would have her moment as The one that everybody was into But what I had heard was that When when you're at events Or you know like a post show Party or Wrestlemania week stuff And there's a bunch of people in, in the room That when she walks into the room she is like as gorgeous as, and it's it's like overwhelming, uh, alike. But compared, even compared to a lot of the other women that you would think that she actually is the one that like stands out as just glowing with this smile, and she's got this like magnetism to her and a good personality. And so I've always heard just like raving things about her and how like she is. She just got that it, whatever it is, and she she did come out and look fantastic uh, on the TV. The the Sunday uh, or Saturday at, at SummerSlam and then Friday after. So, um, yeah, not bad for for the women here, and they got a, a good opportunity to go after the women. We we see Paul Heyman backstage yeah. with Roman Reigns, and uh, I, I like this. Roman says, uh, "He, he uh, Paul." So Kayla asks Paul Heyman, "Where do you stand?" And he says, "I stand where I always stand." Right behind and kind of to the side of this tribal <laughs> chief Roman Reigns, which is just I like stopped and laughed, just laughed out loud at that line because it was something that only Heyman could kind of make makes like, you know funny but sort of serious. And all throughout the show, it's great because you know Roman instead of getting mad at at Heyman or or like what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? He's kind of he's he's manipulating so well. Like Roman playing these mind games, you know, and we saw him do these things with the Usos too, where he'll go from kind of being aggressive with them to being like, "Hey, I love you, you know, your family, you know, you're a part of all of this." And um, he, I don't know when I didn't realize that he had this in him, Roman. Like some of these chops, 
You know, oh, yeah. like yeah. like the, the the big badass guy that could go out there and kick ass. Sure. Like I, you could have always told me that Roman could have been like an action hero in a movie, like a superstar like that. Sure. But like the layers that he's got right now and like the mind games and stuff that he's playing, um, man, he's doing just some really, really good work right now. Yeah, and I think I definitely think it rubbed off on him. I don't know if Roman's had it in or not, but it's spectacular. I like the Heyman line, you know. Oh, you know, when the Usos come out, oh, the door was unlocked, and they're like, "Well, you you knew that Brock was was showing up." Right? I like the fact that we didn't get Brock on this week. Yep, yep, me too. I, I don't I don't want to see Brock fly. I, you know, if you want to bring him at Extreme Rules, he shows up at the end of the match again. I'm okay with. Um, it's just. Man, it, it, what you can do storytelling, still being involved with like four or five players story, when they're good at storytelling, you don't have to wrestle every week. How many how many times have we seen Roman in the ring every week on SmackDown? Not very many. But these segments, so freaking good, they just kind of lure you in. And, and this, uh, it was just, again, another knockout segment. I think the Usos are doing fantastic uh, with, with what they're doing. Uh, as a part of it, and you kind of had them turn on each other a little bit. They kind of t- turning on Roman, but Roman is just big. say what you want to say about the dude, but I mean that's that's a five star. You got the yeah it, in the cracks now with everyone with the with the Usos. They don't know which side Heyman's on. What's going to happen here? Um, we bummer uh, just to see. You know, it felt like Cesaro. You know, we just a few months ago getting the win over Rollins, <laughs> and then right up in the uh, the main event with Roman Reigns and. He's here. I mean, he's on our TV, but and I and hell, I'd love to see these two guys go for twenty minutes. Yeah, that's the problem. That's the Could, problem. It would have been a hell of a match, but a two-minute deal with Otis involved is, is like, not going to end well. No, it doesn't do anything for anyone. But we do get Happy Corbin, <laughs> dude. This is just Woo. between this and the Grimes stuff over the last couple months. These are the kind of things that. WWE really does well when they do when they can yes. do comedy and hit the comedy and make it goofy and campy because their production costs and stuff. They got this guy in these hundred thousand dollar cars now. He's got this watch and these hats and just oh my gosh, it is just great. He said he's got a, a the three hundred thousand dollar Bentley. His wife welcomed him back. They've got Wagyu beef on the table and Kevin Owens is like. God, that guy's obsessed with Wagyu beef. You know, he's just like, <laughs> uh, also just something to mention too that Pat McAfee had COVID, and so he was not on Monday, uh, Friday Night SmackDown. Kevin Owens and Corey Graves were both filling in there for him. So we got a uh, some uh, some funny quips here and there from KO. But uh, this ended up with uh, with Big E coming out, and we got Big E and and Corbin kind of going back and forth. He ends up offering Big E a hundred thousand dollars for the bank beefcase. Big E says no, but uh, he can give him a half-eaten sandwich or a plushie for the Arkansas Razorbacks, and the fans <laughs> love that one. Um, and uh, so looks like we'll get a little more with uh, with Big E and uh, and Corbin back and forth as they probably got to figure out what they want to do with Big E. I I, I honestly think they're in a weird way, because it's the same way in NXT, I think in 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 a lot of WWE, they're sort of waiting for a month when they do the brand split again, when they do the, the yeah. draft again. Because then yeah. it seems like everything will freshen up. I don't know how deep into stories they're going to want to get right now if people are going to be changing brands. 
I get the jit. I just get the feeling that Big E is going to end up where Lashley is. That's what it felt feels like to me. I, I wouldn't mind seeing Corbin and Big E maybe have a briefcase type match. You know, mm-hmm. if you're going to have Corbin offer it, I'll take that match at Extreme Rules. You know. I haven't heard kind of about brands shakeups posted. We know in October they're going back to Saudi Arabia, right, for the Crown Jewel uh, show. I don't know if it's before that or after or maybe not at all. You know, I, I don't know. Hearing about it, it sure seems like they're stuck in with some of these guys. But I definitely think I, I, I see him on Raw chasing Lashley more than I do Roman Reigns, especially if you're going to bring Brock Lesnar in. Because I don't think Brock is being brought in just for normal. Backstage, uh, Seth Rollins. He's got this. This was cool. He's like, I've only got one thing to say to you, Edge. Congratulations. Or uh, actually, first it was Edge. So first it was Edge saying he says SummerSlam was a. Uh, I, I defeated Seth Rollins, but uh, I had to go to a dark place to get where I needed. Said it affected me and everywhere I go. But now this is over. I'm moving on to the Universal Title. Cool. So short, sweet. I liked it. And then right after, you got Rollins. See, this is what's gr- what I like. If you're not going to have them on TV and you don't have something for them to do, boom. This was just two minutes. You know what? They did something like this on AEW on Wednesday on Dynamite with Miro and Kingston, and I liked it too. It was like. Oh, just like about a minute or two of a of these guys cutting little back and forth promos. You don't need every, it doesn't always have to be in the ring, little show down, contract signing kind of a thing. You know, you can just have this kind of uh, this was this served as much of a purpose as these two guys having a ten or fifteen minute segment in the ring. We saw Rollins st- like cracking here. You know, he's smiling. He says, tip was, of the, you know, look, tip of the cap to edge. And he, I like the line. I'm going to have to be Edge and get what I want. Here. I, it's just really good. I mean, again, Rollins is another one. You know, when, when you look at the, I always go back and look at the shield, you know, you look at those three guys when they came up from NXT, appeared through the crowd, uh, echo, you know, I, I just, it's amazing the work that the three have done. Look, I'm not I'm not look I, I know I'm gonna take a beat but just get ready and I, I said it and I took a beat of the three Jocely is number three so anything for me that style doesn't I know have a great match at all out and we'll, you know we'll, man Rollins and Reigns have just been yep I've always been that way he okay. um he is you know like Ambrose always got that kind of like you know rowdy Roddy Piper funk yes. people kind of wanted um yeah. which. You know, he, he, he's, he's good. He's fine. He just, to me, he's like, um, sort of like I was saying before what they say about Daniel Bryan to me, D Ambrose is like a B B minus, you know, like, I just don't sure. love him. I'm okay he, with that. He's got a He's got a place on the card. There are going to be times where Dean Ambrose is hot and he deserves to win the title, but I just don't know if he's ever your focal point that you build around for a long time. I think he's. He can be one of your top guys, but I look at Seth and I look at Roman and they just, they feel like they've been so consistently at the top of the card for so long now. And they've, they've, you know, they've changed themselves up a couple different times now. And, and maybe you don't like each of their, you know, their characters, but their in ring work has, has whether or not you love Roman and, you know, he got a lot of crap about, he only has a few moves, this and that before his big matches have pretty much all delivered. Like any of delivered. his big, yeah. they've not been bad. They're, on the big stage, he does a really good job. And Seth, Seth might be as good as anyone 
of being able to get like as close to a five star match possible in the WWE. Like he can do as close to like a W like an NXT or AEW style match in the WWE as they'll like let happen. He's figured that out. And, and it, yeah. And it's going to be interesting to see here. He's already interjecting himself even before the edge match at SummerSlam. You know, he, he's already told Roman. He's already told Paul Heyman. I want a shot at the, I, I want a shot at that title. And it's curious. It's going to be interesting. This involved in this Finn Balor match with Roman Reigns coming up uh, on SmackDown. I think Seth is going to be one of those thorns in the side to Roman Reigns a little bit. I'm not saying we're going to get a Seth, you know, complete babyface heel turn, but it looks like it's he's coming at some point. It might be a year. It's, it's coming. It's coming. It might be a year. It, it might be a year and a half, but that's that's one of the biggest matches that they have. Like you think about big matches that the WWE has right now to go to, and um, turning Seth on Roman. Is one of them Roman Lashley Lashley kind of turning would baby face to kind of go after Roman right now would also be fun sure. that would be another sure. one um you know there are a few that that still feel like they could be big down the line and Seth Seth doing some good work here that this is uh yeah. yeah this was good stuff Ron thanks Edge and congratulates him as uh, <laughs> we get to uh hey they must like boogs because we're getting a lot of boogs wrestling a lot right? yes. He's great. He's got that little like onesie singlet thing that he's wearing. And it's, uh, (laughs) he's funny in the ring and he does, he's very, you know, uh, um, you know, outlandish and boisterous. And so we get, uh, Rick Boogs and knock getting the win here. And we even got a little insert promo that was like from the 1980s from Apollo Cruz in the (laughs) middle of this match with him and, uh, and, that I, like that was cool. Those you know little things like that I enjoy. Um, and wasn't the biggest deal in the world. But hey, you hear from Apollo. It just it reminded me of what they used to do. Is in the middle of their match, he tells them, "I'm still coming for you." Yes, I loved it. It looked really good match. You know, you can do a lot with uh, one can turn on each other. Uh, they can be a tag team of each other. But I, I look, I, I've, I'm a mark for the match promos. It's old school. It's 1980. Uh, and hey, look, you still remember me. I, I see what you're doing out there. I wish they would do more of it. It just, you know, again, it just shows you why SmackDown has been assisted a better product and some why that, that Friday night seemed to be better than Monday night. We are getting, uh, oh, I, I liked, I kind of liked what happened with Naomi. It seems like, yes. do you think, do you yes. think we get a Naomi turn and that Naomi goes to the bloodline? Uh, with the it Usos, seems like, maybe, right? Look, it seems like. WWE's liking that uh, they, you know, they they put they they're, they're starting to put females male faction. Uh, here's good. Uh, I was talking to uh, Marina Shafir a couple of weeks. Was her first indie match from NXT. She was supposed to be the muscle behind uh, the Diamond Mind uh, there in NXT. I think uh, this. I don't know if they actually do it, but I would certainly be okay with it. I think she would fit in perfectly. We uh, then got a, m- a little more in the Dominic Mysterio. I, it, they're turning on each other sometime soon. They've been playing this oh, out. Yeah. It's yeah. coming soon. Dominic's turning on Pops, and he's going to go, uh, you know, he's going to go crazy on him. Sammy gets the win, and, you know, we see them, the, the two of them kind of, uh, you know, have some issues uh, one more time. Um, then And then we get the, uh, the main event segment where um, the Reigns and the Usos are out, and Finn Balor interrupts. And this is this is exactly what I was talking about with 
Liv and with Bianca. It's like Finn just walks out and says, hey, I got screwed out of a title match by Cena. I'm going to deal with him in a different time. Now Edge is trying to talk about, you know, a title shot. Brock Lesnar's back here. He says, I wanted to come challenge you for a match at Extreme Rules, but I don't trust anyone here. I'm not waiting in line anymore. I want you next Friday on SmackDown. Perfect. That, that was, I mean, that's all and, you need. And, and Finn's not like a 25-minute promo guy. That's one of the more, like, impactful things, like, little little statements that he's had on the main roster. And it helped that it's, he, you know, he wasn't put in that weird position with interjected into the Cena, you know, Roman Reigns storyline there. And the fans really didn't know what to do with him that night. They were definitely behind him last Friday night. They jump him, and I like the Greek Profits, so now we're going to probably have Greek Profits and the Usos. It'll be a good tag team there uh, for the belts. I thought it was a, I thought it was a great way to end. And I, I hope they don't. I'm not a fan of the, when they do the Survivor Series, like the brand uh, versus brand, because especially because it doesn't mean anything. And think about it, like this year, there's going to be a draft in October again. Yeah. So you're going to have these true. brands for one month. And now it's going to be like, we're doing brand versus brand. None of these guys have ever faced each other except for two months ago. I'd much rather have a couple old school Survivor Series matches than, than that. If you're going to give me yes. a title, it's going to, if it's going to be IC champ versus US champ and, and there's no title on the line and it doesn't matter, like, especially with the way that things are this year, how cool would uh, Roman, the Usos, and Seth, you know, Survivor Series team be? Against Edge, Finn, and the Prophets. Yes. Right. Like, that's fun. You know? Yeah, because these title versus title matches, they're not title versus title matches. They're non title matches. They're, they don't, we don't have a good, and when they're on different brands, it seems like it's just not built as good because you're on two different shows on two different You don't different have the weeks of TV and, to build them up. Yeah. Yeah, and it just doesn't work out. So, hey, I, I, I I dig it. I, I would be more for that than you have the IC United States champion, uh, champion versus champion, but no titles. Yeah, it, you know, it doesn't really do for me. Or some so, stakes. But, if you if you're ever gonna yes. do that, there has to be stakes. Why? Yes. If yes. The winning. The, you know, give me. You know, if if you even in, title in the title shot at the at the big deal, man. Give him a title shot, or if you do an elimination Survivor Series match, hell, the the rumbles after that not that long. Hey, who, the survivors you get, get you know number. Pick your number. Your number thirty. Yeah, something like that. Just give you a little something to get to as uh, SmackDown. Another very solid show on SmackDown. Rampage was after that. We're gonna talk about AEW though at the end. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna just preview the All Out card. We'll go through the card and then we'll talk about all the matches and storylines as we go through each of the cards set. uh, Each of the matches on the card set up. Raw, which we were very excited for because they had uh, <laughs> told us that we were going to see a few different matches last week. None of those matches happened. The reports were that Vince McMahon was as furious and, and crazy as anyone has ever seen him backstage <laughs> leading up to Monday Night Raw, ripping up the script, rewriting it right before. Um, I don't now in this particular time period that we're living in, I will give them the benefit of the doubt in that we don't really know what's going on right now when someone's missing if it's covid related right that that so that's the only reason why i will say okay maybe there was one or two things that happened and that sort of caused the domino effect because we know miz was not there he was supposed to be in uh, a match with morrison that was one they 
they promoted Lashley versus Sheamus, which was weird because those guys were both there and they both could have had a match, but we had Sheamus in a match that ends up being incredible instead. Yes. So I like, yeah. I don't think people ended up getting that mad. It was just, okay, so why? It's kind of like head scratching. It's like, hmm, I wonder why they decided to just not have Sheamus, especially because Priest got the win over McIntyre anyways. You could have had them go one-on-one and had him get the win over him, serve the same purpose. Drew shakes his hand after, and you got Sheamus with Lashley. But it did seem like they decided, you know what? Lashley and Sheamus isn't going to be a thing for a while, and I don't think Lashley and Priest is going to be a thing for a while. It looks like they they called an audible, and that, I think, is why things moved around because they're they're putting Orton and Riddle kind of into – the main event picture. And I almost wonder if we get a triple threat now with Orton, Riddle, and Lashley. You know, that was, I, I don't mind. It's typical raw fashion. It's happened when it does. Seems like it, well, you have different guy after different guy after different guy come out. I, I'm used to it by now. I don't think it's as bad as what everybody meant out to. Usually it turns out to be good matches. We saw a good match there with Priest, uh, Drew, and Sheamus. I kind of liked Lashley coming out there. Hey, look, I'm the Universal Champ, or I'm the WWE. I wouldn't mind having two belts. But what really threw me off is that Riddle and Orton coming and getting involved in your main event was Riddle and Orton and MVP and Lashley. And I think they've been doing that tag match at a lot of the house shows. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of pivoting. Like you said, Miz was not there. Rumor was Alexis was. It looks like they're not going that way at all. That's what drives me me crazy with WWE. Why why do that? Start something and then we never hear it. The, for the rest of our lives, and that why drives me insane. And that's and that right there, like that is the reason why people get mad at WWE and Vince. Yes, what yes, just that's happened? Not one of my and, biggest pet peeves. Me too. And and that's the thing where it's like I like to. I'm not. It's weird. We'll pile on them, but then at the same time, I like to defend WWE sometimes because I think people will pile on them so hard that they don't really take the good stuff. Out and and appreciate no, sure. good things yes. that are happening because and and yes. for the same reason like piling on Vince is different than like I still want to support and enjoy these segments with a lot of these wrestlers that I like that's right. them them and, and what Vince is deciding are two different things you know like so I um but th- you can't defend these kind of things when you just like Vince you how come you can't have something set up a week out you can't why can't you just have it planned for a week and stick to that plan. I mean, it's, I don't, it's, 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 it, 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 it hurts your talent. It really hurts Alexa Bliss. Now I understand the men's, I don't understand, but I, I can understand it more. You know, if you're going to change that up a little bit, uh, you made Morrison look horrible in a match with Omos and Morrison is not horrible. Morrison tried to overcompensate for things in that match. You know, the men portion of that worked out. We got a pretty good tag match to end the show. Uh, we got that. Hey man, that triple threat match was fantastic with Damian McIntyre and Sheamus. I, 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 I thought McIntyre and Priest story. I think that's yeah. Go with it. I still don't like that sword. Oh, McIntyre with Orton. It just makes you look like we don't deserve it or 
we're idiots and we don't want one or we don't need one. That's my biggest concern. But I'm still going to watch the show for the parts that I do. Yes. And that triple threat match was freaking amazing. It was great. It was really good. And then just another good performance from Sheamus and Priest. Like, sometimes you put somebody up. A long, long time. Sometimes you put someone in a position where they, you know, it's a little too much too soon. Priest feels like he fits right oh, now. Yeah. Uh, he does. He's hot. He's got, he's got the crowd behind him. He's got supports. Fantastic match. I heard the opening segment. It was typical. But some of the way these other matches really odd. So it looks like we'll be uh, we're gonna have to keep an eye on that before monitor that. Maybe do we maybe we get more tag stuff with Riddle and Orton. Maybe it's just an Orton Lashley thing with with Riddle in the corner, or maybe we do get one of those where it's you know the three of them and 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 who knows you know you you start to get some of the uh, the Riddle. But I, I think that I, I like Riddle and Orton for a little while longer before we start the turn with them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, let, let them work for a while. They're good, man. Did you hear the pop they got when they came out? They're yeah. probably the hottest on, on, on Raw right now. They are. Oh, yeah. The RK Bro is over. And, and hey, Big you time. know what? Like, it's a, it was the perfect thing to do for Damian Priest because as a baby face, I, I got so excited when he did the easy, like, I'm going to do the open challenge. I was like, they're listening. Yeah. They're listening. They're and listening. That's what he said. And then you know, Drew, <laughs> so it was perfect. I was like, yes. And, Maybe maybe he's in a storyline with Drew for a little while. Maybe he does some of those here and there open challenges. But yeah, I, I like that. That's what a babyface should be doing. And uh, big shout to that match. It was excellent. It was an excellent match there. We then got to uh, Rhea and Nikki Ash. They're uh, you know they're buddies now. We got Rhea versus Shayna for a bit. Um, I mean, this is eh. Like I'm, I don't hate it. I don't love it. I I like. I think we could use all of these women a little bit better, but at least like I I don't like Shayna like losing all the time. She was treated like such a badass, but as yeah. long as she doesn't lose in like thirty second roll ups, then or she's not scared of the doll. You know, if she's actually in matches, I'm okay with it. You know, first, you know, I don't like Rhea trying to. She brought her out. I, it just there's no because well, Rhea's not me. really over enough to be doing no. that herself. No. You know. It, and the buzz behind the super has now gone. It's just, it, it, look, she was on the bump. We got the tears. Uh, we never really got a real celebration of this. Um, she's not over. Yeah, has put her over. Um, and you look, the match was, eh, here's the problem. I didn't like, here's the, here's the problem I had with her. Shayna was dominating that match for probably the first seven or eight minutes of what a 10 minute match. And then at the end, you kind of get a roll up type deal. And it's just, uh, what are we, what are we doing? I, I just, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know with that split with her and Nia should have happened a long time ago. Shayna needs to be off by herself. Uh, her and Charlotte needs to be what I would book, but I, I think I don't know what we're now. She's with, always with been one that's not just not handled well, and and no. and Rhea, Nick, yeah, like it's none of them have been handled well. Um, no. no, and Nikki's dropping down. Like Rhea feels like she's better than in a better place than she was like a month or two ago. But like I said, you don't you don't want to just you don't want to attach her to something that's gonna sink. Because then that could pull no. her down too, you know. And, and hey, look, Gino, you know this. Just because you're winning matches doesn't make your no. Right. And, getting I, over. and it's hard, right? And look, if we start getting some shuffle, we start doing things, and we've already seen NXT logo. Uh, there's rumors now that Vince Pritchard are going to be producing NXT now. 
then you're going to get a lot of these players back on NXT. I I don't know what's going to happen here. We'll talk about NXT in a second. But I have a feeling we're going to see some of these raw talents in, end up back on, on NXT. Well, a little, little bit of a repackaging for the Viking Raiders. They came off a little more... A little more serious at least than just said hey you know we're we're coming uh you know for the titles and then we got a, a viking raiders match so they're trying to at least make them seem a little more serious after uh we saw them playing basketball in bowling <laughs> <last year. laughs> beer pong with, with the yeah, viking raiders. they were playing beer pong at one point too you're right <laughs> oh, um, that was when the uh, that awesome triple threat match happened. That took up quite uh, quite a bit of time. Damian Priest gets the win after Drew shakes his hand. So the 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 good guy moment there. Uh, we got a quick little Goldberg, um, you know, a uh, little segment here where it, I mean he just said he's coming for the soul of Bobby Lashley. I mean that was. It was him like out in front of his truck He was wearing some glasses that literally Looked like he was Neo from the Matrix <laughs> I was like Man those were cool It was funny because Stephanie was watching And she's like you need some of those goggles For when you play basketball I was like I think he's just wearing regular glasses But you know but like yeah like, They were really he, tiny They, they were really tiny and you could see the reflection of the camera guy, you know. <laughs> you know, I look at stuff like that, but I'm sure that's the match you probably uh, Saudi Arabia. Yeah, yeah, don't you think? We're, it's, yeah, he said it. I don't want the title. It's not important anymore. So he's probably, don't you think, kind yeah, of feels I think like so. that. That's probably a a, a a good and maybe yeah, that, that's a good way to do it. And it doesn't it doesn't have to be something that you it like takes up a lot of your TV time. Maybe you know right. around them, you can kind of have it off in its own in its own world. I do, I love seeing Reggie out there. I do, this one, you got Akira Tozawa in the dog suit and he's like crawling all over and they're chasing Reggie and Reggie's running around the park. Like these have actually made me laugh. I think we're the same thing we were saying with the Grimes ones though. You want to get maybe one or two more of these. Yeah. And then start bringing Reggie back either into the matches, into the arena. You know, you you don't want to go on with the same, anything that you're doing, you don't want to go on with it for, Five, six, seven weeks Three or four are fine I think these have been fun One or two more of Reggie in a different location Somewhere is great And then let's see Reggie in, you know, in the ring You've kind of introduced him a little bit You've told the story about him now We kind of know who he is He's had to you know, escape and elude people his whole life He got picked on, you know, all these things So then, then you can start putting him in To you know, matches or whatever you want to do But yeah, this has been fine I just don't want to I don't want to see five more weeks of this One or two and I'm good with yeah, um, our truth and a blonde wig. The blonde wig. <laughs> you know, I, I I know we're taking digs, Karen. You know, with with the dog park, but I'm with you. I like comedy and wrestling, but Reggie. If not, then there's there's probably not many more weeks. This type of stuff. It, that that was a segment we we didn't need to. See. So we just and we'll talk about it in a minute. Got the dynamite rating in right now. Uh, one point okay. zero five million. They. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the million number is a good number to hit. I think I told I when I you and I talked, I thought they would now it, it's funny about how the ratings work and we'll, and we'll get to dynamite in a second. This week's dynamite should have been last week's dynamite. Yes. The yes. way that they booked the show, the way that they started with a good tag match, they ended with a hot main event segment. It felt like they cared and they were trying to put a lot in. And not everything hit. There were a couple things that that we will we'll discuss that we didn't love, but it just felt like 
They were really trying They were trying to put all their big acts out on the show We saw Jericho, MJF Cutting their promos, we saw a good match We saw the Bucks and, and Omega You know, continue to build to All Out I'm more interested in All Out now Than I was a week ago But I think that's, that is sort of a problem Reflecting these ratings Because anyone who tuned in last week Expecting there to be a really hot show Didn't get one And so that this week the ratings were going to be a little bit lower Now I, you wonder if This was a go home show and a, and a And a better show And now you'll have Rampage And then you'll have the pay per view this weekend So if there's another big surprise next week They'll probably go up a little bit again Back to like 1.1 million Because more people are probably feeling good About the, sh- the, the show And the pay per view and everything now Than they were a week ago That was just the one thing And we'll get into that I, I thought was weird But I, I just saw that I wanted to make sure we mentioned those ratings as we finish up here with Monday Night Raw, um, you know, Dewdrop gets the. This has just been, you know, we we I, I wanted to give this the benefit of the doubt at the beginning because I like Piper. Eva Marie has ton of heat. We both from the very beginning said, "Great, she's going to come in, and whoever you put on the opposite side of her is going to get cheered because everybody boos the hell out of Eva." She hasn't even gotten the heat. They've done this story so backwards. They had her like. Almost turn on Eva in the first couple days Then she for a month just stood by And did like nothing And then they like expedited it very quickly Over the last week She says she likes the name Dewdrop She's not supposed to like that name She's supposed (laughs) to tell us my name's not Dewdrop I'm Piper Niven or whatever you want her to be Um I I just don't know who is this doing anything for uh, why have a she gets beat up before the match starts and have a match? And I know what they're trying. They tried to get heat on Eva Marie as great as Eva Marie looks visually, um, physically. Uh, it's just as bombed. And look, she did a great sit down in uh, what is that? Not after the bell. That's Corey Gross's podcast. What's the one with Ryan? Um, uh, she did a sit down with him. Uh, Satin, um, right? The... With Ryan Satin. Yeah. Uh, what, whatever. Whatever his little. I, I don't know if Fox or WWE. Like a backstage really thing. Does. Yeah, they do yeah. some. Of it too. It yeah, was yeah. Really good. And she connects. It's really good. She told her story. How she came back. Uh, how she wanted to be back, not connected from social media to television. And I and this is not do you talk about a program to hit the eject button? This is so I mean, Karrion Cross gets a win here. I just he I don't know. I it does this this again just doesn't make any sense to me because if you were gonna build the guy up, why did you have him lose those first couple? And you know, and he, you know, he's beating Humberto Carrillo here. That's fine. Um it just he doesn't feel like he's got any buzz or any momentum or any steam behind him whatsoever because of you know the, the way that they started out. He gets rolled up right away. Then he loses. He beats Keith Lee. Then he comes back and he loses to Keith Lee. And then we find out that Keith Lee isn't even really healthy and, and not even in shape. So it's like, why would he have lost to Keith Lee if Keith Lee's not even going to be around? None of this has made sense. <laughs> Oh man, um, and he had a different mask this time too, right? We had a yeah. we had a we had a Trojan helmet last before last. Looked like Spartacus last week, and this week he's yeah. looking like yeah. I don't know. It's just look, poor poor Cross. The damage. I I don't know. I don't know what to say or think about this anymore. It's just I don't know what you could do other than bring Scarlet. That Scarlet would help. I. I don't know why we're not Scarlet with him I, for the major. Of all things, I don't know. Maybe we'll find out sooner or later. It's bad. Again, week out every Monday. What is Cross doing? What is he wearing? 
There were two things that people were talking about most coming out of Monday Night Raw. The first was the really good triple threat match that we uh, have already mentioned between Damian Priest, Sheamus, and Drew McIntyre. The second was a match that broke down into a fight between Charlotte and Nia. And I mean, I don't know when I, when I'm watching a match. Always, I no, I, I'm not a worker, so I I can't tell you a hundred percent to everything. If a spot is screwed up, whose fault it is? But we've watched enough wrestling through our days to where, for the most part, if something is ugly, you can kind of rewind it and look again and go, okay, they messed that spot up. And we're, I, I do think Charlotte is the absolute best women's wrestler in the world. But I have seen her have some bad matches or matches where she didn't quite connect or there were spots that didn't flow. But... They are few and far between. Naya, on the other hand, is commonly discussed as one of the most unsafe women's wrestlers. One that is and just drops a lot of people. She's done this with Sasha. She did it with Kyrie. There were Oscar. You can I can think of many, many women. Becky was another one that you know she has either hurt or come very close to hurting in. There was a moment where Nia basically just dropped Charlotte in the middle of picking her up to do a move, and Charlotte got pissed. You could see it went it off on script. Face. <laughs> she was off script. She was, and they, and then they just couldn't get back. I will say, like, we'll talk about the uh, the the Ty Conti uh, AEW match a little bit. Like that match. Was bowling shoe ugly at the very beginning <laughs> I will I will give them a little bit of credit though That they 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 did improve that match towards the they end did. They and, did And, the, and they, they did. did sort of get the fans to, to get happy That they were able to do it Like you could see it in the ring And, and it was like oh, It just no. went too long It just it went No, no, too you're long. right This match They didn't even care about getting back on It was like What is uh, Charlotte was pissed You could see that look in her eye and she was mad, and Naya gets the win. And so, are you building Naya now to be Charlotte's challenger? I don't mind that in a vacuum. But again, here's the problem: who are we rooting for? Who's yeah. the baby face here? You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like uh... they're not baby faces. Either one of them. Rhea I... has recently become a baby face, kind of. Her and Nikki are. Alexa's kind of a baby face, but like. And Oscar's not even around, you know. Yeah, I. And maybe we're waiting for Oscar to j- go to SmackDown for the draft, I, and they don't want to put her back in. I just, you, you're telling me you have Oscar on there, and you can't find a place for her on your on Raw, you know, like to 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 be in some kind of a story. This was, you know, I I, I saw a couple of people in podcast actually say they didn't mind it because it felt like a little shoot wrestling. I just, it was awkward to watch. Watch it. Well, it, it I don't, honestly look like I don't know when they called this match. I, I'm sure you know Naya's going over. It's I don't know if it got called in the match, but Charlotte was legitimate pissed when Naya when they toe to toe there towards the end of the match and traded some blows. Charlotte had to hold back one of those punches. Charlotte would have hit her square in the mouth as hard as she. And what worries me is just the safety. Yes, I'm yes. worried. It like I, I get with some people that are like I kind of like it. It seems a little real and stuff. And you know what? Like if Daniel Bryan 
or like Cesaro and those two guys are going out there and like laying it in a little stiff. That's cool. That's sure. fine with me because I trust those two guys. The problem is I don't trust Nia. No, like, I don't. No. And, and you don't like how do you don't trust Nia to not hurt Charlotte? And could you imagine right now Charlotte getting hurt? Like no, with with all the rumors of like Ric Flair leaving and maybe Charlotte being unhappy with the booking and Andrade's over there and you know could she leave? Like you just don't put her in this situation. I'm very curious what they do moving forward because like. If Charlotte was being booked as a big baby face right now and she was going against Nia, okay. But who are we rooting for? We have like Nia is is a heel and Charlotte has been a heel and she's great as a heel. So I don't this doesn't make sense to me at all. You you make you no, call an it, audible from Alexa and why do you go to Nia? Where's Alexa? <laughs> yeah, if you're going to call an audible audible and you say, "Hey, look, uh we don't like it." Fine. I have no problem with it. I want an explanation, but I have no problem with it, right? Because pivot a lot of things in life, business, wrestling, football, you name it. But Naya? Come on, man. I, I don't I don't care. Look, I, I'm gonna beating for this one. I don't care if she's related to the rock or not. Don't care. No, and, and she I don't know what she from like a training standpoint and stuff, like how much she's out there working on on her stuff. And she might be there at the performance center. All the time trying Hell Unfor- Gino I don't care I, Unfor- don't care. I was going to say unfortunately it hasn't reflected And that and that's it comes down to it Right some people can work Hard and try and try and try And never really get it Now that doesn't mean Naya doesn't have a role Here her being The big tough that can be In the tag where, where she was Like that's a fine role for her in a tag I don't necessarily know if she needs to be there With Shayna because Shayna could probably be better on her own But um you got a lot of women here that are really good in the ring that have worked really hard that you could tell when you watch Charlotte and Sasha and Becky and Bianca and some of these things that these women do, you could tell that they go and work and they're getting better and better. And I just I haven't seen that from Naya. And it's scary when you see her in situations like this, you know, with with Charlotte. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure where they're going now. Why do you put John Morrison in this match with Omos? <laughs> oh, Have him turn the like baby face. Weird. The promo was even awful. Yeah, he was like he he didn't believe he was like sweating. Yeah, you know, like and he was like he was he was like he was nervous, but it's like he's not nervous. I've seen this guy cut promo. He's in movies and stuff too. You know, like he's not. It was and then he gets squashed by Omos. And and then after that Xavier comes out and him and AJ have a good match And you know that's that's fine like AJ Having but 10 matches it, it was the, the previous two matches were so bad Nia and Charlotte and Omos And Morrison they they were done They didn't know how to handle this, this should have mm-hmm. been That was a good match that It was, was a good. good match yeah it was fine and, it, and like having matches like this on your TV every week Are fine and AJ Picks up the win and we then head to the Raw Tag Team Titles, Lashley and MVP versus Riddle and Orton, and this was this was very good. This is a lot yeah. of fun. These two guys right now, like Orton knows what he's doing. Riddle is over. They, uh, you know, they celebrate, and Randy hits an RKO out of nowhere afterwards, and we get the uh, the RK bro, you know, little like pose thing, which I just freaking love. Um, <laughs> Yeah, these guys are good. They're hot. They're the hottest act on the show right now. So keep them on this show quite a bit. 
Give us a lot of RK bro for the second half of this year to the beginning of next year where you put him in the Royal Rumble, then turn him and have him wrestle at WrestleMania. I think if if you go with that template, it feels like okay, cool. We got like two or two more months or so of, of having them together as a team. Then you start the turn, you know, then you start to have a you know a match or two where maybe they lose, then they do, then the rumble, they turn on each other, singles feud. I'd love it. I'd love it. Uh, yeah. I, we knew Riddle was special um, And who would have thought That him and Orton Your hottest on Monday Night Raw Six months ago you and I Were blasting him He was yes. our least, one of our least favorite things On the show We actually were begging for Sheamus To kick his head in <laughs> <laughs> We were begging for Sheamus to broke him Because he's in the back And he was just so annoying And they just They found they found his his footing, you know, like the stupid stuff that he'll say to Randy and Orton just looks at him, you know, and he's like, but, you know, Randy, I was thinking like I might go to Taco Bell later and order a couple of those gorditas, you know, and Randy's just looking at him like, <laughs> what the F is this guy smoking, you know, try not they, to break <laughs> and then probably go back and have a smoke after and laugh about yeah, it. Oh, sure. I'm, Absolutely. I'm sure those two guys do as, uh, you know, raw the last couple weeks. Even even this week, where we critique for them not delivering on the stuff they promoted, well, the main event match was solid. The triple threat match was very good, and it feels like we're seeing Riddle and Priest really being elevated as major players. So it doesn't feel like the same thing over and over. We're at least getting some new people elevated. Now, there are lots of negative things throughout a three-hour show, but... If that's an hour of your show Or 45 minutes of your show Where you're getting RK Bro stuff And you're getting stuff right now with Priest and McIntyre In there, that is the stuff that I'm Very much invested in on Raw Agree, you know, uh, at least There's some happening, we're not just rematch Rematch, rehash stuff I, I don't know who said it Yesterday on Twitter Maybe today, you know, some of the Ideas that worked in Wrestling uh, in the 80s Early 90s, 2000 don't really work now and they seems like not just wwe but look we've seen aew do it too try to go back to that playbook and do something that's familiar with some people that's on their roster and it's just not any good and it just it just goes to show you some freshness with a couple mm-hmm. of new ideas with a couple of things with a couple of good promos be really really good don't go back to that well that it just doesn't Absolutely makes sense. It does. Look, you said it. Three hour shows, we're probably going to find more wrong than Mm -hmm. we just are. But some of these rights are fresh ideas that make that make the three hours. I I, look. We talked about it time in and time out with WWE Raw when they would do things silly at the beginning of the show and have a match and oh, we're going to have a rematch at the end of the show. We check out. You're still watching that main event now. They're doing. They're doing a majority of the stuff right. Let's get to NXT. We have uh, we kicked off with Mandy Rose versus Saray. Now NXT, I think it's it's going to be kind of hard. Yeah, it's going <laughs> to be kind of hard to talk about. I mean, when when we break down the show, there's a lot of things that don't make sense because we don't really know where we're going. We no. we just you we just tell. heard that Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard are now going to be taking over and be producing a lot of NXT. And I don't know what to think of that. Like, I don't know how much of a change it's going to be. I don't know if it's literally going to be just like Raw. I have, I really don't. I have no clue. What, what's so weird about that? If- well, let me stop you, Gino, real quick. Hang on. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm interrupting. Here's the thing. 
good and bad, okay? The people that bitch and complain on social media, RIP NX trending on Twitter last night or the before, mm-hmm. right? Yep. If so many freaking people are concerned about NX, why aren't the hell they watching it? Why aren't they watching it? It's funny. Those are the and, people and, that are not watching it. And they're still not that's, watching it. And they're that's bashing the one, it. And that's one thing I have a problem with people who will bit like, oh, Raw sucks. I don't want to. I don't want to. Raw sucks. Did you watch it? Well, no. Raw sucks. I I got tired watching it. Well, I understand. Well, but, here's you know, the like, thing. Look, <laughs> if, if 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 Vince is that bad, and there are some bad segments, man, they they still bring in the ratings on Monday and Friday night. So who the hell knows? Maybe it does bomb. Maybe NXT completely bombs, and the six hundred thousand people that were watching it because they wanted something different, they stopped. But what if it doesn't? What if it hits them and things completely change? What do you do now? Vince McMahon's a genius, right? You got to at least give it a chance. But the people bashing are, oh, NXT, at least I have NXT UK. Dude, you're not watching UK NXT. I'm not. I know you're no. not, right? No, no, I'm not. Um, it's it, it, like just so it, going through this show, it's, it's, it's weird because it's like there are some things where you go, oh, cool, like Joe is obviously a legitimate champion for any company around the world. Like yes. he could be your yes. champion, your company's champion. So that's a good way to a good place to start, right? Your champion, your top guy is very legitimate. Your female, your women's champ, Raquel Gonzalez, she's very legitimate. But then everything going on in the women's on the women's side, um, below Raquel right now, their their women's division is really, really strong, but they've done a crappy job. Building the next people up because I don't think they know what they're doing. Like on this show, we've got Mandy Rose, we've got Saray, we've got out there with Mandy, we've got Gigi Jolin and JC Jane. Um, so there, you know, there's a bunch of women right there that uh, who knows what they're doing. What are they doing with Frankie Monet in that group with the Robert Stone brand? They started on them, they stopped on them. Now it looks like they're starting a little bit more on them. We don't know. Um, we, you know, we have. Um, the women with you know Candice and Indy who are kind of just in their own storylines on the side right now, so they're not really in like major major female you know uh, going for major female titles or anything. Um, I yeah, Ember Moon and Kaylee Ray, yeah, yeah. And, and Kaylee Ray are gonna have a match, and Kaylee Ray is being built like she's gonna be the one, but. I feel like they haven't done a great job with a lot of these women underneath Raquel, who who feels awesome and and dominant and like a big star. And and Dakota felt legitimate in that match against her. But then all of these below, like any anyone right now that you put into a match with Raquel, including Kaylee Ray, who you're trying to build, just doesn't feel like they're they're ready to be in that spot. No, you know what it feels like to me if if you're it, and, and I'm just guessing and no, but man, if you're going to start changing and, and if they do a complete, that logo is a complete chain. It seems like to me that Frankie Monet may be their next women's champion. I, I, yeah. I just, I, I don't know if Raquel stays there. She goes up from what has been the strongest and probably television wrestling has been the NXT. Uh, and, and look, looking at this card and looking at this show. We have a lot of women that were on it. We saw the tag champions are back, and it looks like they're finally going to have a match. But with Raquel and Dakota now, that storyline is basically over. Them not knowing what to do. I could see them putting the title on. Maybe not. She may get beat in a squash. It may be a bad match. But 
I, I just I she's don't one know. of the few That's... that feel yeah that might be a way to uh, a a way to go. She's a veteran. He's a veteran. If you're gonna change things completely up, you know, and need names. Joe's perfect. No, look that that segment that was a fantastic Samoa Joe on Tuesday night. It was night. it, it was did. excellent. The sit down really with well Joe done. was yeah. great. Now there were there were, like some of the booking on this show I I didn't quite understand very either. Strange, and this strange. is this is where it's like this is like Vince kind of stuff. But yes. but yes, you wonder because okay, you've got Duke. Uh, first you got Champa. Champa cuts his promo in the chair, which was was pretty cool. I thought. Um, and so Champa cuts his promo, and then we get Champa in the main event uh, against a guy who. I've been really singing the praises of a guy who literally looks if you put his like his headshot right next to him looks like he could be Brock Lesnar coming up Ridge Holland if you're if you're going to get going with this new era of NXT and you've got this young stud who is kind of fresh he just came back from in- injury he's looked pretty dominant and then you have him lose lose yeah I didn't understand that at all I didn't get it like I don't know you're gonna you're gonna push Champa again, or where? Like, I don't. How much more of of a big deal would it have felt like for Ridge Holland to get the win over Champa, someone who's so proven and so decorated in NXT? But right now he's just he's just a a, a tag guy. You, you never feel like Champa's gonna get a big win over anyone. I just I don't I don't understand that that one didn't get like didn't make sense to me. No, the uh, other than the Saray, Mandy, and that really felt strawish. The count out, the towel over the piece. Other than that, it kind of seems like they're going veteran. You know, this show yeah. felt very veteranish. Well, like um, O'Reilly gets the win, which I can I can understand, but like Duke Hudson is a young guy that you would think that they'd want to be building. But I I yes. get this one I understand more than the Ridge Champa because they're they still have been building O'Reilly as a. Major singles contender as a major singles player. So, you know, Hudson losing to him doesn't bother me as much because O'Reilly's still getting built. It just Champa hasn't been someone that they've they've been behind at all recently. So for him to get a win like that, you right, you're right. They did he went very veteran. And I think I read or I heard on uh one of the podcasts that um I think it was Wink Wrestling Inc. that Glenn Rubenstein had said that Duke Hudson. Well, or or maybe it was Albert, one of them. They said that it was it's a play on the Duke, John Wayne, and Rock Hudson. Those, <laughs> that's where he put the two names together, which was like, oh, okay, that's hilarious. Uh, it's odd, funny when odd pairing, right? It's funny when you hear of like how they put names together for like uh, Dean Ambrose, you know, or you yeah, know, just, yeah. like, just all the way back in the day when they would put those, they'd have a list of one name and the next, and they just just pulled them together. So. Uh, O'Reilly gets the win over Hudson and uh, Dragonoff comes out and Dragonoff is badass man. He's great. Yeah, he he's yeah, he's he a, he's a stud and um, he gets to to cut a, a really cool little promo here. It says "Long live the ring general has fallen." And they've been using Arash Markazi who uh, worked for ESPN. He does a lot of stuff out here in Southern California. Now I believe he works for the LA Times. So I, I know him really well. He's on a lot of Local radio shows He's covered a lot of stuff in newspapers Lakers, Dodgers, Clippers stuff uh, All the time He is a big wrestling fan He actually lost like hundreds of pounds He, really? he went, like a, a couple years ago He was really really big And he just went on a massive Massive weight loss spree And uh, guy looks really good now too So shout out to Arash He sat down with Kaylee Ray The 
I like these sit downs because they just they give you a mo- a few moments to talk with someone, um, and and they're not like it. it you can tell that it's. It's much easier to ask answer a question from someone like this than to go out in the ring and cut like a 10 minute or 5 minute promo by yourself where you kind of wander a little this is better a better way of introducing people getting us to know who they are. We got this with Kaylee. We've got we got them the last couple of weeks with the breakout uh, NXT breakout uh, tournament finalists. We got one with Samoa Joe a little bit later on too um with Barrett. Whoever is doing them, these sit downs are good. Heck, we even saw AEW, I'm going to give them a good amount of credit in a minute for some of the stuff they did on Dynamite because they what they do with their interviews, they move them around, which I like. It's not always in one spot in the back or in one spot in the ring. It's hey, we're on the entrance way. Hey, we're in the ring. Hey, this one Jim Ross is in the ring with us. Hey, Tony's in the back here. So I do like that they try to move stuff around and I thought by doing this and these sit-downs, especially with NXT now that it's going to be pre-taped, just make sure you get these things right, you know? Like, take your time with them, make sure you can edit them, and get all the information that you want across from these wrestlers. Make sure they they they're, they they put it across, and then it'll help build them. I like all these sit-downs. I think they're good. Look, that, that this is one thing, one of many, but one of the biggest that separates WWE from... Not just AEW, but from everyone else in the history of professional wrestling slash is the way they produce segments, vignettes. They've just been 100%, not 100%. They, the good ones are, are A+. Plus. There, there's been some ones that's not so. But even on NXT, they just do everything right in these segments. They're well-produced, the sit-down interviews. They make that, that wrestler feel Rick Flourish, really important, and you hang on to every word. Even if they're not a good interview, you still check it out. And again, I, uh, Dragunov speaks for himself, right? That we're learning more about Kaylee Ray because the majority of us don't watch uh, NXT, NXT UK. UK. Yeah. We just don't. We yeah. just don't, right? So, you know, the Samoa Joe we, uh, segment, it's just, again, e- even on NXT that's not getting strong rating, they're still doing uh, these interviews right. And look, the Adam Cole one a while back uh, really good. was, was really, really, good. really, really good. So, O'Reilly ones, yeah. Yeah, they do it really well. Imperium gets a, a win here. So just a win for them to kind of build them back up a little bit. They pick up the win over Maverick and Grayson Walker. Um, nothing, nothing too crazy. The Gargano uh, Loomis stuff was just hilarious. So we get Johnny Gargano versus LA Knight. And Johnny Gargano comes out with Indy and Dexter accompanying him to the ring. And when he stops, Loomis does the high five for him right when he walks out. And he's holding it out there. And Johnny looks over like, no. And and then later in the match, he catches him when he falls off. Oh, my. Like, this stuff is funny. And you know what? Um, LA Knight gets a win, which he needs this win more. This win does more for him. Coming off of the the good feud with Grimes and the loss that he had there, he gets the win. They're going to continue on with the goofy stuff with Indy and Dexter and Gargano. And I can't wait for the moment when Gargano embraces Dexter now. Like, I'm waiting for this. I, I want to see them hug, you know, now. And this is funny and this is goofy. And again, it's a, it's a fun wrestling storyline and you kind of have it out of the way of the title. So I like that. You know, it's kind of, it's in this fun universe all to itself. 
Gargano doesn't need the win, as you mentioned. He's kind of in this comedy little segment, which has been really, really good. L.A. Knight, you know, he he just he loses the million dollar belt. Uh, team looks. Uh, are, are these shows taped? Are these shows taped? Yeah. Okay. You can you can just kind of feel it that they're and, and I didn't know this one. I, I I do I did know the last several weeks have been taped. They're all taped. What? Until the new one, I think it's two more weeks from now Yeah, two or three more weeks So September, is it the one we're doing the wedding? That must be the one Yeah, that's gotta be the one one. Yeah, it just kind of seems like You know, the matches are good The the outcomes are a little The matches are good But it kind of just feels like We're in the motion a little bit It's a holding pattern They don't know where they're going yeah, and, and it's I'm not taking away anything from any of the competitors. It just really kind of there's a downer feel, feel to it when you're watching. It's it like is, you just you're not as excited or as hyped for it because you just you genuinely don't know what's coming next. You don't know how important or how much this stuff that you're watching matters for a week or for two weeks, you know. Um, and Roderick Strong picks up a win here, which you know you're always going to get good in ring work when Roderick's there. That's no surprise. And um, and then you got uh, Cameron Grimes just checking in for a moment. He <laughs> uh, the uh, the grizzled young veterans mocked him a little bit, but it looks like he's going to have a match with uh, with one of them moving forward. And we got a little bit of a tease with um, what it was a uh, is it Electra. Is that the, yes. the girl? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As yeah. Uh, who's who's now with um with Santos and with uh Legado del Fantasma. So she checked in for a moment. Um, yeah, I mean, lots of things here that you could see. Just sort of feels like they're throwing a lot of stuff at the wall right now, and they just don't know where they're gonna go in a few well, we weeks. We probably got the tag team champions back. Uh, MSK, who's been a little yeah. yeah, just quickly they teased. Looks like they're gonna have a, a match. I think with uh Birkin and and um. Uh, Oni Lorkin and Birch Birkin. Did you see what I, I called them? Birkin. I com- I combined them. I combined the two of them there. See the so name that, Duke Hudson. That'll be exactly Duke Hudson. That's what I did. I kind of <laughs> as uh um that's NXT, and we'll have to you know the next few weeks are going to be obviously very important, and NXT will change quite a bit. We'll see. You just get like Chad said, it's hard. You watch the show, and it's good. It just we love NXT so much that. You got this sort of like I don't want to say anxiety, but there's this weird feeling until we know a few more until we know more. Yeah, I think we're all just yeah. sort of standing in like a what's going to happen next, and yeah. what's going to happen this weekend is AEW All Out. We I believe have ten matches on the card now. Um, they have they had to remove one of the matches because of travel issues, so that's not something that you know we can really blame on them. I think Pac and Drade had to get. Um, uh, had to get canceled and will be uh, redone on a different episode of Dynamite. But we we look at this show and I I didn't I was not high on this show at all leading up and and I still think that for All Out this is not a great show on paper and that they could have done a lot more to build and make it strong. But I do think that I am more excited now than I was a week ago for a couple of these matches and the build. And um, we'll go through the card. Uh, there's one match that's going to be on the pre-show now That's basically just a 10-man tag That'll be fun, it's just to get a lot of people on the card You got Orange Cassidy, Chuck Taylor Yuta, and the Jurassic Express So Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus Versus uh, Hardy, Matt Hardy The Private Party, and uh, TH2 
So 10 man tag like that'll be fine That'll be like that's a good pre-show match You get a bunch of people on they'll be fun There'll be some cool spots in there like that's a That that feels like a pre-show Match on a on a pay-per-view That's what they're supposed to be that kind of a thing Yeah it'll be a hot opener you know There'll be a lot of spots Uh, It's a cheap way to get a lot more People on your roster onto your Show um, it, it'll be a fun little match, chaotic. I don't know how long it'll last. So uh, it'll be, a, you know, it, it's it's a good way to get somebody. I think which is going to be free on their what YouTube, YouTube, maybe yeah, social media platform. And they'll try to get you to buy the pay per view. So I do think it was smart to put the women's battle royal on the show because yes, you don't want to make 100%. the women feel like they're on the pre show and they're not as important. It's we just had NWA do a full women's pay per view. And then you don't want to come out the next week and have them like, oh yeah, we got a twenty women's battle royal, but it's all on the pre-show, you know. And it's not a yeah. Big and, deal. I, so, and look, you know that that match was scheduled. It was no, they, they made the change. So I think that was a good call on their part in realizing, like, hey, in it, it was I think it was a sort of a blessing in disguise because they realized, okay, Andrade Pac, we're gonna move. We need something else maybe for the main show. Let's put this on there and and give the women. You know a, a little bit of a spotlight Because it it's rumored that Ruby Soho is going to be showing up In uh, in this battle royal And she has been doing some really good stuff On social media with some videos And the production level for these Videos they're almost like music videos You know where she's kind of like Walking around the streets or out Partying having a drink and Very punk rock ish um, So she's been doing some good work on her own And I, I will say she better show up in this battle royal because if she if she doesn't, it's not got a whole lot of star power. Nyla Rose, Thunder no. Rose, the Bunny, Big Swole, Julia Hart, Ty Conti, Diamante, Penelope Ford, Red Velvet, Hikaru Shida, uh, Sakura, Jade Cargill, Kira Hogan, Abaddon, Layla Hirsch, uh, Keelan King, Rebel, Jamie Hayter, Anna Jay, and I think there are two that have not been announced. One of them we are assuming is Ruby Rojo. And so okay, if she take take the take the two out, Gene. Take the two uh, T's out. We assume Ruby Soho, but let's take them both out. Say that there's two uh, that are. I have no. I mean, there is not. <laughs> there, honestly, there isn't a strong choice to win. There are Anna J. There are, Anna J. Returns right. And, she returned Wednesday night. And Anna J. Could yeah. And you know what? That's you're right. Maybe it's maybe it's as simple as that. The people did get get pop. They did pop for her. They she did get a good response yeah, when she they came did. back. And Ty Conti is someone who's been building up wins and has been getting yep. good feedback from people. She seems like she's very well liked too by people in the business, yep. a lot of the fans. So one of those two women would make the most sense because I think they are very purposely putting Thunder Rosa on the back burner for a while. I think they're waiting, waiting, and waiting. And then eventually they will go back to that Brit. Thunder Rosa and have a big match At a pay-per-view with the two of them in like a No DQ match or something like That again because it was so good the first time With the two of them so I think they're purposely Waiting for that and it It just feels like any of these Women I guess are okay to win Because I don't Brit can't lose for a while Anyway so it, it is it is going to no, be in, no. Interesting if if you bring In Ruby Soho in this Match do you want her to win and then go lose to Brit? Because she's not going to beat Brit. Nobody should. If if anybody beats Brit for six months, it doesn't make any sense. She she's got to run with this belt for a while, a while right now. And so, do you bring in Ruby and have her lose the battle royal to not like 
very established or proven women where Ruby feels like a much bigger star than every woman that's been announced in this battle royal, right? Yes. So she um, needs to win. <laughs> so she needs to win. But then if she does, she's gonna get beat by Brit soon, which I don't yes. know if that does anything for her. It would it be better off for her to stack up wins for a couple months and then you have her, you know, face Brit. I I don't know. Um and I you're kind of in a weird spot here because then what do you do with Jade? That's she true. has been the one that's never looked bad yet. But is she ready? I, it, we haven't gotten the feeling that she's ready Hell they don't tell us that she's ready Because she's not on TV enough or put in big matches So they're telling us that they don't think she's ready And yeah, so she was, a, she was in a segment the night With Thunder Rosa and Nyla Rose They kind of punch uh, What she sucker punches Thunder Rosa then her and Nyla Get into it or maybe something like that That mm-hmm. was just I, I don't know. I don't know. She, I, she I, must not be ready. She looks the part, but she must not play. So we'll see if Ruby shows up. If it's not Ruby that wins, I think you you hit the nail on the head. It's got to either be Anna J or or Conti. It's got to be a baby face, and it's got to be someone who who doesn't really need who who doesn't feel like they're even remotely close to it. Like nobody feels like they could beat Brit, but it would be a waste to put somebody in there. Like even like Thunder Rosa right now. Because Thunder Rosa actually probably feels like one of the few people in this division that wouldn't be a total shock if she were to beat Brit. So, so no, because it feels it's safe because we've seen her work with Brit. But mm-hmm. do you go that route again? No, and and, and you don't go there do now. They did after that match. Yeah. yeah, you don't, and you don't go there now. So it, it's almost like anyone that wins this, they're just going to be feeding to Brit anyways. So I don't know if that's the best spot for Ruby. We'll see. She's been doing some good work out there. Moxley Kojima I gotta be honest I'm a New Japan You know I, I watched New Japan quite a bit a few years ago um, When the Young Bucks And the Elite and Omega was in there And Jericho was doing a lot of stuff And then once AEW started I really stopped because That was kind of scratching a lot of the same itch For me that watching the New Japan stuff did and They've had a really rough year Year and a half with the pandemic stuff But I don't know much at all about Kojima I, I really don't Like I know Tanahashi I know Naito. I know even like I, there are a lot of their big stars that I know pretty well. I don't know much about him. And you know, a few weeks ago, you had Moxley mentioning guys like Tanahashi. So this, I'm sure the match will be solid to above average. But this just feels a little bit disappointing for a big, big pay per view that Moxley has a match with someone that has no build, no feud, no anything. Uh, I, I'm sure it'll be fine on paper, uh, up until watching, going back and watching EW as they show the matches on TV, you know, previewing, you can hear the live crowd. So I'm sure those matches on the screen, you heard the pop for Moxley, uh, the match will probably be fine, but if you're just a generic wrestling, uh, not getting style, as you mentioned, this is not going to do a lot for you. We get to... Speaking of, speaking oh of not doing well, a lot for The last two <laughs> weeks, we get QT Marshall losing in a roll-up to the gun club, and then this week, Big Show's out there, and he's out there with the guns, and Billy Gunn, like, attacks him from behind, like... Horrible. Horrible. What? Why? Like, why is Billy Gunn even out there? I don't understand this. It, it I don't. It doesn't make sense to me. What? It, and then QT Marshall sort of doesn't realize that Billy Gunn's turn. Big Show. I got to give him credit. The guy. 
he's his acting chops are good. Like he's he's literally crying in the ring out there. Dude, <laughs> like he's doing the best that he can with this with this shit sandwich that he's been handed, you know? And it's like I got to imagine if you're him thinking when I'm in the mat, when I'm in the ring again, it's not going to be with someone like QT freaking Marshall. Like Jungle Boy versus Big Show would be awesome, right? Like the young Jungle Boy versus the they could even play on how he was the giant before, you know, and it's like Jungle Boy trying to climb him. Big Show, like there's a million guys that I could have picked other than QT Marshall. This is doing absolutely nothing for me. And this segment was one of the downers on what I thought was a a pretty good dynamite, a pretty good go home show, and a lot better show than last week. This is one of those things that I'm going, really, Billy Gunn's out here turning on the big show to set like I don't, I'm not excited for this at all whatsoever. No, the the only time you see Billy Gunn dark or dark, and the only reason why I know that, is remember the results, and I like to go look at the YouTube numbers to see what it draws. Um, that's the only reason why I know. Um, I, it's just this is why why Q Marshall spots week out in this company is beyond me. I don't think he does money. I'm sorry, just don't. This this pre show. This is Joe. This is a pre. Or a no, summer. you're right. It's just pitiful. That's pitiful. So Jericho MJF will. Th- this one's interesting now because if Jericho loses, he must retire from in ring competition in AEW. They've made that very clear. In fact, somebody online even today said. This can't be his last match because if it is, his last match should be with Lance Storm. And Lance Storm said, "If make sure you pay attention that he said his last match in AEW." So Lance Storm, his buddy, he was <laughs> said, "You know, um, this would be a big thing for MJF." Let me say, I think MJF should win this match. I don't think he's going to, but I think he should. I think if you're Chris Jericho and you look around right now and you go, "I did exactly what I needed to do here." And I'm not saying he needs to pack it in and be done, but I'm wondering if he's going, I came over, I helped this company, and now there's a CM Punk, there's a Daniel Bryan that's coming in, maybe a Bray Wyatt, maybe an Adam Cole all coming in, who knows? Do you need Jericho in the ring as much anymore? Does Jericho do more for you or some for you on the commentary table and then – you can some of the rumors that we've heard are that JR is going to be getting um sort of weathered out of the the main commentary team and i think JR will be doing a lot more like what we saw him doing with Jericho on Dynamite in ring stuff or backstage interviews or sit downs like we were just talking about on um, on NXT i i wonder if he's ready for that though Jericho cuz i mean think about it he could right now lose that match they got the uh, cruise. They've got he's got a uh, tour shows coming up sometime soon, and he could sit on commentary. And he he wouldn't be gone. He would still be there. I think this would be good for MJF, man, to just put him out of his misery and to just be the guy that like ended Jericho. But I don't think they're gonna go there. I do think Jericho gets the win. I do think they want to have an opportunity to still use Jericho. I hell, I think they even want to go a Jericho Punk match would still be fun. They wrestled in WWE, like that could that'd be fun on the mic them building up to something or some Jericho ha- ha- helping somebody build up to a Punk match. I I I do this I'll be entertained by this. Um but I I, I know I know for sure that after this pay-per-view I just I don't want to see these two guys together anymore. And it's not because no. there's been it's not because it's been bad. It's just been so long of them getting together, 
being on the team We knew this was coming And then they turn And then the labors of Jericho And then we had a match that he lost And now another one with his, is on the line So I think this has to be the definitive end to it But I am There are a lot of things they can do So I am, I am sort of intrigued I just I don't even know if you needed to do that match the other night why didn't you just no. have the final That's labor yeah. on the sh- pay-per-view and have that be for his career? I just feel like That's... we may have seen these guys once or twice too many. Yeah, it's last Jordy. Uh, I'm 100% with number one. I'm a Y2J. I, I, I'm just a big Chris Jericho. MJF, this th- this would elevate him because I'm afraid MJF is... Um, I don't know why I feel that. It's just I look at this card up and down. I agree. Everything, I agree. everything seems just much more bigger than several months ago. He was the biggest thing in AEW, the hottest thing. And that shows you how quick your your ass can go from hot to not instantly. And that's why we worried about Paige. Like, that's why I'm really worried about Hangman Page right now. Um he was so hot and yeah you can bring him back in and inject him into the storyline but and and when and if he wins the title or whatever people will pop but it's not going to be like it was just a month ago it's not going to feel like it was when we felt that tag match with the dark order versus the elite like that was like okay we're about getting to something so i yeah i am um, i'm very curious where they go here and i 1000% agree with you it has not felt like MJF is as big of a deal. And the one, the guys that we have from the very beginning said need to feel like they're a huge deal. And the 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 reason why I personally, myself, like AEW and watched AEW from the beginning and I'm interested in AEW is not for the Jerichos and the Punks. When they show up. It's fine, and I completely understand why you bring them in because they get more eyeballs on your eyeballs on your product. The reason why I personally watch AEW is because of Jungle Boy, MJF, Darby Allen, and Sammy Guevara. Those are the guys that I watch. You know, Britt is awesome now too. Those were the ones that were got me interested in this product and the Bucks and Kenny, what they do in the ring, how good they are, and that they're different than WWE. That's what I like And when I, I get worried when I look at a show Like this and I go hey, your, uh, Jungle Boy's on the, the pre-show MJF's in an important match With Jericho and Darby's in an important Match with Punk but we get no Sammy and that MJF Match feels like it's probably Fourth or fifth down the card Now it doesn't feel quite as big As it should feel so I mean that's, that's me personally Um and I, I worry a little bit about that Because are we going to see Daniel Bryan at this show Are we going to see Adam Cole at this show Are we going to see Bray Wyatt show up soon We know that people like Buddy Murphy And Braun Strowman I think their no compete clauses are now up They could show up sometime very soon And and somebody's going to suffer When they do Somebody has to It's inevitable And so uh, yeah That's Jericho MJF Miro and Eddie Kingston is next and, and while they didn't Really build this match up for weeks I would have maybe liked another week or two of build Eddie Kingston is actually one of those Kind of guys that you can slot Into a match And he only needs like a few minutes To kind of talk himself into the match You know you kind of believe Like his purpose and I think he's A good person to have here because The crowd likes him they'll get behind him But he's not going to win and he shouldn't win 
and maybe he gets a win in New York in a few weeks, and maybe that you know this continues. But Miro should beat him here and continue on with his reign. Yeah, it, it'll be a good match. Hopefully, it gets it. Hopefully, it gets some time. The, these guys probably need to go a little bit longer. But what makes me nervous is the Paul White, UT Marshall, that match, squash. Um, we'll talk about Punk and Darby. That that need to be given some time. But hell, Punk hasn't. Lord knows when. So I don't I'm know how good that GTS looked either. It looked a little sloppy. Yeah, in that little going to sleep. Yeah, you know, he's in, this is he's one in of the G- matches. You know, but we'll give him a. <laughs> yeah, but I, this, this is I look and hopefully we get to the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers in a cage. Okay, this match. They better just take all the 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 handcuffs off, and these guys just better go. Like the, what what these four are capable of doing, this should be to me the match of the night. More than Darby versus Punk, that's a spectacle. I'm I'm a little worried about Punk. Not not that I don't think he's going to be bad, but I don't know if he's going to be ready to go and give us a five star quite yet. It may be a couple more months from now. These these two guys, these two teams, this should be incredible. But the problem the problem that I have with this is it just doesn't there's not that much build. I did like the segment at the end of Dynamite where they had the cage and they were beating the crap out of everybody inside the cage. That was good. Um I don't but you know we've seen these matches with with these groups before. It'll be great great match. I just don't think anybody feels like they're ready to beat the Bucks. If you don't think Omega's losing his title, Britt Baker title, Miro is losing his title. Um, so no titles are going to change on, on all out. I know you're right. It doesn't, it does, does I, it feel like any of them should not really like the way they've been booked. The, the, like, this, I guess would be the least surprising of all four of them. Yeah. It, you know, yeah. like a tag, but I mean, we just have them two weeks, like a week ago. We didn't even know who was facing the bucks. True. It was, a, it was going to be between Jurassic Express and them. And then they, they had a really good match. So that's what we, for all out, I would have expected so many people say with AEW, you know, long-term storytelling or storytelling, but like we didn't get very long-term builds for, we got it for J, for MJF and Jericho. And it's funny because that actually feels like it was too long. <laughs> like it wasn't really yeah. in that sweet spot. And everything else on this show is like just a few weeks of put together Britt Baker and Chris Stantlander. That doesn't really feel like it's a, like it's a, a grudge match or anything. It just it feels like a match. Uh, I don't know. And, and, and it'll be good. I, it'll be good. It, like it's gonna be a good match. The but match will be fantastic. There's gonna be blood. If I'm looking at the title match, I would pull an absolute shocker, stunner, and let Christian Cage win. Uh, I would think of the four, the probably Young Bucks would probably lose the title of the Lucha. But it, does it make sense? No. But I don't know if any a lot of stuff that AEW has done. We get to, yeah, Britt, Chris, Statlander, we said, should be solid. I don't understand. I mean, should be solid. It just, she's not going to win. She's just a, you know, contender for Britt. Britt gets the win. She's one of the hottest acts on the show. I, I can't expect anything other than that, right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the big, look, it, it, it's a good match. Yeah. The big two matches on the show, we get uh, Kenny Omega versus Christian Cage. We saw this match a few weeks ago. Now, Christian's done a, done a good job since then, I think, of, you know, Christian's, you put Christian in a spot and he's not getting booed out of the building or anything, which I was a little worried that he might. He, I, I think, has done, you know, solid in, in what he's been asked. This just doesn't feel like what you wanted to be. 
your main title match at the biggest show of the year. Uh, you're you're right. That's why I, you know, an Omega had what some blue dye in his hair or something was up with his ponytail. Tonight, it looks like he had some color in his hair. Christian tries to make the save, but this seemed like more of the the in the show. Than it does Omega K, your main event, assuming I, I don't think they would go Punk and Darby, your main. I, I wouldn't think so. I think they are. I, I think they're doing it in Chicago. I think they're going to go well, in Chicago. With, I mean, there's, but then there's but, no way Christian Cage will. No, None. no, Christian Cage doesn't win the title. In fact, I, I wouldn't be shocked. Now, I don't know if they're going to go there, but I wouldn't be shocked if you got Punk, Omega wins. Punk wins. Everybody's chanting CM Punk, CM Punk, and then at the very end, you get Omega and the Elite come out to squash CM Punk, and they attack him, and then here comes Daniel Bryan. I'm to, okay with that. You know, or I'm something okay. like that. Or yeah, Adam Cole. Or Adam Cole. Adam Cole. It could be Adam Cole. Some somebody comes to make the save. You know, one of those that have been rumored. Um, I I could see that happening. Or you just do the. You know, CM Punk gets the win and they go off with CM Punk. You know, everybody just chanting CM Punk in Chicago, which would be, you know, a cool moment. But it I, would, you know, it, it wouldn't make sense for Adam Cole now that I'm thinking about it because he's a part of the or he Yeah, was. he's or more buddies they with them. Bury him. Yeah. Didn't they, didn't they, have a they killed him. They, they killed know. him. Yeah, so he's had to come back from the dead. Yeah, I believe. And so uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've already seen zombie matches in WWE. We don't need. Yeah. Um, so the punk. The CM Punk match, you know, what do yeah. you think we're going to get from CM Punk? How good do you think CM Punk is going to look in this particular spot? CM Punk, Darby Allen, what happens in this match, Coop? I don't know. I, I really don't. Does CM Punk go over hometown? CM Punk put Darby Allen, oh, and then the crowd turn on Darby. Something's going to, I'm with you, something's going to happen here at the end. Something has to happen. There has to be people involved. Somebody has to come out. I mean, if not, CM Punk's got to win because the fans aren't going to. I don't know. Maybe they chances awesome. Don't lose. Fight regardless. It's Darby's already kind of. Darby's kind of playing a little heelish right now because I think he he, he realized, has been he, he has been. Ha, like on Twitter just saying like I don't care if you chant my name. I don't care if you who you're rooting for. I don't care which he has to in this particular spot. I don't. I don't sure. think he's going to get. Like booed out of the building when he, but I think you're just going to get overwhelming CM Punk um, chance there, and that should be the thing. I think that that's what they're going to want to go with to close out the show, because I, I don't know if you, yeah, because I, I don't see Christian going over, and I don't know if no if you put Punk there, if the crowd might be a little deflated for the end. So they're going to be up until they see CM Punk. That's no no doubt about that. Sure. I, I just wonder if we get sure. any Punk chance like throughout the show. In thing like they do in WWE when there's things on the show oh, that yeah. they don't like yeah. or that are boring, sure. do we start getting the CM Punk chance right away? Would be right. Look, it's gonna be. A, you're talking three and a half hours, three hours. And that's that's a long night. That's a long night. And yeah. plus, Friday night is live too, correct? Yeah, I think they have Friday night, and then they have a, they even have like a the Road to All Out special following Rampage and talking a lot about yeah. CM Punk and, and his return to the ring. So, All Out. Coming up this weekend And another big week that started last week With uh, a couple NWA pay-per-views We had Ramp what, Friday, so from, from last week to this week Friday Smackdown, Friday Rampage NWA Empower You had the NWA uh, anniversary show Monday Night Raw, Tuesday Night NXT Wednesday Night Dynamite 
And uh, here we are, covered all of that for you on the day of birth of Chad Cooper, <laughs> my good friend, Loop, buddy. Thank you so much for taking some time out on your uh, on your special day. I hope you have an awesome weekend, and I look forward to, to chatting with you uh, again next week, buddy. You got it, my friend. We got a lot to talk about next. Rehashing all the stuff happened. And uh, look, AEW is going up against college football. Um, opening weekend, some big matchups. If you want to grab some Twitter headlines, uh, you got to do something special here at the end of this card. Give him a follow at the Chad Cooper on Twitter and on Instagram. Koopa Loop, my man. Enjoy your uh, your 21st birthday. Go have a drink on me. <laughs> <laughs> you got it, my friend. Talk to you soon, buddy. Thanks so much. That is Chad Cooper there. Uh, don't go anywhere, folks. We still have plenty more on That's What G Said. Koopa Loop, happy birthday, my man. Hope you had a good one. Thanks so much again for uh, all your help here and for being such a great friend. Make sure to give Chad a follow as we finish up on this episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Thank you again to Chad for helping us out. Thanks to James for talking some Dodgers and Eric talking NFL with us. Hopefully we lead you to some winners on Friday and Saturday. Don't forget about those live streams. You can hang out with me on Friday, 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. We're going to go through the Friday Del Mar card. Then on Saturday at 10 a.m., 10 a.m., oof. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time. You can give us a follow and follow along at BTV Bets. We're going to go over the Saturday college football slate. We'll talk about some of those games. Then on Sunday morning, give us a follow. There are no NFL games this week, but this Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, we are going to have a live stream where we go through all of our future wagers. Eric and a couple others, I think Blackjack and Brian, will be joining me. And so we will just kind of get ready and let you know that this is going to be the time. We're coming to you each and every week. A huge couple weeks coming up with the NFL starting. I'm really pumped. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said.